Yo, JQ, what's going on? Hello? <laughs> what are you dremeling, dude? Nothing. <laughs> why, are you, why are you acting like you're doing nothing? I'm doing a recording a podcast. Yeah, but you're dremeling something. What are you dremeling? Are you buffing yourself? No. Are you are you are you making it not a baby carrot no more? Am I what? Not making it not a baby carrot anymore. I have no problems in that department. <laughs> well, you don't have any problems Very in that department. Yeah, but you're you have nobody to satisfy at the moment, so it doesn't make a difference. Nitro is the glory. Welcome to the No Name RC Podcast with your host tonight, Keenan White, aka Lefty the Great. And if you are unlucky, the Finnish village idiot, JQ. This is the RC Podcast with no name, but plenty of content. So sit back, relax and get ready for some serious bench racing. Yes, indeed, Nitro's the glory, but e-buggy pays the bills. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode number 76 of the No Name RC Podcast. I'm your host, Keenan White, a.k.a. Left of the Great, and this week we have an icon of RC on the podcast, a man that's synonymous with, with RC. His name is, his last name is the name of an actual brand, one of the one of the biggest rivalries in RC. I would like to thank Mr. Gil Losey Jr. for coming on the podcast and an excellent chat with him this week. Uh, I appreciate it. Also, uh, big shout out to all the supporters of the podcast that uh, shared the podcast that joined in on the Donathan RC giveaway that we did on Wednesday. And for the questions that were submitted to from everybody, I appreciate it all. I hope I see people are starting to race again. That's good to see. Um, before I go on any further, I just want to shout out to our sponsors, which are RCMX Online, Techno RC, JQ Racing, Beach RC, BK Servos, and Papa Willie's Traction Tonic. We have some pretty big news coming up here soon, which I'm excited about. It's going to be fun and big <laughs> and ballsy, literally. Uh, so, yeah, good stuff going on. Let me let me bring in uh, Beaker, see what he's up to. And uh, let's get this podcast started. Yo, JQ, what's going on? Hello? <laughs> what are you dremeling, dude? Nothing. <laughs> why, are you, why are you acting like you're doing nothing? I'm doing a, recording a podcast. Yeah, but you're dremeling something. What are you dremeling? Are you buffing yourself? No. Are you, are you, are you making it not a baby carrot no more? Am I what? Not making it not a baby carrot anymore. I have no problems in that department. <laughs> well, you don't have any problems Very in that department. Yeah, but you you have nobody to satisfy at the moment, so it doesn't make a difference. Um, what's going on, Joseph? How you doing? Okay. Weather's it, finally good. We don't have snow, so I can go to the track. What's the temperature like there? Around 20. So that's what? About 60-something Fahrenheit? I don't know. I only do the sensible, logical metric system, Celsius and all that. Mm, mm, I'm sure. So that means uh, what's going on race-wise? Is there going to be a race there soon? Or what's it looking like for you guys there? I see um, 
What the, the euros canceled the 40 plus euros this this week as well. So I guess there's just nothing going on. Big race. Well, Euro probably racing in Finland. So no nationals until maybe August, but we can have just normal races. So we'll do the national series. It's just not officially nationals. Okay. Oh well, at least you get to do something. You get to race Max. Like now that he's your he's your He's your nemesis now, really, truly, and and, and truly. Have you have you spoken to Max yeah. lately? Yeah, I saw him yesterday. He was at the track. Oh, now, yeah. now I don't want him to do well anymore. I, or let's say that if I'm in the race, I don't want him to do well. <laughs> so <laughs> now I have to beat him. Are, are you worried? Did you watch him out there with his new car? Motivation. What? Did you watch him out there with his new car? Yeah, it was the first day, and he hasn't driven in a while, so he kind of sucked, but yeah, he should be fine. You sound a bit worried. You sound a bit worried. I don't know what's going on. Um, Yeah, nothing much going on. PMB is going to be, looks like it's going to be the first really big race here after, after co- well, you know, in the after the COVID pandemic. I guess it's not really over, but you know what I mean. I see they've announced for the um, 17th to the 20th of July, I believe it is. No, unfortunately, I will not be going to that race because, uh, first, the borders aren't open here, and I don't think they're even open in America yet. And not only that, it's going to be a while before I go to a race because I'm not leaving this country until I know I could get back here with no problem. The government's still flip-flopping all around what they want to do. There's an election coming up here, so one government's playing on that, the other's playing on this. So for me, I'm just going to stay my behind her in the DR until I know everything's in the clear and I can leave and come back. And also I'm moving. So yeah, that's what I'm been up to, man. Um getting stuff ready for this move, which takes place next month. Got some new air conditions because this air condition isn't doing the trick and we have to get new air conditions for the new house. So I, I purchased some new air conditions and they're gonna save me on my electricity bill. So I'm super excited about that. So they're inverters and yeah, nothing much otherwise than that. We're still kind of under lockdown here, curfew. But things are kind of back to normal, like somewhat normal. I took a drive to go get these air conditions the other day and it was like, wow, nothing's really changed besides everybody wearing masks and some lines for some places. But good stuff, man. PMB, first big race. Um, I don't know how the numbers are going to be. I got to talk to Dave, see what's going on. I don't even know how they're going to manage that race. I'm sure there has to be some some regulations. I don't know what the law in Tennessee is, but um, yeah, it should be interesting to see what it's gonna be hot there. Oh man, oof, be hot up there in that that uh that uh, arena. So I don't know if things go well. Maybe I'll go to a wicked weekend if things open up and things look better. I still have my my ticket uh, credit, so maybe I'll use that and go to a wicked weekend. We'll see. Um. Oh, anything else you want to talk about, Joseph, in the news? Anything going on? Oh, my gosh. Do we want to talk about the if not thing right now, or we want to wait to the rant? Uh, rant. But I have to say this. Oh, my gosh. Um, you really did get me with that. Like, I had no idea you was planning that. I was actually speechless last week, and that doesn't happen much. So, so now that you've thought about it, isn't it a genius idea? You know, um, at, at first I was a little, you know, I don't, I don't really like, um, I try not to talk bad about people, but 
um, I, you know, I don't know how I take criticism to, I take criticism sometimes good, sometimes bad, but I saw some, like some of the, some of the English guys were pissed off. Like, but we'll talk about that on the rant, but a lot of the other people were like supportive of it. And that shows me that people actually want something to change. Like, and, um, yeah, I don't know, but I think we got to save that for the rant. Let's talk about a little, little bit more news items here. Ain't much going on. I see ProLine has a new face shield, <laughs> I guess. Um, Flashpoint, a new engine. Oh, nothing, there's still nothing much going on. Uh, J Concepts, I know you ain't into this. J Concepts released some more no prep stuff. Uh, did you, no prep, uh, drag racing bodies, Mustang. I, excuse me if I get it wrong, people, but I know I got that wrong. It's a Buick or something like that. Stuff you ain't interested in, Joseph. But um, I had Gil Losey on the podcast this weekend. It was a great chat, man. Um, he has some great ideas about... He actually, we, we got talking about RCGP. And it's interesting what he said the next innovation in RC is going to be. It wasn't anything to do with chassis. It wasn't anything to do with um, radios. Anything to do with actual RC gadgets or anything he said the next innovation in rc has to be the innovation should i spoil it or should i just let people listen to it or do you do we want to talk about it just spoil it all right so he said the next innovation the, the next <laughs> you never listen to anything the next innovation rc isn't one isn't an item but it's how we get rc to the masses and promote our sport and and that's that was his that was his thought on the next innovation of RC. And uh, we got talking about RCGP and he says, I like the idea. I like all of that. I hope Joe, he even said it last week on um, Thomas Tran's Facebook live things that he does on Thursdays. And he said that he said, I, someone asked about RCGP and he says, I think it's a great idea. And I hope Joseph's and RCGP's ideas can go forward and help take well, something. Some of the lines were help take RC to that next level. This is what we need. So that's that's a big compliment, I would say. He's been. Well, it doesn't mean shit though, because TLR isn't in it. Like TLR is See? not a part of it. So See? if he thinks See? that, then why isn't TLR a part of it? Because I'm sure it takes more why than just TLR him. Supported? Because see, this is what you see. You always get upset. You you can't take a compliment. I'm not upset. No, no, I'm listen. just realistic. Yeah, people but say people always say things that they think other people want to hear. Like this is the right thing. This is what I'm gonna say. But then if they actually have to do something, they don't do it. The proof of what a person's character and what they truly believe and what they truly think is what they do, not what they say. People's actions speak much louder than words. I really don't care what people say, you know, to be honest. It's more like All consistently right. what do people do. Well, it's maybe it's that not matters. the decision is not entirely up to him to do that. You know, obviously, TLR is a part of Horizon. It's not entirely his decision to say, I need to do this. He has to go through, he, he is on a, uh, I believe is on a, he can't make those type of decisions on his own. He has to go through people. And that's what sometimes you seem to don't understand is that people probably want to do things, but they don't have the power to make it happen. He can advise to do things and he can say it's a great idea, but he has to convince the others to do it. You know, and just because somebody says they agree with you and they don't have actions doesn't mean they're not of value to you. You know what I mean? 
So having somebody that right. supports, no, no, let me finish. Having somebody that supports that and praises that is just, is good, is great. It can lead to maybe TLR coming into it later, but being a dickhead about it will not. Okay. My comment is a general comment, not just about him. Okay. Make that clear. Have you been to a doctor yet? For what? Remember what we were talking about in the last podcast? How you did that test and you're probably 99.9.9% yeah. autistic? I don't need a doctor for that. Uh, denial. 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 There's no pills you can take. Excuse me? There's no pills you can take. Well, you know what? I'm going to start reading up on how to deal with people like you so I can, I can maneuver you better. Why don't you do that? Tell me how it goes. <laughs> uh, it's funny. Uh, like Scott was trying to tell me how to do it the other day, and it's like, watch, he's going to shut down, he's going to shut down, and you did exactly that. So I'm going to learn. I don't know. I, you know, when I was coming up, I didn't really have to deal with all that type of stuff, ADHD, autism, autism, all that stuff. That wasn't a thing. Like, it was like, you didn't pay attention, you got, to ask, you got your ass kicked. You, you acted stupid, you got to slap upside your head, you know? So it probably was a thing back then, but, you know, I'm a little older. Anyway, back to RC and RC stuff. Yeah, man, anything you want to talk about? Did you see this app that they've come out with? No. It's a setup app. Now... I thought, I might be wrong here, but I thought it was like something where you can get set up advice, but apparently it's just an, it's an app that has set up sheets on it. So basically. What's it called? It is called, let me find it. I found this on RCMX, by the way, so it should be on there. So dialed. Let's talk. Let's go to it. So the so dialed setup app makes it simple to record setup see how changes affect the handling and figure out how to get faster without the hassle of setup sheets or makeshift spreadsheets the app comes loaded with kit setups for over 60 popular 10th and 8th scale off-road buggies and trucks from team associated team Lose techno schumacher kyosho x-ray and new cars are added all the time app features 60 plus supported off-road cars on-road coming soon record setups for suspension tires electronics and more Choose common options like shock springs and pistons from built-in lists. Get tips for most car settings so you know how each car will affect your handling. Record your track conditions and notes on the car's performance. Use the app anywhere, even offline. Save unlimited cars with unlimited setups. And best of all, it's free. We feel all racers should be able to improve their cars and lower their lap times regardless of their financial resources. Some feedback from our beta drivers it's super easy to drive and I must for all skill and experience levels. Bob Taylor, this app will make, will be the standard for tracking setup. Scott Palmer HB. I actually need to download this app. I haven't even done it. So I'll do it while I talk to you. Hopefully the internet doesn't get too janky. But this is, this is a pretty good idea. So I guess instead of taking notes, you can just do everything on her. Would you be doing something like this or do you prefer to put on, on paper what you do? I don't know. I'd have to play around with it to see. All right. So yeah, a good app would be nice. How's your how's things going with your guide and everything? Still That's hoping the... to have it done this summer. It's pretty extensive, let's put it that way. <laughs> how many pages did you write? Gonna it's gonna be like probably about a hundred pages. How how many pages was your first guide? 
I'm not sure. 30. Okay, so it's like, yeah, that's way more extensive. All right, so I'm on the app, and it just, I I guess you add a car. So I'm going to click to add a car. Obviously, I don't have a, we don't have JQ here, so let's go with the new, let's go with the new associated car. Oh, no, let's go with a car we all kind of know what's going on. The new HB. Save. So it has a kit set up. Let's see. So it basically goes into the setup. Uh, so my base setup. Let's see what that is. So it has everything individual. It doesn't have everything. All right. So you go to differentials. It says center diff, five, front diff, seven, rear diff, rear diff, two. Then you have a place to put notes. I want to know about body and chassis. You know, it has all that there. Ring, rear, rear wing mount plus 10 millimeters, rear wing mount location. So it's basically like all the setup things. So you have, it's not like a, like the setup sheets that we remember, like we were used to, like a piece of paper with everything written down on it, with the different locations and all that stuff. It's basically you go in uh, and look at it and you pick which side you want to elect um, uh, drivetrain. Universal front, drive shafts, rear, universal 13 to 48 tooth. Aluminum clutch shoes, all that type of stuff. So it's just taking, it looks like it's taking the setup sheets and breaking them down into different sections. So interesting, interesting. And it can add new setups and all that type of stuff. I wonder if they'll be able to like upload like Runafalk setup or Cool Ogden setup to this. That should be cool too. But yeah, good stuff, man. Check them out at So Dialed. Download the app and they also ask you if you don't see a car on there or a company, or your car, to let them know about it, so you can get your car put on there. Good stuff. Let's have a look what else we have here in the news. Nothing much, man. Honestly, it's still, like, nothing really going on. Um, you saw Wally broke his uh, shoulder mountain biking. Now he's, it's like... Yeah, I saw that. His, now we have two lefties. Like, he's lefty number one, and I'm lefty number two. And the messed up thing, he's actually left-handed. He was like, ah. I said, well, man... You're lucky that you didn't really mess your arm up like I did. So, um, yeah. yeah, I saw the picture of him almost crying. Uh, dude, it probably hurt. Probably hurt. What about these new um, side guards that you pushed out, Joseph? The JQ Black Edition Carbon Side Guards. That's big news. Yeah, available now. Yeah. Get yours now. Yeah, are they like a limited supply? Of some sort? Yeah, there's still a few left. Okay. So people Maybe get, get them right now if yeah. you want them. Yeah. And you have to get them from the international shop or the EU shop. Good stuff. Yeah. Good stuff. You know what? Do you have anything else to talk about? Or are we just going to go straight into our questions? Let's go into questions. Are you excited for questions? Honestly, no. You're never excited. You know what? You know what, man? Hey, by the way, um, where are your sound drops? into me two or three times uh, uh, on purpose. Uh, that's what happened, basically. JQ, did you crash two or three times into Leonardo on purpose? I think it was pretty much 50-50. You see, that's the problem. A lot of these young kids, I don't have any, any, anything personal against them, but they don't have any respect for the other cars on the track. So after multiple times of the same driver taking you out, you just have enough. So I thought I would do the same to him and see how he reacts. Now he understands how it feels to be ahead of him. So hopefully he can take this as a lesson going into the future races. So you deliberately hit him? 
yeah, I'm not ashamed to admit I deliberately took him out. Yes, I did. That's one of my favorite, honestly. That's one of my favorite. Oh, I was man. just going to say, where are your sound drops? Anyway, you need to get your sound drop game on point. Did you? No, even... They need to be short and sweet. You just did the best of episodes, so you just went through episodes. So where are all the good, juicy sound drops? Do you know how difficult it was to do that best of show? Do you know how much time? So you took? should have. I, you, you know what? You know what? Now. I didn't even get to go through all like the first. I've lost the first twenty of the podcasts, pretty much all the information I got. I, it doesn't matter. It does matter. Shut up. You 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 should have a sound drop of like average Joe, you know, and then you just you can play that over and over. Yeah, That's that, good. Yeah, that would and, be good. Uh, I'm sure. What's his face? Um, Keaton, <laughs> Keaton said a few things that are good sound drops. I'm sure you said plenty that are good sound drops. So, Craddock, Craddock probably said something. We need to get Craddock back on her too. If you, that'd be fun. That yeah, was fun. so just get some good sound. You know what you can do when you're sitting at home with nothing to do in Finland, no woman, no love in your life. You can start listening to podcasts too and say, "Oh, that's a great sound drop." Let me get the minutes and let me know, Keenan. Let Keenan know to take this out. You just need that, so you should have them already. Yeah, but you can do that too. You have you have no life. You have no woman and no love in your life. So, you know, that's your love of your life, your drummer. <laughs> Is that like your new? I'm not listening to Left anymore. I'm just gonna turn on my drum <laughs> Anyway, let's get to the BTRC questions. BTRC.com, the racer's one-stop online hobby shop. Choose from all the popular brands and variety in stock with super fast shipping and great customer service. BeachRC.com still has the local hobby shop feel with all the benefits of the internet. BeachRC.com is the exclusive distributor for Ultimate Racing, JQ Racing, Pro Circuit Racing Tires, Nitro Lux Fuels, and Assault RC Performance Products. So fill up your cart and check out at BeachRC.com today. Welcome to the Beach RC Facebook question segment. This is the part of the podcast dedicated to your questions that you have asked via Facebook or Instagram. We appreciate all the questions. There are more this week. So I'm super excited about that. Thank you to Beach RC. They have been a long time supporter of this pod podcast. Brent is putting a lot of money back into the RC industry. He will be at PNB. Lucas will be there with the White Whale. So they will be one of your online, uh, one of your shops on site there at PNB. So go to Beach RC, use our affiliate link. That helps us out a lot. When you use the affiliate link, it definitely helps this podcast out a lot. Thank you for uh, Beach RC for their support. And Joseph, we're going to start out with a question from Instagram from our good buddy, okay, Mr. Arthur Bischoff. He doesn't have Facebook no more, so he sent me a message on on Instagram. Remember, <laughs> did we, I think we, yeah, we took this. If you guys remember to the story, we was talking about the guy that was snoring really loud and the Ghani had to come sleep with Joseph. We're talking about Arthur. Okay. Mr. MK himself. He's still alive. Yeah. He was at, um, at full bro. He goes, yo, lefty, here's my question. He goes, what handling characteristics are you looking for to determine adjusting bump steer? MK. So shoot. Go ahead. 
I think bump steer, you should just minimize it. And also remember, when you move the upper link, it affects bump steer also. That's something people sort of disregard. So bump steer, you adjust it with washers, either on the inside of the steering link, putting shims or removing shims between the Ackerman plate and the steering link, or then on the outside on the knuckle. Many cars, like the Black Edition, has the carbon plate on the knuckle, and then the link attaches to that. So adding or removing shims there. And you adjust that angle of the link so that as the suspension moves, the, the wheel doesn't turn. And if it does turn a bit, then what I would recommend is that when you compress the suspension right at the end, it toes out a bit. So that means then in a corner, as the outside suspension compresses, the bump steer will tow the wheel out a bit, so less risk of the car you know, hooking or flipping over or something like that. You Because it's basically turning away from the corner, so it's kind of straightening the car out very slightly, you know. So, yeah, I would recommend try and achieve as little bump steer as possible, but if you can't eliminate all of it, then have it so that when you compress the suspension, toes out slightly at the end. I don't I don't think that bump steer is something that is adjusted, like, oh, this track, I'm going to change my bump steer to this. Now, I don't think anyone really does it that way. Yeah, I get that. It's not like it's something you want to eliminate, um, and it probably works at all tracks. You know what I mean? So I get what you're saying. Is that all you have to say about that, Mr. Mr. Beaker? I'm going to take that Dremel and shove it up your ass when I see you next. That's your cue. Go to the next question. <laughs> the next question is from Danny Newman, and he wants to know if we're coming to PMB. No, Danny, we're not coming, but there will be JQ guys there. Have fun. Um, it's going to be hot, but it's going to be a great race. And good luck to all the JQ guys. Go in there. And as we said, BHRC will be there. So check them out and um, give them some support. Ryan Steck wants to know when we're coming on a Canadian tour. I don't know. when Summertime, most definitely. Have you ever been to Canada, Joseph? You know, I've never been to Canada. Yeah, I've, I, um, I've been there numerous times. I've been to Toronto a lot. I've never been to Quebec or Montreal, and I want to get there one day. But I actually caught a bus from high level, which is very, the very, it's like really north. Like this is the first time I ever saw, you know, like how it gets in Sweden where it's, it's daytime at 1 a.m. during the summer. Well, I'd never experienced that. And um, I went up there to my buddy, Kelly, Kelly Wild, wildest guy I know, man. Dude, Jesus, that guy is crazy. Um, and I went up there to help him out on his sod farm, and I spent a month up there. And, wow, I'll tell you, dude, it was, like, in the middle of bumfuck nowhere, literally. Um, but it was, like, a little town that, like, went to the – that's the thing. People live further north like in Yellowknife and all these other things. So I was like, damn. But uh, I ended up catching a bus, a Greyhound bus from there to Toronto, and it took three days. Three days. I just saw, I saw a superimposed map of Europe and then sort of, of North America placed over Europe mm -hmm. to compare how far north Europe is. 
to North America. It's way it far. It's way far north. Yeah, it kind of blew my mind. I mean, basically, the, the southern parts of the United States are in North Africa. Yeah. And uh, that yeah. is actually pretty crazy. <laughs> I never even thought of that, yeah. to be honest. We're like Finland's like Alaska, and yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Amazing stuff. Questions. All right, here we go to some more questions. We have one from Isaac Paulson, the Paulsonator. What's up, Isaac? How are you? He says, here's another question for Mr. Q. How has the racing aspect changed, if at all, since... How, oh, how has the racing aspect changed, if at all, since starting a business in the RC industry? What does he mean? Um, he, I guess he's the asking. Racing aspect. I don't know if he's asking your racing aspect or just racing period. I don't know. My racing. Let's talk about my racing. Okay. So when I started it, when I started my company, I literally thought I was 24 years old when I started, actually, when I had my car design and and I figured, hey, I'm going to try and get a job in RC and get my car made. I thought it would take two years and I'd be like, well, I'd, then I'd be like 26 and then I can focus on racing again. Now I'm 37 and that time still hasn't come. So, <laughs> so I fucked that up. Yeah, that's not going to happen, Joseph. That's over. Yeah, so I think that it's... It's basically if if you are if you are into racing, like let's say or any of these top races, if you then try and do something else, also your racing will suffer, guaranteed. There's just no way around it, really. I even I even see a difference in a driver that goes to a race and is mainly just racing and has mechanics and people helping him and the driver that does everything. Like it's pretty crazy yeah. actually. Mayfield Mayfield pretty much does everything and he has like different people helping him. He doesn't seem to have like a the same mechanic always. Like that's actually that's such a big disadvantage in my opinion. And he just overcomes that. Like he's just that good. But there's a big difference to when you can just focus on the driving bit versus you have to do and worry about everything. So then if that's already a difference, then imagine that you not, not just have to focus on racing and your equipment and, and that stuff, but then running a business too, that's, you know, producing that item and Mm. everything about it and all, all of that. So it's like, it's not, it's not like you go to a race and, you leave your your work behind. Like your 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 job is something completely different, and now you're just racing. Your work is also the racing. So it's it's all mixed in. So it's it's just it makes it harder for sure. Yeah, I mean, remember when we was driving to uh, when we finished the South America tour, and you was like, we was driving. <clears throat> you was we was I was driving, and you wasn't calling me a C U N T at the time because I wasn't doing anything stupid. And you said to me, you know, you're going to have to stop racing, right? 
I think you just came out and said that. And it's funny because I was thinking the same thing, right? And, you know, I, I wanted to race at Fall Brawl badly. And I went to Fall Brawl, and I remember you getting on my ass. You got to make sure everybody's happy. You got to make sure everybody's happy. And I was getting a little bit frustrated because, like, I'm trying to race and do that. like. And that's when I was like, yeah, I get what Joseph's saying. You can't. That's why you don't see these managers racing. I mean, like, Saxon races. I don't know how he does it. He just has a ball of energy. But see, Associated has a lot of help as well. You know, they have other people there. And, and, and Richard does a lot of the pitting for guys and all that type of stuff. But it's so hard. Like, it's so hard. And that's after four bars, like, yeah, I can't race. And I even bet. I was like, man, do I, I, Joseph, I really want to race DNC. It's like, no. No, you can't. And you're, you're 100% right. You can't focus on both. You know, you might have a bad, like, just imagine you have a bad race out there and you, you got to make sure everybody's happy and you, you're pissed off at your car, you know, and you say the wrongest thing to somebody and next thing you're pissed off one of your, your drivers or something like that. So it's a sacrifice, man, and for myself. But like you said, man, these, and then you got to look at the drivers that have the same mechanics and same people with them. There's a, they are success. I mean, look, let's look at David Ronnefeld, Adrian Bertin, or his dad, or Torrance. He's he's that his that's his team, super successful, works for him. Uh, Angaru, Barry, or his dad, or maybe Saxton, works for him. It's great. Mick Craddock and and Boots for a while was really good a good example. Mick Craddock and Yao has has been impressive of him. Mick Craddock. I'm sure when Mick Craddock gets to Savoia, it'd be different uh, be as well. Um, who else is another great example? Um, and, well, Mayfield, you know what Mayfield has in his corner, which is really good? He has Drake, and he has Rona. And those two dudes are very smart, and they help him out a lot too. Those are two of his, uh, he has those guys in his corner. You have Dagani and me. That, you know, Dagani's way more of a help. And we got Mike up there to help Pitt. Mike's really good at that, but... Yeah, man, you still have a lot of responsibility. You fit, I, like, you know, it's just not that simple anymore. I watch you, so I know. But it's a big sacrifice, <clears throat> most definitely. It's hard. Adam Ross, what do you think the entries will be for the rescheduled PMB, and do you think the borders will be open by then? Adam's up in Canada, so I know he's um, he wants to go to this race. They usually do it every year. I don't know what the entries will be. I think... Um, I look at it like this. Yes, it's the first big race, but also things are just starting get, to get back to normal somewhat in America. Some people still are shy of a lot of things like social distancing and all that type of stuff. And, and that's, to be under, that's to be understood. But also some people are getting back to work and maybe they can't take the time off. So, but like at the same time, I also understand that people just want to race. Um, so it might be packed. It might be me. It might it might be mediocre. It's it's hard to say. I can't tell, and I don't know if the borders will be open. If I was making those decisions in life, I wouldn't uh, be doing an RC podcast. I'd be a millionaire. Jeremy Oldman, what's up, Jeremy? And happy birthday to Jordan. It was his birthday this past week, I believe. He wants to know how often does Beaker recommend changing diff and shock oils? I've been doing diffs each race day and shocks. Once I notice they are leaking or changing, what am he says? Am I even close, Joseph? I think 
honestly, I actually think that the changing defoils is more important than changing shock oils. Because the, the defoils really affect the drive you have and the feel of the car. Sometimes old shock oils and sometimes even like old shock oils and maybe a bit too much air in them and they don't feel that good. Sometimes that actually works really good. Like if your suspension feels really good, I don't see a need to change your shock oils. Like if, if your suspension is great, changing the oils isn't going to make it better. It, it doesn't work that way. If you want to stay consistent and always know exactly what you're running and be able to replicate that, yes, okay, change your shock oils. But if you're just running for fun, if your car, if your suspension is great, changing your shock oils isn't going to improve it. Chances are it's going to be worse because it was whatever air mixture you had in there and whatever the oils were and from whenever they were, that's what was working. So I honestly, I wouldn't stress so much about the shock oils, but the diff oils, the defoils degrade, and I every time you change your defoils, the car will feel smoother and better. The, the only way that it would be worse is, let's say, your center diff has leaked, and your other diffs are super old, and then you replace your oils, and now you put some, like, 10,000 in the center diff or something, and then it's just too thick, and your car is worse. Well... Then, basically, if you had just put thinner oil in the center diff, like 5,000 or something, it would have felt right and been better. Like, diff oils, I think, is more important for the performance of the car to replace than shock oils. And how often? I mean, every race is even overkill. It's not, it's not like that. I, I, I mean, if you're just club racing, then I don't know. It's, it's hard to say. Like... Honestly, it's hard to say, like every gallon or something or every few races, you know, if, no, if you gallon? are really in tune with your car, you can actually tell like when you oh, start losing drivers. I think a gallon's even too much, man. No, it really isn't. You're not going to notice. Trust me. All right. I can easily go and practice and I practice a gallon and, and, uh, I, I don't feel like I have to change my defaults. All right. Well, you would you obviously know more about that than me. Much more experience with that. So, yeah, I don't know. That makes sense, though. Um, if you <laughs> here's a great hint: if you change your diffs and they're all black and they smell like fish and they stink, yeah, it's time to change them too. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's my. I don't know. I don't know. I failed with that answer. Sorry. All right. Next one. Richard Duckham. I believe he's from South Africa. Will JQ ever do a race in South Africa? And what is the most effective way to practice? We've been over the practice five minute runs. Time yourself. Uh, make a change. Try and beat that five minute run. Correct, Joseph? Yeah. But you've been to South Africa. You took... Um, I have many times. Uh, you've been many times. Okay, I didn't realize that. Yep. <clears throat> Multiple times. All so for RC? Good. Yeah. Oh, shit. Well, how many times have you been? <laughs> Honestly, I don't know. Like, 
I would say like at least three. Okay. Didn't you take like um Bradley Baird and a couple other dudes there or something? Yeah. Who did Bradley you take? and Medjubi. <clears throat> yeah. What did you go down there with them for? For what race? Just for RC. We had like a training camp. Oh, yeah? It was cool. Oh, yeah. We're, we're, we're too yep. in like what track and all that stuff. Does the track still exist? Tell us about it real quick. Oh, it was a private track, but it doesn't exist anymore. It was in Komati Port, it's called. It's like right on the border to Mozambique in northeast, northeast South Africa. Yeah, did you enjoy it? Yeah, it was nice. And then uh, also I went to the their nationals, I guess, or maybe whatever series they have. So I raced mm-hmm. a few times in Johannesburg. No, I, I didn't know you had been there three times. I know you had been there, but I didn't know you had been there three times. Interesting. I want to go to Africa one day too. I want to go to Egypt. I wouldn't. Go, I would go to South Africa. We need to go to Ghana. That's where we need to go. You especially. Yeah. Go see some of your relatives one day. Um. Yeah. So he's been there, Richard. And actually, somebody answered and said you had been there. Uh, I, don't, I wonder how our, I saw it's a. They got this really nice track down there. It's like super. It's like on road. I think they put oil or molasses on it. Oh, it's. Like black, like tar, and it's a uh, yeah. I think um, Tian shared it, former JQ driver. Good stuff. All right, yeah. last last question from Enrico Maloney. Enrico is so savage. He was on the uh, <clears throat> he was up at two a.m. watching the uh, Donathan RC Charge Leads giveaway. What's up, Enrico? At my track, at my track jumps have very low ramps, so I kind of struggle to get my car to pop enough. What can I do considering that the track is not very smooth? You know what I did just now? Not listen to me? Yeah, I didn't hear a word. See, see what I'm saying? <laughs> is that is that my uh Yep. Yep. My autism again? Yep. You need to go to a doctor. Is that what you're going to blame me on? Uh, I know it's that. I know it's that. It makes all so much sense. He goes Enrique says, my track jumps have very low ramps, so I kind of struggle to get my car to pop enough. What can I do considering that the track is not very smooth? I guess he wants his car to pop over, or I don't, I'm not sure. But I, his, he wants his car to pop off the, the face of the jumps, it sounds like. Okay, if you want the car to pop more on jumps, you can stand your shocks up on the tower. You can use harder springs. You can add more anti-squats in the rear. Those are all going to make the car pop more. Or you can use conical pistons. Conical pistons, like flat up, cone down. That could help also slightly for the pop. Uh, Yeah. Is that it? That's basically, yeah. Yeah, well, then you can also work on your corner speed so you hit the jumps faster. Is there a- is there anything you can do driving besides corner speed? Like, can you pre-compare, like, you know, how all that type of stuff to make it pop? I low? think for more pop, actually, like, it could make sense. Like, if you, if you sort of let off the throttle a bit just before and then sort of accelerate up the face, mm-hmm. like you pop on the throttle right on the face, it's almost like on a dirt bike how they seat bounce. Mm-hmm. 
So on a motocross bike, if you sit down in the seat and then you sort of use your weight on the seat to compress the rear spring, and then, then that's going to pop you up higher. Mm -hmm. So you kind of, yeah, you use the sus suspension to spring, spring the bike up more. So it's the same idea. So instead of just hitting the jump fast, you, you let off the gas and then accelerate into the face. So you get on the gas right as you hit that jump. Then it, your car is actually going to pop more. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Good one. Yeah. Yeah. Did you just give me a compliment? Yeah, good job, Keenan. Wow. This is your compliment of the month. This of the year. It is 9.49 a.m. my time, uh, May 28th, 2020. Joseph just gave me a compliment. Okay. Put right. that in your notebook. Yeah, put that Then in. when you feel sad, just look at that, okay? Yeah, I just that will make me feel better. Um, thank you, everybody, for the questions. I greatly appreciate it. Remember, thank you, BTRC, for your support. Keep those questions coming. I know you guys will be racing soon, and we'll get more. We want more questions. Uh, we have yet. We want to stomp Joseph, and shut him up somehow. So send them to us. And remember, go check out BTRC. Please, please, if you, if you can, use our affiliate link really helps us out and it is greatly appreciated now on to our interview with gil losey jr joseph i will call you back for the rant okay nnrc listeners are you currently having trouble trying to get the power down to the ground well, don't you worry. Papa Willie's Traction Tonic has you covered for all your RC tire traction needs. Whether you race on carpet, concrete, dirt, loose, dry, slick, or high grip surfaces, Papa Willie's Traction Tonic cures for traction. Benefits of using Papa Willie's Tonic Traction is going to be more traction, long-lasting, light tire wear, sweet scent, clean application, fast-acting, fresh fill, Papa's Willie Traction Tonic is also safe on foam inserts and does not deteriorate tire glue. Find and follow Papa Willie's Traction Tonic on Facebook and Instagram. You can also visit them at www.papawillies.net. Use the promo code NNRC at checkout for 10% off. Prepare for victory with the one and only Papa Willie's Traction Tonic. Joining me this week is an icon in RC. He, do, he needs no introduction. He's been around, I'm sorry to say forever, but it seems like he's been around forever. He's been through all the different eras of RC. Uh, he's uh, a wealth of knowledge, a plethora of knowledge. I have had so many people tell me how, how he can watch people drive and watch cars go and give advice. He's, he's been involved in so many cool products. His name is synonymous with with a lot of things in RC, probably one of the biggest, biggest beefs in RC to ever happen in the 90s. I would like to welcome Mr. Gil Losey Jr. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on. I know we've been trying to do this for a while. We talked at RCGP last year, uh, and finally, we, we got some time to get you down here. I got some topics for you. I had to pick and choose. I had to pick what I was going to talk about because there's so much about you and about what you you and your father have done and what Losi have done. I, I was like, we can talk for hours, but we can't do that. <laughs> so, yeah, thank you for coming on. I greatly appreciate it, man. My pleasure. So, a lot of people know a lot about you. Uh, obviously, I was recently watching the, the Team Losi 
biography videos that they done. I was listening to your dad. I was listening to the second part of Adam Drake, and I really like your dad. He was uh he was wheeling and dealing back in the day, man. It was pretty interesting uh, what he had to say, and he and he has he doesn't seem to care. He speaks his mind. He says he curses, and I think I think I would like to sit down and have a beer with him because he would we would have a great chat. I think. No, he's a character, ton of fun, and you know, just he's an entrepreneur at heart. He mm-hmm. he doesn't mind taking chances. That's what I found, and it's amazing the the, the history and the research I I done going into this, uh, the chances that he took, and it seemed to pay off in the end. But this is about you, and what I found fascinating about you is that you grew up in Southern California, doing during the birth of skateboarding, right? Now, I'm not sure how, how much you skateboard. I know your brother did a lot, but let's talk about these days because when I think of Southern California uh, skateboarding, my mind goes to like uh, Dogtown and the, and the Z-Boys and, and Stacey Peralta and Jay Adams and all these guys. I'm, I'm thinking of this movie, Tony Alva, that I watched mm-hmm. a few years ago, and this is, this is the California that kind of sticks out to me. Was you a part of all of this? I came in right at the very end of the Alva era and kind of at the, the first wave, or we call it the second wave, when it became really more about um, tricks and a little bit less about just being big. Um, okay. So it, it was weird because, you know, you, you went from the first the clay wheels and the urethane wheels, then the early pool skating just being gnarly. And, and then the competitions came in and it became more of a, um, what's the right way to put this, you know, more about contest skating mm-hmm. and less about just thrashing. Okay. So I would call me the first wave of the contest skating. So what year is this we're talking about? What year did this start? This would be throughout the seventies really. Mm-hmm. I started skating kind of early, early, I think early seventies. It's hard to remember now. How did that? Uh, did you surf and all that stuff before? Did you like? Was you like that California life that I I envision when I watched this movie? No, no, I never surfed. We were too far away from the beach where okay. we lived. Uh, but no, my brother did become a very good surfer. But that happened after he moved closer to the beach. Okay. So you're running around on your skateboard, you and your brother. Who was better, you or your brother? Um, speed me, pools my brother. Okay. So was did you do pools as well? A little bit it got too painful for me <laughs> i could oh man i you know i keep going back to this like i i love california i know a lot of people probably say that oh you don't live here well I, I get it too but i when i go to california and i see these names on streets and stuff like that all these memories from reading thrasher magazines and watching the um skateboard videos come to my mind and even things like just older movies like uh, gleam in the cube and all this type of stuff and i'm like Man, California is like the mecca for everything, like surfing, <laughs> skateboarding, BMX, motocross, RC, of course. And I just love it there. So just, uh, I love it out there. You guys are very fortunate. Yeah, we, we were we, and we were there at the perfect time. Mm-hmm. So your dad and you guys had a, a skateboard business as well? Yeah, yeah. My, well, me and my brother were skating a lot and my dad and my uncle were sitting at a wedding, believe it or not talking about what our kids are doing. And my cousin was a salesman for a skateboard company out in San Fernando Valley. And they were just like, this is crazy that these things are all aligning around skateboarding. At the same time, they're like, what are we gonna do next? And they said, hey, let's start a skateboard company. And it was literally a, a couple hour conversation at a wedding and Veriflex was born. 
Really? That's interesting. Another chance that you guys took. Veriflex. I mean, that's synonymous with, with skateboarding as well. How long did uh, you guys do that for? Well, you know, again, so it was some, it was, God, I wish I could remember the dates, but it was kind of early, mid, mid seventies, um, did the whole skate, you know, my dad did the development for the, the pro stuff based on what me and my brother were doing. And my uncle ran the company and did all the mass market part of the company as that matured. And the two of them made a good team. One developed the product, one sold the product. Okay. Is, can I go find you in some magazines then? I've, I've seen some pictures of you. I Man, think I, I have no idea. I'm going to have to it search a, it. That, that would have been mostly back in the amateur, what, U.S. God, I don't remember the name of the association back then. Yeah. Oh, man, skateboarding was so big back then, too. It but you would, have, you would have found my stuff in mostly in slalom. Okay. Good stuff. Um, yeah, so skateboarding was, I just keep saying, it was so big back in the 70s and early 80s. Then it kind of went to that like late 80s, 90s, where it was getting banned everywhere and you couldn't do it. That's kind of like my era when I was into skateboarding. Um, okay. And I, I mean, I know I'm a big boy, but I used to love skating and we used to have the Navy base right next to us, or Air Force base. And a lot of the Americans used to skate and uh, they used to live on, over by on my neighborhood where I used to live. So we used to hang out with them. And it was just an awesome time in life. Like, you know, just going to the skate shops that we had in Bermuda. Um, looking at magazine, looking at Thrasher, like before, you know, it was kind of also the same for RC, like looking in the RC magazines, looking in Thrasher, dreaming about our dream skateboard. And, you know, back then it wasn't so easy to just pop on the internet and order things. You had to literally call or send in, the, the, send in your order from a magazine and wait six weeks, six to eight weeks to get your stuff for me anyway. So, oh, it was that way for me too. Yeah. People, now you can get things in one day in America. It's amazing. It's so amazing. It truly. Guys are very fortunate. So transitioning from skateboarding to RC, how did that happen? What was your first RC experience? Um, believe it or not, a skateboard park that we knew out by Veriflex put in an RC car track. Oh yeah. And we saw that and they were little doom buggies and they were like what my father raced when I was a little kid and we were hooked. What was your first RC car? Uh, to me, a Rough Rider. Okay. So you guys were racing. This is in the 80s. Wow. So you was racing the Rough Riders back in the 80s. Yeah. My my first car I got for Christmas in like 1979. Wow. Wow. And that was it for skateboarding. You got hooked with, on RC. Yeah. I, I think I did one more contest after I was racing. I did one pro slalom race and that was it. I, I, th I don't even know if I ever skated again. Really? You know, RC has that addiction to people, man. I think uh, once you try it and you like it, it's it's like a drug. It's your addiction. You, you're you going to be, a, even when you get out of RC, you still touch base with your RC friends or maybe pick up an RC magazine and, and look at, or, you know, go online and check it out. It just, it's something that, never, I like to say RC, you may leave RC, but RC never leaves you. So <laughs> it, it's it's amazing. So this is 1979. When did you actually start kind of getting racing and becoming competitive? I'm sure your dad was starting to make parts for your cars and whatnot at this time. When did you start to get a little bit more serious about RC? Well, so it started, I built the track out behind the skateboard park that we I worked at and people started showing up wanting to run on the track. And my dad one day says, hey, let's hold a race. And 
we held the race. Nobody had parts. So we put a little hobby shop behind the skate park and within like three or four months, it turned into a big deal. And we had a problem with the city because the track was not permitted. And we purchased the ranch pit shop a few, about six months later. And the rest is really history. Yeah, pretty much iconic, uh, Rance Pit Shop. I was watching an order. I'm sorry. I know you're a Lucy guy. I was watching an old associated GT uh, VHS on YouTube and it had a race from there. And um, sure. So awesome, man. How, how was RC in this time? Was it booming? Like the, as it seems to be, when I look at these videos, these, these retro videos, like 1980s worlds and stuff, it looks jam packed at these races. So, you know, it, it was different, you know, racing was, a, there was a lot more people in racing, mm-hmm. um, you know, partly cause it was easy. You could actually buy an RC car and they were slow enough and simple enough that within probably three or four months, you could be competitive in stock class. Really? So the, the barrier of, of success and entry was very low. Yeah, it's a little bit different now. We don't have that entry class anymore. We we kind of did with the short course truck. This is this is a conundrum that comes up on our on our podcast all the time. How do we get that that entry class going again? So that's a question I'll ask you later on. But it makes sense. Uh, cars were slow enough. Stock was kind of probably stock back then, um, and mod was obviously the the premier class. It still is now. But what I mean in stock, like you didn't, you know, like. Now stock seems to be mod in my opinion. I still know I still know it's stock, but you get what I'm trying to say. Well, I, I could get on a soapbox and talk about that for hours. <laughs> I'm I'll be honest. I'm more of an eight scale nitro e buggy type of type of guy, so I don't really dwell too much in ten scale. But I definitely don't like. I don't know. I don't know what the difference is. I know what the difference is, but it, to me, it's just like kind of meh. I guess that's the best thing I can say. So. You, you own a Durant's Pit Shop. Your first product I was researching was a Losi Spurger. How did that come about? Oh, just, yeah, there was a lot of, you know, God, how do I even start there? It was just one of those, we had a big need for gears for all these different Japanese cars, and there just wasn't a lot of stuff out yet. And my dad came from a, a manufacturing background and had resources. So we just went to one of the, the molding companies that he had worked with back in his previous career and they we made just made a gear mold made a wheel mold that was actually we never sold parts off of um and that was our first kind of molded part prior to that we had a bunch of hand fabricated stuff roll cages and bumpers and things that we used to hand fabricate at the pit shop really to put on your cars so you was also that's interesting a lot of a lot of that's back in the tinkering days we've kind of gone away from that in rc now Nobody breaks out Dremels and builds stuff anymore. Believe it or not, that's not true. It's really? just called scale now. I agree with you there. That is the new tinkering part of RC. You're 100% correct on that. And if you look at the scale cars today, they were probably work better than the race cars we had back then. Yeah, but it, it the, the scale platform is like a blank canvas. You can make it whatever you want. There's no, you know, obviously there's rules for competition, but you know, I, I really do enjoy scale. I'm looking at my scale trucks right now, to be honest. So Yeah, so when we get to how to build stock class, we'll come back to this topic too. Yeah, sure. No worries. Um, I was also reading that you guys were racing the Cox Scorpion. I watched the history where your dad kind of um, 
started importing them. He was like, I got them for 60 bucks and I sold them for 120. And I was like, man, he's hustling. I was loving him. I'm like, he's hustling. Like, and you was winning <laughs> with this car. Uh, and and made it popular. What 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 made the Cox Scorpion was was the RC uh was what was the biggest competition against the Cox Scorpion in this time? Well, so when the Scorpion came out, everybody was using Rough Riders. Okay. And the original importer for the Scorpion did not do well with it. The car was pretty fragile and needed out of the box, it didn't work very well. Mm-hmm. And so it was one of those we took it, worked our magic on it, made a few of the parts that were necessary to make the car survive and, and be raceable. And being a trailing, semi-trailing link car instead of an AR car, it had a you know huge advantage over a Rough Rider. And honestly, up until the up until the RC10 came out, and they made could make jumps big enough because the car didn't break. Mm-hmm. The Scorpion was the dominant platform. Really? Oh, you guys sold a bunch of them. Then it looks like. Well, the, we did, but the, throughout the industry, you know, Kyosho did well with that through a lot of different markets at the time. Mm-hmm. It was a very scale looking car. It actually worked really good on a bumpy track. Um, it just was a little too fragile. Okay. So fast forward a little bit, 1985, you four wheel drive, you win a four wheel drive world championship of Yokomo. How was that? How did that, can you remember back to that weekend and how was it stressful for sure. you? Sure. Well, well, you could go back to the first. So we, before before IFMAR and ROAR, there was an co- organization called ORCA mm-hmm. that was the original rules body. It was most primarily Southern California. Was it NORCA or People Orca? around the country used the same rules. And um, a guy named Lou Peralta, um, see, he was the editor of um, RC Racing News, I think was, was his magazine. And he would promote a world championship at the score show, all the score shows at Anaheim Convention Center. And so kind of between Orca and um, the score, the score worlds, that was our racing world from 1980 till 1984, I think was the first Roar Nats. Mm -hmm. And Roar just actually adopted the Orca rules and we folded Orca or the the Southern California racer group basically let Roar take the rule book and just run with it. And they stopped being an organization at that point. Okay. Was it um, more because they were? It was nationwide, or, or what? Because yeah, it was time for. It was just time for off. Off road was already bigger than all the other classes, but okay. yet it didn't have the kind of the international support mm-hmm. from Roar and Ifmar and Femca and Efra and kind of th- those groups were all looking for guidance on how to support this crazy little off road community. Mm-hmm. And so, since it had started, really. In, in Southern California, they just basically took the the rule book from Orca and just adopted it. Okay. So 1984 was the fr- Roar was born. I didn't even, you know what? I didn't even know well, that. Roar off-road. Off-road. Okay. So you had Roar on-road and whatnot before that. Yeah. Because yeah, Roar is much older than that. And it's a really cool, really cool history to go back and see how Roar started. Yeah. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to research that. You know, because you know some of the some of the struggles of Roar now are because you know Roar is a volunteer group, and its primary function was to create a set of rules, get insurance, and create a framework where you could you could go to a mall parking lot, borrow their borrow a piece of asphalt, have insurance put on it, and put on an event. Mm-hmm. And 
that's what its whole really function was. And the industry keeps looking at it like it's a promotional body. And it's really not. It's really a club support body. Yeah. Well, when did it start? I mean, as we were talking about Royal History, we might as well touch on that real quick. It's actually a little bit before my time. Okay. So it's it started in... Um, God, I, I don't remember the early years. Mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of, I want to say early 70s. There's some YouTube videos out there showing the first nationals. Okay. And I don't know if you know Romulus. No. Um, he's got a little RC museum. No, I don't. I don't. But he's actually got a couple of the cars from the first war nationals in his museum. Really? Interesting. And they were hand built out of wood like little McLarens. <laughs> really, really cool. Yeah. Wow. It's worth looking up. I would definitely have to do that. Roar. I think I, I agree with you. I Roar is a, a volunteer only. I think it actually has to have a paid position so people can take it, uh, put more time and effort and get compensated for it. And maybe that will make it better. Um, I understand what you mean about the insurance and whatnot like that. But I, I would like to see Roar become more like Ephra, I would like to say. I think Ephra is a, a pretty decent example of a governing a governing body. Mind you, it's they're dealing with countries more, and whereas Roar is dealing with an entire uh, entire one country, but split up into many regions. But I'm a big proponent of getting back to regional racings uh, that qualify you to be to go to the nationals instead of for for ten, for eight scale nationals, but instead of being the fastest you can be on the computer and pay your entries. I like to see where you actually have to qualify yep. to go back to national to go to nationals. Well, they started that once, mm -hmm. and um, Eric Gudger and John Tholly were running Roar at the time, and they had implemented. They they they're the ones that created more regions within Roar, and were trying to build it down to where you had to qualify to go to a nationals, and drivers would be ranked with points, and you'd had to go to certain local races to to be able to build a license up to be able to go to nationals and. Quite honestly, it was it wasn't taken well by the membership, and the membership basically voted them out. Oh, it sounds about right, though. We, it's RC guys; we're our biggest worst enemy, man. So, well, that's where it goes back to. I'm not sure you could what we all want Roar to be. I don't know if it can be that as a volunteer group with its current um, structure. Yeah, it has to be restructured. Yeah, because. If you're going to change the industry, that means you have to piss people off, and that's not something you can get club members to vote on. Yeah, unfortunately, I think it. I think it needs to be a separate, maybe a separate entity that does it, and just like kind of, not forces it, but sometimes you have to just show people what what they what they want. Does that make sense? Yeah, in some ways, yeah. But in my old age, I'm going to say that I think that people do what they want. And the fact that racing's not growing and scale and those things are, people are voting on what they want. Yeah, with their money. So that's true. Well, yeah, we're going to have a great conversation about future of RC. I can feel it already. Yeah. Uh, okay, so 1985, IFMAR World Championships. Where was this? Do you remember? I, I was trying to. The Ifmar World Championships was at the Ranch Pit Shop Del Mar. Really? So you kind of had like a home court advantage. But. So, it, yes and no. It was that we had a second store that we had purchased. Mm -hmm. It had already been a track in a store. We purchased it, moved the track, and a year later held that race. Believe it or not, it's not a track that I knew that well because it was an hour and a half from where I lived. Okay. So. My, my brother actually was down at that store. 
Okay. Well, walk us. Can you remember anything special about this weekend? And I guess winning this world championship, how what it meant to you, and how do you felt about it? Um. Well, God, there's a lot of memories from the race. You know, back then, you know, stock class was two wheel drive only, and then there was a modified class you could race anything. Mm-hmm. So, um, we had already developed the RC10. It, it had released at this point, and Jay Halsey and I were the RC10 guys kind of leading the pack there. And I put most of my energy into modified and I can remember sitting there kind of just being mid pack in, in stock class and Gene coming over there and telling me, you have to take this graphite chassis off your car. It's no good. And pissed me off. So I got serious, rebuilt my two wheel drive car and went out and TQ'd stock class. And years later, I had to admit Gene was right. And I was just this, <laughs> big headed kid that wanted to run a graphite chassis. Right. Um, but you know, we were learning how to use calm drops in those days and the calm drops we used on my stock motors, basically they were good for one run. So by the time the mains come around, I had destroyed all my motors and was completely uncompetitive. Mm-hmm. And modified class was what it was very stressful. That one I was heavily favored to win. Um, TQ'd and just was bundle of nerves the whole time. And then the second main, I had a radio radio glitch flew off the track and going into the third main, had to put all new radio gear in my car to because we didn't have time to diagnose it. And luckily pulled it off. But yeah, I, I remember the modified class was just pure stress at that race. Who were some of your competitors in this race? Or who was your biggest warrior at this race? Do you remember? No, probably, you know, it, it turned out different because, you know, at the big races like that, it's not usually the fast people that win it. It's the guys that aren't nervous. And, uh, but the guy that I expected to be my biggest challenger would have been Chris Alec. I think he had bigger nerve problems than I did. Um, but, you know, that was probably, you know, him and I were the two kind of on, on, on our own level and everybody else we had to be, it was our races to lose and everybody else was just there to pick up what we what we dropped. Cool. And what was his name again? Chris? Chris Alec. Chris Alec. Is he still around in he, the RC? Yeah, he makes bodies and has a hobby shop in Texas. Okay, cool. Chris Alec, I'm gonna have super, to- Super nice, quiet guy, um, fantastic racer in the early 80s. Really interesting. I'm gonna, I'm gonna Facebook and uh, see if I can find him. I'm sure I will. Maybe I'll get him on this podcast one day. So I was also, yeah. I was also reading that eight scale onward was your real passion though. Oh yeah. The first time I started racing one of those, it was like everything else stopped existing. Yeah. <laughs> what was the big attraction to it? What was your love for it? You know, I think part of it was the first time I ever walked into a true hobby shop, they had a poster of the 1977 Ifmar Worlds, which was their first world championship, and it was eight scale on road. And that was like in that child's mind, that was the the pinnacle of RC. And the first time you hear you know a 3.5 cc engine hit 30 grand, <laughs> it's something to think see. And you drive the cars, and especially at the end there when we were doing the the serpent, we had kind of redid the whole drive system and change the way they work, but you could drive the cars just as hard as you could. It was like when they were right, 
just the more committed you were, the faster you went. Really? Did they have the two speeds back then as well? Or when did that come about? Do you remember? Yeah, the, the two speeds were developed for the 1983 Worlds in Carnu, France. Wow. And um, I was kind of new. I helped, like Curtis associated. I went in, it was, he was teaching me how to be, how to machine parts. So I'd go in and help him just make the parts that he had to do for us to take the associated cars of that race. But that track was so big that you either geared up tall enough to, to you didn't blow up an engine and you burnt up the clutch, or you geared so you didn't burn up the clutch and you blow up your engine. Mm. Um, the, I mean, the straightaway was, the ranch pitch up straight was like 280 feet. And I want to say Carnu was like 600 feet. Oh, that's great. That's big. I don't think you get tracks that big anymore. No, and there it had a sweep, a, a normal sweeper coming onto that straightaway, and this gigantic bank sweeper coming off it. So you had this straightaway that was ridiculously long, and then a bank sweeper you didn't have to lift. So the motor's already completely overheated, and then you go through this giant bank sweeper and put more load on. Do you do you get to do any eight scale on road racing now, or do you want to do any? Oh, I would love to, but no, I don't. Partly because I don't have time, partly because it's expensive, mm. partly because I need to focus on doing the things that need to get done. <clears throat> Understandable. What was your, you went to some worlds and what was your better, best position, uh, finishing position at one of the onward worlds? Oh, was my best finishing position would have been Japan in 85, which was four. At 87, I tried real hard. I PQ'd and I led until a two-speed broke. Wow. When did you kind of stop racing that class? 87 was, honestly, 1987 Worlds for 8-scale on-road was the last time that I prepped to try to win a race as a driver. Period. Okay. So, this so after that, everything was geared towards the JRX2 development, and I quit quit practicing and prepping to go win races and just was constantly supporting other people. All right. Was that a hard decision to make or was it? No. Okay. Your true love no, was in design. Yeah, even, through, even throughout my career, even though I loved racing, I enjoyed the cars and developing the cars more. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. So let's talk about the road to the JRX2. This actually happened after uh, you and you and uh, I believe AE and Losi, you guys had some. They didn't honor a deal that you had made to that you helped design a car. Was that the on-road car you was designing for them or, or something? No, that was actually the RC10. Okay, it was the RC10. I wasn't. I couldn't confirm that in my in my uh, yeah. research. So you was helping them yeah. to design the RC10. They had promised you, I believe, a certain amount of kits or something. And they kind of reneged on the promise, and that kind of pissed you and your dad off, I would say. Well, yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, we they're trying to run a business, we're trying to run a business. Mm -hmm. And um, I think at the end of the day, they had no scope of what they were actually promising us. You know, they didn't believe, they had never been part of selling into, an, into a category that was of this size. <clears throat> so when the RC10 hit and it hit with this level that it did, they had some very big customers that had signed from them for a long time, right. putting a lot of pressure on them. I could understand uh, that. So, you know, here we are, you know, we were the biggest single point of sale in the off-road community, but we weren't the biggest in the RC community. Mm -hmm. 
And so I think they had a lot of pressures and they were also a big part of Roar at that point. Pretty much they were running Roar. Um, so that just and, uh, they just had a very different perspective than we did. Okay. And when, when when we couldn't get what we thought we were going to get out of them, it became a better choice for us to do our own thing. Yeah, it did. And I guess this kind of started the whole Losi AE beef that that was iconic and still is yeah you know yeah i guess so i don't i don't ever that's not my world so Mm -hmm. i just got busy working on cars yeah still to this date you know curtis hustings is a good friend of mine Mm -hmm. um you know well i'll miss gene forever he was such a big part of the industry so even though i loved competing against those guys and they were the enemy at the track Mm -hmm. they're still my friends and i still hold them in very high regard yes that's understandable but like talking to older drivers like greg and um scott hughes and these guys and they were just telling me about like it was it was on at the track like they wanted you wanted to beat them and they wanted to beat you and that's all that mattered at the end of the day how many cars you guys had in the main and who won yeah, it's part of what made it fun. Yeah, we need, we definitely need that back in RC. So, <laughs> your your uh, if I remember correct, your dad, he sold the ranch pit shop at this time, I believe, right? No, we actually owned it till we closed it. Okay, all right. So we just we just started hiring people to manage it, um, because we didn't have time when we started focusing on Losi. Okay, so how long did the JRX two take from idea to production? <laughs> way too way too long. <laughs> uh, I had never been involved with anything like that, so um, yeah, I could build the prototypes, but I couldn't actually put them down on pen and paper. I had to learn how to draft. I had to, my dad actually hired an engineer to come in and actually help me bring this thing to to market. So um, it was like a two-year learning curve of drafting, you know, learning how to draw the parts, learning how to develop the parts, get it all figured out. And then we had to go find vendors and the slot car industry had just collapsed. So most of the the part vendors in Southern California didn't want anything to do with the hobby industry because of the slot car industry. Mm-hmm. Why did the so, slot car industry collapse? Just RC was taking over? Yeah, I'm not the right person to talk to it, but yeah, yeah, pretty much it was one of those things that just the, the fad had played itself out, and now there was much newer, more sophisticated toys that can compete with it. it. Honestly, it also, slot cars had gone the same way that racing has gone now, where if you showed up at a slot car track, it was so hard to be competitive, the, the learning curve was too high. Mm-hmm. Wow. I didn't know it was that deep. I've not. I've only done it a few times. I didn't really grow up. I like to have full control of my vehicle, but I guess it was. I see slot car drag racing. It looks pretty cool. So, yeah. Well, if you ever if you ever get near a really competitive slot car event, mm-hmm. they're so incredibly fast they'll, they'll blow your mind. Really? Wow. I'll have to check it out one day when I get back to the, to America. Uh, listening to pops, you had to do some wheeling and dealing to get this. Uh, to finish off the, the project, you guys kind of ran out of money and he promised, uh, oh, I can't remember who it was. He promised one of the bigger vendors a certain amount Hobbyco. of cars. Hobbyco, a thousand cars, the first thousand cars. And yep. they kind of like, so like, I think you, you went over, but you went over time or something like that. And they gave you that, that leeway. And then I think they sold those 1,000 cars so fast. They were, 
they were like ready to order again. It's yeah. Oh no, I mean, it, we were sold out for year, like first two or three years. Really? Wow, that's pretty amazing. What made what made the JRX two so special to you, and what what made it different from the RC ten at the time? Oh well, the RC ten was a you know an ARM car, and it it had a lot of binds, especially on when you get on the bumpier sandy dirt tracks and we still had a lot of those in those days and the, the five link suspension went through bumps really really well similar kind of back to the same thing as this cock scorpion mm -hmm. um and it just it was a it was a better rough beat up slippery track car and it wasn't until the indoor clay tracks really started to come to come to fruition that we needed to go back to an ar right for that bind and whatnot high traction yeah the yeah we had the traction and it really came down to triple jumps um as triple jumps grew and got bigger a five link car um goes to pro squat you know when it's bottoming out and it doesn't get hyped off of jumps mm -hmm. and it just you, you could basically pick who won the one would win the race if you made the triple jump jrx2 length the jrx2s would win if you made it too big for jrx2 then uh, rc10 would win mm, interesting so, so we went to we made the h arm so we had both and if we went to a big slippery outdoor track we'd run five foot cars if we went to a grippy indoor track we'd run h arm cars interesting all right and that worked for a while and then all the tracks got big jumps and then the five lane got pushed to the back yeah and now we have even bigger jumps so I, when I look back in the 80s and 90s and I was like, I remember watching these videos when I was young and I was like, man, those jumps are so nice. And now I look at them, we got, you know, 25 people throwing whips and scrubbing and and all this craziness in RC. And I'm just like, wow, it's uh, I would I would like to I would like to go back in time and tell people, hey, you know, like in the, in the 2000s, people start scrubbing, whipping and doing 60 foot doubles, triples and quads and all this type of stuff. <laughs> And see what people would say. Um, I'm sure I did tell, think I'm crazy. So let's talk a bit. Well, about <laughs> I was gonna say you couldn't even do it in those days. The servos weren't fast enough or powerful enough. I know. Oh, RC's come so far, so far. It doesn't seem like it, but it has so far. The stuff we have now is good, really good. Oh, the if you take just the electronics that we have now and compare to what we had then. I don't know how we can even afford to do this. It's crazy how, how, how affordable this technology actually is. Yeah. And back in the day, remember, well, people would freak out if they had to cut comms and put new bushes, bush, um, brushes on and match batteries and, oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. The, the really heyday of off-road was prior to that. You know, so the, the, the biggest years were when we were still racing clothes in Bell Motors and mm -hmm. people didn't even know any of that yet. Yeah, I think it was just more plug and play, too. Yeah. And, and yeah, that's that was kind of the first wave of really chasing normal customers out of racing without that technical. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. We're nerds in the field, man. We, we want to we do everything to get that little that extra bit of speed, man. And it, it you spend hundreds of dollars to get just a fraction of a, a second faster it's when you can do that driving i think so and that's racing and yeah every racer on the planet does it no matter if you're racing a balsa wood 
airplane or a Pinewood Derby car or, you know, any of them. Very true. It is very true. Let's talk about the 90s. You you had you said in 87 you took a backseat from racing. That is kind of like the height of the 90s, 10-scale racing, uh, the big AE, TL, Team Losi, Beef. Who was the first uh, actual pro driver that you guys decided to hire, like a paid salary driver? Hmm. See if I can remember this correctly. Probably... I'm not positive. Mm-hmm. I mean, probably the first real pro guy we brought in that was outside of our inner circle that helped develop Losi would have been Jeremy Quartz. Really? Wow. Um, and, you know, Jeremy is probably as talented as anybody I've ever worked with. Everybody that, um, everybody who mentioned, I mentioned Quartz's name says he, to them, he's probably the most naturally talented driver. Every person that I've talked to. You know, Jeremy's skill was how fast he could think. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he could adapt to things so quickly. And working with him as a, as a mechanic was great because he knew nothing about cars and didn't care to know anything about cars. Just, and he, he would give you raw feedback. Mm-hmm. I am trying to do this. And this is the steering and throttle inputs. And this is what's happening. It made it really easy to dial in a car form because there was no opinions of what we should change. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, he'd just give you just dead raw driver data. Yeah, so it was easier for you to diagnose what he needed. That yep. makes sense. And so, yeah, then you're, you don't, you're not arguing with him saying, he's saying, well, I need this. And yep, that makes a lot of sense. There we yep. go. Another feather in the cap of Jeremy Quartz's uh, RC hat. I've been trying to get him on this podcast for so long. He won't do it. He says that. <laughs> I'm like, it would be so great, man. So great. So 1990s, yeah. the, the, the rivalry between AE and, and Losi is, is booming at this point. I remember watching it in the magazines. Um, and like I said, just talking to these old school drivers. I, I know you said you respected and you respect the following the, the other people on the other side, but how was it at races? Like, was it the tension high between you guys? Were you friendly? Was you sociable? Or did you wait to after the racing stopped? So let me just say, there was two levels to this. There was the level that I sat at, and there would be times when I'd be really mad at Gina Reedy, mm-hmm. but for the most part, you know, it wasn't that bad. Mm-hmm. That the team level below us was a totally different culture, mm-hmm. and there was there was things going on at that level that I could see, but I didn't really participate in. Right, I could get that. Like I and. Brand loyalty too, like it, it kind of goes on nowadays. Like if you're loyal to this brand, you kind of want to beat this team, you know, um, or talk talk crap to this team or these guys and that team. So I get it, but back then it just seemed so more savage. <laughs> well, you still have to remember, I grew out of racing for Associated, right? You know, and and being very good friends with Curtis Hustings. So as as much as you know, I was an Associated driver before I was a Losi driver. So there is still always a little bit of, there is some nostalgia for me with the associated name. Mm-hmm. I, the, you know, people that started after me didn't, wouldn't know. Yeah, I can see that and having that respect. But man, I tell you, the, the, the guys, the drivers and the team below you, like that were uh, guys, I would say the f- boots on the ground dudes. Oh man, they, they took it to heart, it seemed <laughs> like. But, oh. 
That's nah, cool, it, it was fun to watch. I'm sure. I'm sure. And another amazing thing came on uh, the Lelosi Yo Yo, and you guys saw a bunch of these things. Uh, um, even had a pro. I didn't know they had pro Yo Yoers at this time. I probably have to Google it and find it on YouTube. <laughs> but they have pro Yo Yoers. I guess that's what yep. they're called. What I mean, how did that even come about? Like you just sitting around one day, hey, let's make a Yo Yo with ball bearings. No, actually, there was a company selling yo-yos with ball bearings, and we just happened to catch wind of their sales numbers. And, you know, a couple of the guys at our place were playing with the yo-yos, and we were just taking a look at it, and I'm like, hey, we could do better than that. And it became a, a deal of Jack Johnson and my father and a, Ron Rossetti and a few of the guys just all started playing with yo-yos all day long, seeing who could outdo the other. And I got bored pretty quickly, so instead I was making parts and giving them to those guys to test. And <laughs> pretty soon we had something we thought was better and put it on the market. It was successful too. And, you know, RC was really RC went through kind of was going through a recession at that point. Mm -hmm. um, so it gave us something to do for for a year. Okay. Why was RC going through a recession? You think at that time? God, that was that was the pinnacle of match batteries that would learn one run and motors that the, would burn the moat brushes out of them in four minutes and the last minute you're limping around on a cooked calm. Mm -hmm. It was kind of that that was at that transition where we had gotten too fast for the electronics we had. And it was it was as we were starting to switch to nitro. Oh yeah, because that's that's the glory years for me. Uh so yeah, at that point we were working on the the GTX and starting to develop the NXT, and the yo-yo thing was kind of at the same time. It just was a little fun side project. Yeah. Um, Speaking. Well, let's get into Nitro. Uh, well, um, the GTX was uh, the GTX and the and the uh, the GT. They started this whole. I want to say they started this whole Nitro craze because gas truck was. Like so big back then, and I talked to these guys who cut their teeth on on grass on gas truck and how much they liked it and like they didn't even race buggy gas truck. There was all that mattered in the yeah. I would say the late like nineteen eight ninety eights ninety nines to early two yeah. thousands. I liked ten scale gas until we raced with eight scale buggies. Well, the tracks so, changed as well. Yeah, so when when we were running ten scale gas on 10 scale electric tracks it was a lot of fun mm -hmm. i despised going and racing them on tracks with eight scale buggies because the tracks were just so rough and loose and beat up and i found nothing more miserable than run, trying to drive a two-wheel drive gas truck on those tracks yeah um and that eventually is what killed gas truck unfortunately yeah it's a great class i think i think the guys that you can i think you look at people who cut their teeth on on gas trucks, you have Tebow, the Tebows, the Mayfields. Even if we go old school, Quartz was a big uh, gas truck driver. Dagani, Pavitas, all these guys drove, uh, Saxton, all drove gas truck and was serious about it. And yep. I mean, Mayfield, Tebow, Cavalier, you can, they speak for themselves. Still, still like in the top of their, their class, 20, well, well, might as well say 20 years later, yeah, almost. You know, I mean, they're young, no, but definitely. they've been in this for so long. So, yep. um, it was a great beginner class. It was cheap. It taught you throttle control. It, uh, it taught you how to tune a motor and all that type of stuff. 
was a it was a great class, man. And I some people are trying to resurge it. I have about five of them here. I have some triple XNTs and a Mugen and a Mugen MST one. But this is also when Adam Drake kind of came in on the scene. He was like a gas truck specialist, and uh, I was watching the 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 video, and he, I believe I don't know if I got the dates right, but I think. He had come from wherever he was. He's living in the Midwest, and he came to California, and he bought all this stuff. And he, he says the first day he got there, Pops told him, hey, by the way, we sold the company. So I'm not sure what year was this. Was it 2000 that you guys sold the company to? Yes. To Horizon? Okay. And you got you continue to work for, the, for them. But I got, I got to ask, was it a hard decision to sell at that time, or would you think it was just the right time to do it? Well, looking back is is different than looking forward mm -hmm. so at the time it seemed it was a pretty easy decision because it was obvious that we were losing vendors in california at that point um our supply chain was basically going bankrupt and prices were getting jacked up and we were going to have to move manufacturing to asia if we were going to continue right and we're a couple small hobbyists that didn't want to get on airplanes and go live in asia to figure out how to do it well mm-hmm so that that kind of made the decision for us um it allowed us to roll all of our staff i mean basically nobody lost the job in that transition um everybody be, all the low, low c employees became horizon employees moved over to the warehouse and were integrated into other areas of the warehouse so it Basically, we had no future unless we were going to fire right. a lot of our staff and move our production to Taiwan and spend a lot of time over there learning how to do it well. Mm -hmm. and, and, and people, stuff. that's a, like dealing, everybody thinks it's so easy dealing with these factories over in Asia, and it's not. It's a, it's a learning curve for sure. And Nothing is easy. Nothing is easy, exactly. That is true. It's not just as simple as, oh, you can just change this and you already printed out 2,000 copies of it or something like that. If it's if it's easy, you're going to have an infinite amount of competitors, which makes it hard. Exactly. Exactly. But let's talk about, let's talk some more about Gas Truck. The Triple XNT was very successful for you guys coming off the GTX. Drake, I mean, was big for you guys coming over. Uh, well, he always drove Lucy, but coming to work for you guys. When you first met Adam... Yep. What was your first impressions of him and what was it like working with him? Well, he was just a nice, quiet, young kid that was very competent driver, just solid as a rock. And, uh, you know, he liked the gas trucks and, you know, the writing was on the wall that electric was dying and we were going to be racing a lot of nitro. So when he came over, it was kind of like, Adam, you have to hold the flag up and go learn gas truck. You're just gas racing. Mm -hmm. And he became, it's like, for me, he was in, indispensable. It's like I'd run all my ideas past him and go learn this, go learn that, and send them out in the world. And he did the legwork to build that foundation of knowledge so that as we could switch from electric projects to gas projects, somebody in our building had had that base experience that we could draw on so we didn't make stupid mistakes. Yes. And, and uh, so I... We gave him full freedom, full reign. I mean, he would go to races, and half the time we didn't even know what he was doing yet just because we just, hey, just go get experience. Yeah, and he noted everything. I remember him talking about racing gas trucks, and I think he was racing, oh, maybe it was, um, 
What's the other gentleman that was a partner with your father? Oh, Halsey. Was it? He was in the in the video. I can't remember his name, but he he oh, was Gary. Yeah, he was talking about being at a, a, a race with with Adam, and Adam okay. had, was writing everything down in his notebook, and then the. He was like, well, why are you writing all this stuff down? He goes, because I want to know what I'm doing. And he goes, you need to do this, this, and this, and this to your truck to make it better. And the guy was like, everything he said was absolutely right. And he still does it to this day, like his notebooks and all that type of stuff, man. He's, that's, that's why he's like who he is in the industry nowadays, I would say, for sure. And, yeah, uh, different people have different skills, and they bring different, the different approaches to be successful. And I'd say Adam is probably you know, a little bit better than average driver, but his, his skill set as far as just talent, but his skill set is his passion, his, his just attention to detail. He didn't burn out. He doesn't seem to burn out. You know, his, his absolute, his passion for it. Just, he, he gets more out of his package than anybody I've ever met. Yeah. He's, and his stuff is always on like mint every detail. I mean, look at look at DNC this year. He did well. Like he kicked everybody's ass. Like I didn't. Oh, he did extremely well. And I like I was just like, wow, jaw dropped. And I looked over to Joseph and I said, well, no. you ain't never gonna beat him now. So you can forget all about it. And um, you, you should have seen Adam drive in Australia. Really? His program, his driving, everything is. I I don't think I've ever seen him run any better than he did in Australia. Wow. Uh, I was thinking back to one of the stories he was talking about when they made the RTR triple XNT and they had to make a thousand of them and each person had a job to do and he was like yeah I had to drum with this little piece and the carburetor that kept getting stuck and this person had to do this <laughs> I was like I couldn't imagine doing that a thousand times and it's a and that's and that's nothing compared to the production world really wow that's insane man it's insane. I hope one day to get over to Asia and see some of this production work, to be honest. It, I'm sure it's fascinating. It, it's, 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 there's a few companies that do it really well. Yeah. But definitely, just a few. Yeah. I think that was probably one of the best moves uh, Losi made was hiring Adam. Um, I mean, look at him now. I st even to this day, he's synonymous with, uh, with Lo Team Losi as well as yourself. So. Yeah, no, Adam's great people. Yeah. I mean, just enjoyed enjoyed him all the years I spent with him. And just, yeah, Adam's just good people. He works hard. You, you just won't find any more, anybody else as dedicated to his racing as Adam. Yeah, and he's, he gives hope to the older racers too. So, yeah. but uh, Mini Team, that was another big project you was involved in. And I remember reading that Horizon didn't actually want to win anything to do with it. And you said uh, it's not quite fair. Well, they kind of, well, they kind of was, uh, what's the word? I think you pushed to have it done more. And so, you know, within any big organization, you have different groups mm -hmm. and some groups have different perspectives and you need a good, healthy battle on, on things to, for, to have good checks and balances. And yeah, the, the financial department was not very happy with the project because they had just got burnt on a different 18 scale project. And so they were really leery of it. So we had to push hard to get it past that department. Mm -hmm. But um, it was a success. But yeah, it was a good project. <laughs> a, a nut, just basically anybody that had was as affiliated with the brand or the product at the product level all supported the product. 
Yeah, I believe I had one at one point too when they were popular when they first came out. Yeah, that was a that was a lot of fun. It was a good value. I mean, it's the first 18 scale car that came out of the box that actually kind of worked. Mm-hmm. It was just a mini race so, car, and I and people got really deep and started racing them as well at yeah. classes and whatnot. Well, the big thing was we looked for something that was fun, affordable, that was nostalgic. And the rest of it was kind of, you hope for it to happen, but that wasn't what it was really built for. Mm-hmm. Understandable. But you know, us RC guys, we'll race anything. And, and exactly. we'll, mess, we'll mess up anything. Don't worry. The Rough Rider was not intended to be a race car. <laughs> exactly. Okay, let's talk a little bit about 8 scale. When did uh, TLR or uh, yeah, well, TLR decide to get into the 8 scale game? It waited quite a bit. What what was the I mean, obviously the the eight kind of changed everything, you know, in eight scale racing. But why did it take? Well, we, well, we had decided to do it when the gas truck thing was going. Mm-hmm. Um, we knew that was what we had to do next. We put it on the list. There was a few projects ahead of it. Um, but yeah, it was it was it had been part part of it had been on the on the radar. You know, probably since the very end of the 90s. And uh, when did you guys start working on it? Well, honestly, when we told Adam to go out and race and start building knowledge, that was the start of the project. Right, because he ran jamming for a long time with, uh, with Jay. Yeah. Um, and through that whole period, I would debrief him after every race. We'd go through clutch materials, brake materials, what he was learning, strategy. So, you know, it's like I was already formulating the, the, the product plan in those days. Yeah, but you guys kind of knocked it out of the park and went, like, we hadn't seen, you changed it all together when this came out. Um, no, we were, we were very proud of that, too. Yeah, it's, I, it's a, I had one. Uh, I bought it for my buddy, and I wish I wouldn't. I might, my, I might buy it back for my buddy just to have it here and, and clean it up and put it on, my, on the shelf. But... What was the thinking going into this car? Like, how long did it take from, all right, we want to do this, to it actually coming out? Or even, I, I think, um, I'm trying to remember the actual year it was released. Was it 2008? Or was it before that? I can't remember. No, before that. I think I think we released it in four. Okay. Because I left in five. Okay, so it was in four. Okay, I kept thinking it was in 2008. Um, but, yeah, I mean, just completely like change the the eight scale market How, like who was who was the key like was you really deeply involved in all the like the drive line that i think that's what what kind of got people how smooth how different it was and just everything about the car was was completely different and yeah no i mean the architect the architecture was mostly my idea mm-hmm. um uh, but i i can't take credit for everything because there's so many people that worked on it mm-hmm. You know, it's like the clutch was my design. I worked with Josh Alton. Josh Alton did the leg work. You know, he, I brought in a bunch of sample materials and kind of did the basic design with him. And he went out to on-road track and just spent days testing clutch materials. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the base chassis, I basically started integrating ideas onto a Kyosho um, MP7 and just trying different front end pieces, rear end pieces. And, you know, Yuka was still in Finland most of the time and coming over for summers. And 
you know, he was involved with uh, the building the prototype stuff or doing the prototype design and testing when he was in town. And basically, yeah, it was, but it's like, yeah, Yuka was involved, Josh Alton was involved, myself, Adam. Um, and I'd say, you know, we, we were dropping all the different cars. We were out racing the different cars. Um, I raced a Yugen, what was it, an MBX3? <laughs> uh, no, it would have been a five, I think, back then. Five? Yeah. Okay. So I was racing one of those, and Yuka was racing the Kyosho. We did a whole, a whole season racing. All, so Adam was on the Dramen, I was on the Mugen, and uh, Yuka was on the Kyosho, kind of learning the different attributes and which cars did what. And I, I can remember I was sitting there in the back, back of the track at a race in Vegas. Track was super blown out. And cars would literally go down the straightaway, and everybody was bounced would fly off the track. <laughs> and I can watch. I remember watching Bill Hagen was running around this old Chronos Italian car, and his was the only car going down the straightaway that was bouncing as bad as everybody else's, but stayed on the track. Right. So I went over and checked it out, and it's like as I'm looking at it, I'm going, okay. The motor is sitting way further forward in this car. So I actually broke out. I went and I bought scales and started weighing out all the cars and realized that that car had the weight distribution about two to three percent further forward than all the other cars. Mm -hmm. So the first thing I did is start running all the weight tests on our existing cars, which then led to how we packaged the eight to get the weight off forward. Wow. So you just see that's that's your I think that's an amazing talent. You can look at a car, see what's going on, then on the track, and then you go and just look at it and see what happened, what why it was doing yeah, that. Yeah, we we but so it's, I, I was always the conductor in the background, but I had all these great guys doing all this great work for me. Yeah, well, it was definitely a success, man. I mean, it blew people out of the water. Um, Truy almost won the worlds with it. Oh, I was heartbreaking in two thousand and eight. Yeah, uh, I thought he had that, um, and it continues to go. I mean. Now you, um, I just, you know, I went into the TLR pit at DNC. It's, it's big. It's, it's, it's like, I've been to three DNCs and this is the biggest I've ever seen it. And everybody was in there wrenching. I think Dakota fan is one of the most talented, if not the, the, the most talented guys in RC just seems to have finished nitro races. I hope that once we get back to racing, I know Barry Baker's going to be helping him out a lot. <clears throat> I hope he does finish some races because I always bet on him. And we have a running joke, <laughs> me and Joseph, that he fends himself. Like, but it is true. He, he's good, but always seems, something seems to go wrong and doesn't finish. But super talented young man. And he's young, but he's been around for a long time. And seems yeah. like you guys have a great platform now as well. So it's well, interesting to, to yeah, see. Dakota, Dakota's in, immensely talented. But he also suffered from the fact that, you know, through the first half of his career, he didn't do his own mechanic work. Mm -hmm. So he's having to learn how to actually be, be a mechanic and learning the mechanics and the strategy of the mechanics. Yes. So, you know, that's one of the things that the guys that came through gas truck learned is they yes. learned that mechanical ability that Dakota and some of the newer kids never got to experience. So talented, man. He's so fast. I will. I love watching him drive. It's, it's pretty good. It's amazing. Yeah. And you said Bill Hagen, the ice cream man. Uh, I was talking to him the other day. Uh, I got to get him on this podcast. Do his part of that whole attitude era I was talking about. Um, yeah. I, yep. I, I remember his cool gray 
primer gray and, and blue paint scheme and seeing them in the magazines and all that stuff. Good peoples. All right. Yep. Agree. Let's talk about AKA. So you left Horizon in 05 and along with Joel Johnson, your dad, you bought AKA from Kyosho. Um, so, so, so it's a little different than that, actually. Um, Kyosho wanted to create a, a uh, car development staff uh, in the U.S., and that's what I originally left Horizon to do. I was at, I was getting very depressed and at odds with the, the, the powers to be at Horizon at the time and was get, getting very depressed about it. So Kyosho came and asked if I'd help create a car program for them, and that sounded interesting. So we, we left to do that, mm-hmm. and Kyosho America was trying to build kind of shelf space and access to stores, and they needed some commodity lines. So we started AKA as a kind of as a commodity product to help support Kyosho sales and store more reasons for stores to buy from Kyosho directly. Um, but when the financial crisis started in 07, that dramatically affected Kyosho Japan. And through that whole cutback, we just ended up buying the AKA project away from them because they were they were basically going to shut down the U.S. operation. Okay. So Mark and I basically came over to AKA from Kyosho. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, a year later, Joel came over. Okay. See, that's that, me that's doing my research. It's not, not everything you find on the internet is correct. So... <laughs> Um, what you your primary focus was eight scale tires. Uh, what was one of your biggest challenges breaking into the tire market? Because at this time it was pretty much dominated by, oh well, it was dominated by Proline. Panther was around a bit at this time, I believe. I think Panther was still, uh, was still in the tire game. I don't, I don't believe JC had happened, but yeah, big challenges against Proline. What uh. What were some of your biggest challenges when you, you broke into this tire market? Oh, you know, it really, we were very lucky that it wasn't that difficult. Um, the, the hardest part was setting up the supply chain. Mm-hmm. Um, so once we had the supply chain set up and functioning, um, doing the work and just getting out and supporting it, you know, we were very fortunate that being part of the Kyosho family of companies at the beginning, set us up with a global infrastructure that we got to rely on right away. And it was actually probably easier than it should have been. Okay. Uh, how was it uh, challenging ProLine at this time? It was fine because, you know, ProLine and Team Losi had been doing war for tire on tires forever. Okay. So I already knew that. So that was just picking up, picking up where we left off. Got you. Understand that makes sense, and I mean, yeah, I guess bringing a second or third tire company in there will always be a little bit more successful because tires are probably one of the most costly things in racing. And that actually leads into my next question: What are some of the biggest changes to tires you have seen in your time at AKA? It used to be like, like used to be like you know the city blocks and all those type of tires. But now we're like, I, I honestly think the tire game is the most expensive thing in RC. And 
so many different compounds, so many different tread patterns, and sometimes you need multiple compounds or tread patterns at tracks. Uh, what's your thoughts on all of this? It's racing. Yeah. <laughs> you will not find any racing that doesn't have the same problems. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I don't have a lot of thoughts other than it's just, it's just par for the course when you get a mature developed category, um, everything gets very refined when you're looking for those quarter percents. Mm -hmm. I know Ryan Lux. And honestly, it comes. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say it come, comes down to the whole, um, when you're, when you have the surfaces that we race on that are so perfect, mm -hmm. um, everything else has to be just as perfect. I agree. I mean, people demand baby smooth, high traction nowadays. And that makes it harder. Like it's, you, it's very hard. You can't make mistakes. I, you know, I, I like old school stuff. I like a little bit of loom. I like a little bit of rough. And I know that we're just not probably going back to that. We might get a track now and then that gets similar to that. But I mean, predominantly it's high bite, smooth, big jumps, fast tracks, tire. And sometimes it depends what track you want. Tire where isn't really an issue, but just getting the best grip out of your car. Because I mean, that's the most important part of your setup is tires. If you ain't on the right tires, then it doesn't matter. So exactly. Yeah. Ryan Lutz was, I was talking to him a lot at DMC and also on the podcast and he was, he always uh, says how, you know, he goes to you for tire help. And, you know, I think we was talking about maybe the, when he won DR, DXR last year and he went with that unusual, I think it was zips and double downs. I don't know which way he had them on there, but I think he yep. had talked to you previously about doing that. And he seems to like that compound on a lot of different tracks. I mean, that combination, a lot of different tracks. So yeah, it's, 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 it's different. It's different. I mean, AKA still has, doesn't have as many, I don't think has many different tires as other companies. I mean, there's lots of companies with a lot of different tread patterns. You guys seem to still, I mean, you just interest, uh, just before COVID hit, you, came out with the scribble for eight scale, which yep. looks very interesting as well. And the P one was, was the P one last year, I believe. Yes. Okay. So what makes the P one and the scribble different from the previous tires? It's something to do with the tire carcass, correct? Well, the P one is, is, is they're all the same carcasses as, as what we have been using. The P one is a little square profile on the lugs. Mm -hmm. Um, which allow it to work and be more stable in softer compounds. Um, so it's kind of like if you were going to run a gridiron in a soft, you'd run a P1 in a super soft. Okay. If you're going to run a gridiron in a super soft, you could run the P1 in ultra soft. Okay. Then you, you actually have to. So that the square corner adds support, but it also makes the tire feel stiff. I know what you mean. I get, I understand. And then the scribble is really more about the tread pattern, getting a very stable tread pattern in clay compound that has the durability to go, uh, you know, we targeted this as a 45 minute tire so that both for club racing, you'll get a lot of life as well as at a nationals. Like if we go to Thornhill for another nationals, mm -hmm. I want to finish with some tread on the tire. Yeah. For sure. Oh man. I think we, might, yeah, it's a great track, but isn't that the, it, uh, wasn't that, where Lutz got DQ'd for his tires wore on so much that his his truggy was underweight, I believe so. 
Yeah, yeah I, I don't remember, but I, I remember the discussion about the tire wear there. Mm -hmm. Interesting. All right. Uh, I've had Mark Pavitas on the podcast earlier last year, and he told us his side of the story of his of what happened between him and AKA. Um, I don't know if you want to touch on it. Basically, he said he kind of caught him by the, you know, he didn't know what was happening when he came to work, and then he, he got handed a, a pink slip, and he wasn't working there anymore. Um I kind of want to get your side of the story. And I also wanted to ask, do you think that you and Mark and will reconcile uh, one day? So it really comes down to, I'll tell us a different kind of story. Okay. Um, we all joined Kyosho to be part of something more than bigger than AKA. Mm -hmm. And when AKA went solo, and then we had the consolidation in the industry um, we lost a lot of our international distributors, stuck us with a lot of bad debt. The bottom line was we were all too expensive. It's why originally I left AKA as a participating partner in um, what about 2010, just because we were this, our salary loads between me, Mark and Joel and the other guys, it was just too, too salary heavy mm -hmm. for that company. And, um, so it was Joel and Mark, um, at the time, Greg Hodat were running the company and I went off and did a different project with somebody else. And so I could take my salary out of the business and between the different problems and then the industry going through a consolidation and then the, the 08, or the, not the 08 prices, but the, the later one with the hobby industry kind of collapsing in Europe and losing all those distributors and getting stuck with all the bad debt the company just basically took on too much debt and it could couldn't it could just couldn't stay open and support that salary load and it, it had it just had to clean house and it, it when mark got let go the company was right at the breaking point and we had to put some money in and work our tails off without drawing any money to save it yeah was it a hard decision to let mark go very hard. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mark, Mark's, it was a big part of the company. He's a hell of a designer, a hell of a racer. And, you know, just kind of, you know, it was a huge bummer for everybody. And we're still, we're still digging our hole, our way out of that hole. And this mm -hmm. COVID crisis doesn't help. Yes. Um, but, you know, we've been able to save the company, get it going right, get caught up with creditors. You know, it's, it's all going in the right direction. And you know, now we're in, investing in new product again. And, it's got a bright future. We just need the future to get going. Yeah, it was at one point, like we had AKA scheduled as going bankrupt or just disappearing, but it has improved. And I mean, you, you have a 2018 world champion under your belt. Um, you just released these new tires. And from your- No, I mean, after, after Mark, after we let Mark go and I had to come back in and do what Mark was doing, mm -hmm. I spent the first six months just really learning the product line. Mm -hmm. It did some, some compound improvements, um, a little tweak here and there on foams, and then just worked with the pros to really make sure they knew how to use the line and then share that down into the rest of the team. And it's turned out well because, I mean, in some ways, ProLine, hurts themselves when they go to races. They have so many compounds and tread patterns that their own team gets so lost it actually hurts them at races. Mm -hmm. I and can see that. Our, our line being a little bit simpler and we know how to use it really well, it helps us adapt and make decisions quicker and more accurately. 
Do you do you think you can you and Mark can reconcile at one point and become friends again? You know, we could. I, I don't. I don't know that there's. You know, you know, we were never close friends prior. We all we were just racing acquaintances. You know, okay. we're from different generations. But um, but no, I mean, I have all the respect in the world for Mark and his abilities. I don't know that AKA would ever, you know, and Mark would ever get back together correctly. Mm -hmm. You know, there was reconciling. I don't know. It's, I don't think it's even an interesting question anymore. I don't think either of us would really want that. Right. I understand that. And from a business side, not from a friendship. Right. Side. I'm talking more of a, a friendship type of side, not business. So, you know, friendship. Yeah. I mean, I have no animosity. The whole, the whole thing was just a really bad situation. Yeah. It sucks to fire somebody and it sucks to be fired. I've been on, I've been on both sides of the spectrum. So, um, yep. it's difficult, man, but sometimes there's hard decisions have to be made in order for everybody to survive. So, well, yeah, the base bottom line was there was no choice. Mm -hmm. It wasn't, it wasn't a choice. It was a, yeah, it's either yeah, you're either filing bankruptcy papers or you're making some really hard decisions. Understandable. It didn't, it didn't come down to we like him or we don't like right, him. I it had it. nothing to do with it. It's all business, man. I understand. What can we expect? Well, at that point, it's survival. Yeah. <laughs> well, I I think in the long run, it looks like it kind of was the right decision. I mean, um, you guys seem to have gotten through the shaky ground that you was on. Obviously, a lot of companies are struggling now with COVID, but I mean, that's not, nobody can really do anything about that. So, but I do have, uh, what can we expect from AKA once we get back to racing? Any new products and you, can you shed some yeah, light we, on it? We, we do have a whole bunch of stuff in the works and um, the COVID thing is really hugely disappointing because we have so much stuff ready to go mm -hmm. and everything's put on hold until we know what the future holds. <clears throat> Yeah, I, I see people starting to get back to racing though. Um, not big races, but club racing and smaller races at tracks, which I kind of was hoping this COVID thing would do as well is get back people back to club racing. And it looks like yeah, it is. I totally agree. So that's a good thing. I think we're gonna see, I really believe we're gonna see influx of new people getting into racing that we did full scale racing, maybe motocross, drag race, whatever it was. And that's too expensive now. So they can do RC racing. So I hope. That's my my hope. You know, I could you know, talking to the different sales channels, you know, and e-commerce people that you know, both the race cars and scale cars all have done really well through yep. this this quarter. Yes. So I'm, let's just hope that there's pent up demand for people to go racing when we're allowed to. Yes. I think people are. I know I'm ready to see some racing. Most oh, I, I am so I am so ready to get back to the track. I'm so upset we're not going to have a nationals. Well, we might, but you know, and no worlds. Oh, just oh, it frustrates me. Oh, I was looking yeah, forward to Brazil. Huge bummer. Looking forward to Brazil. So, yep. Big news in 2019, you returned to TLR. Uh, your official role at TLR, and how does it feel to be back at with the brand that shares your name, and that you and your dad started? Well, I try not to get caught up in the emotions of it anymore. You know, just like everything else, it's business. Um, I obviously am very happy to be working with Todd and some of the guys there at Losi again. Um, 
still wish Adam and a few of the other guys were still there, but it is what it is. Um, so I, I am still a consultant and kind of working more as a mentor. Uh, although I've, I have got my teeth into a project here. That's uh, one of the more fun projects I've worked on in years. Okay. So it's been, it's been pretty good, but I, I hope to keep improving that relationship and keep doing more and more. Yes. I mean, TLR is making all the right steps. I mean, they just recently hired Thomas Tram, which I thought was an excellent, excellent acquisition as team manager. Uh, you, you just released your regional team managers throughout America yesterday, which was great. Barry Baker, Fenn's kind of mechanic and I, I would say mentor at Nitro races. Um, the new cars seem to be doing pretty well. People are buying them. I'm seeing a lot more, um, a lot more Losi, a lot more TLRs on Facebook and social media and just people driving them. I think TL, I, it was at one point, I remember Joseph and I was wondering, well, is TLR going to focus on, is going to still focus on racing or just go to the hobby side? But it seems like they restructured and they're dedicated to as racing as much as possible. I mean, just the new four-wheel drive is also released. Um, what does the future look like for TLR in your opinion? Well, you know, I will say that the, you know, the, the powers to be at horizon, um, you know, ha have, have made a commitment to try to improve at the product level across everything. And yet they, they've put a lot into changing the culture there on how they, how they relate to the customers at a product level. And I think you see it across all their brands, the TLR, especially in our focal point across all their brands, you see them, you know, investing back into new products and how they assemble the team and putting more money into the, the product support team, not just the product development team. Mm -hmm. um, so is, they're kind of reinventing themselves. And, and I look forward to being part of that. And I, I think if, if, as it heals and improves, it'll help the whole industry. Yes. Good stuff. I, I think they're on the right track. I think they've hired people, you yourself, obviously I'm a, I'm a big fan of Thomas. I like what he did at J Concepts, met him personally. I think they're on the right track. He's been super active in this time. You have too. I've seen you on doing your, your uh, with, is it Todd Hodge? Uh, yep. Doing your Facebook lives and stuff like that. And it's good to see TLR has been super active on social media, consistent. And that's great. I mean, people need to, bench racing is important too. So, oh, very. Yeah. So we talked about mentors and, and a lot of people consider you a mentor. Ryan Lutz being one, I'm sure you're going to have a lot of influence on some of these younger low C drivers and there's drivers period to drive for AKA, but what they, they talk about your ability to, to watch cars, watch drivers and be able to analyze and then talk to them uh, in a way that they understand. But what are some of the things you look or when people are out testing or or you see a driver for the first time and how do you then translate that into improving the car or the driver well let me just start with that it takes a whole bunch of ingredients to make a decent soup and every every per person you work with brings a different personality and a different skill set and um you know, with Ryan, Ryan's one of those pure talented people that did not have an opportunity to learn the technical side of RC. So with Ryan, we really focus on strategy, 
setup strategy, racing strategy, how you put that all together, because he's got the driving ability to race anything if it's prepped right. Um, you, you're like when I work with Jared, Jared's so experienced. He's done so much testing and product development and he's got his own recipe. I try not to get involved with the technical side of Jared and just be there as support that if he needs me, I'm there. So just try to pay attention and watch and stay out of his way and don't get in his head and just be there if he needs me. And so it, it's like different people you approach different ways and what, you know, whether you mentor somebody or not, it depends on how well you align and where you align. And, um, you know, I'll say, if you asked me 30 years ago how to make a car steer, I'd have an answer. Today, it's too complex. I have to get in. What are you trying to do? How are you driving it? What are your tires doing? You know, it's like, I, I'm the worst person to come ask a simple question to unless you want to do a deep dive. Mm-hmm. You're going to go in deep on them. I have a question. But I don't know how to answer a simple question anymore because everything's too complex for me. You, do you get to uh, communicate and work a lot with Dave E. Day, Ongaro? Quite a bit. Um, super impressive person, you know, and his support, you know, very, his mechanic is great. Um, Davide is just one of those kids, too, that just, you will never meet a guy that stays more calm under pressure than him. And just he's a very talented driver. Um, and yeah, I've enjoyed Davide him very, very much. Yeah, he he seems to have that like, yeah, no problem. Like even when his, the chips are like he's not doing as well. Yeah, no problem. I fix it tomorrow or something. He, he doesn't seem to get stressed out too much. Well, you know, yeah, that's his, I think that's going to be his biggest skill set is if he can stay there as he gets older, Mm -hmm. because it gets harder as you get older and your expectations grow. Yeah. You know, but if he can just stay in that place where he enjoys racing for the sake of racing and he he worries, you you just got to worry about your own performance, how well you do, whatever happens is going to happen. You can't control that. You can only affect the things you can control. He's super impressive. man. he does that better than everybody else in the field right now. He's super impressive, and he's still young. and got a lot of time ahead of him. And um, I think he's destined for big things. There's a couple of few dri- a few drivers I have my hopes up about, so we shall see. We just need to get back to yep. racing. Future of RC. RC's changed a lot, but still the same in a lot of ways. What do you miss most from the old days? God, you know, I, I, I enjoy every part of this evolution and I am kind of a techie. So I kind of personally love the things that I think is actually killing us. <laughs> so it's a yeah. double-edged sword for me personally. Yeah. Um, but um, you, 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 I look at the questions you have here and you basically as you go RCGP, um, kind of where does it go? Where does the innovation go? Really racing as we know it at the level with the pro drivers, the way we think of racing today, it's going to continue to devalue until we find a way to bring a product to market. So the next innovative product is not going to be a car or a part of a car. It's going to be the product we sell to the outside world that helps bring money in so that we can actually become a professional racing group. Like, um, so like RCGP, what he's trying to do, mm-hmm. um, 
whether he's got the recipe right or not, we don't know. It's bad timing with COVID, but, um, but it's going to take somebody to create a product that's sellable and find a way to find a market for it. And then instead of the RC industry having to pay to develop the product, then pay to have a driver, then pay to go to the event and then pay to sponsor the event, that's not a model that's going to hold up for anybody. Mm-hmm. If we're going to continue down the road we're on, outside money has to come in, whether it's from you know, Coca-Cola or a size car company or something else. But I agree until, with you. until we find a way to create a product that people want to watch on TV or online, um, we're, you know, we're going to continue to slowly devalue ourselves. You know what? I, I never thought of that being the next innovation in RC, but it is something I preach a lot. Like we need to make RC racing more spect, not sport, more appealing to people that don't know nothing about it. Absolutely nothing about RC. Like a lot of people watch motocross. They don't know every motocross racer and all the rules and all that type of stuff. They like watching it. A lot of people tune into, well, maybe not so much now, but tune into NASCAR. They just like to see people racing or getting in wrecks. We don't have that in RC. We cater to the same circle of people, RC racers. And we, you know, we need to figure out how we get, take what we do, which I think is absolutely cool and, and market it so that others that don't know what we're doing get interested. And then that takes characters and that takes storylines and that takes um, drama and us kind of thing. It comes back. What kind of lacking that in RC now, you know? Well, I do come from a time before computer counting systems. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you, I can remember, I miss the days when you came to the last round of qualifying and the last three fast heats and you're watching the start and who could get the start because if they didn't get the start, they weren't making the main. Um, And all the tension and excitement that that caused that uh, from a racer's perspective, if more qualifying and all these things Mm -hmm. we do were great for a good pro driver but they've sterilized the, the the watching experience of an RC race so much. That's one of the neg- biggest negatives I think we have right now. You, you know, you're, um, you're totally right. We need more heads if, up racing. Yeah, you know, the day, the days, the early days, anybody could walk up to any RC car track and they'd see a start and they knew who was leading. They knew who won. There was no confusion. There's no call points. Everything was just straight heads up, easy to understand and fun. And I and, think, sorry, go ahead. So if you're, if you're trying to run the races for the club members and the pros, we're doing it right, right now. Mm-hmm. But if you're trying to build a product that normal people can enjoy, we're doing it exactly wrong. I agree with you. Um, all right, let's, let's take RCGP. You attended that race. Uh, the American Ron was hugely successful. Everybody pissed and moaned about, okay, what, what I think one of the biggest misconceptions about RCGP that people have, and I always get on my RCGP soapbox, but I'm, I'm invested in it. Like, you know, I'm passionate about it. It's something I want to see change in RC. The point of RCGP is to do exactly what you just said. It's to provide a product that we can then take to the masses and say, hey, this is what we do. 
So let's take the USA run. Everybody was upset about some people like didn't like the gate starts. A lot didn't. Some people didn't. Whatever. It doesn't really matter. Really, at the end of the day, I thought they were exciting, and it, I think it's ex- exciting for the person that's gonna view it. Now, yes, these pro guys they're used to starting staggered or if Mar starts or whatever, and that's probably the fairest way to do it. But we need to create excitement. Heads up racing like motocross, first person to the corner, you know, and then go from there. Little things like that. It comes down to what you said earlier as well, is that in order for things to change, we're going to have to, like, do th- unconventional things and piss some people off along that way, along the way, in their, their senses. But I agree. That should be our next innovation. We should be aiming to try and get Red Bull Monster any of these companies on, but the problem is what we do is so small. Like, the I think, you know, when we go to RC race, oh, we had 600 entries. Yeah, you had 600 entries. That was 250 people that are racing three classes or two classes right. each. We we kid ourselves because we you know 600 sounds better than 250. Um, and I, it's a pet peeve of mine when somebody says that they're like, oh, we had 600. But how many participants did you have? And we kid ourselves, man. But I, I think you're right, man. We need to take this. We need to have. I think these pro guys, like I, I said it the other day. They need managers. They need PR managers. I want that one pro guy, who's gonna come in and be like, he's gonna be smart. He's gonna be like Kyle Bush. I don't know if you watch NASCAR, but Kyle Bush, Bush, Bush. He's, he's, he doesn't care. He says what he wants. He still wins. People hate him. And when he wins, he celebrates. When he loses, he tell, calls everybody a hack. I think we need more drivers like that in RC who's going to bring attention. And people will watch him just to see what he does next. And we don't really have a pro like that. We have Joseph. Joseph does crazy stuff, but he's not, you know, come on. He's not at the level of Mayfield and these guys. But, you know, like the drama, like that's what get people gets people excited. The tension, like the racing, the the excitement, um, all the, like you like you said, heads up racing. Who, not racing to four o'clock or not? You know, I I like if Mar qualifying. Don't get me wrong, it's 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 a it's probably the first way to qualify, but it's boring to watch and it's hard to understand. And it and just some guy up there calling lap times. I'm like, oh, it's just you know, to us we're racers, we like it, but to the normal person, like, what the heck is this? Like, you know, um, I don't know, man. We it, it also like. Well, I don't know what to do. Well, I'll, I'll just say I was part of the early days when we went from hand counts and some just simple counting systems to computers. And I was one of the pros at the time and I wanted all the fairness and I wanted seated heats and I wanted all these things. But now that I look back on it, all the things that we did to try to make it better for me mm-hmm. made it worse for customers. Yeah. You know, customers, when you have chaos and you get a couple guys that didn't deserve to be in the A, made the A, they go home, all their buddies think they have a chance to make the A at the next one. It's all good stuff for business and the industry. How about the, um, the we don't have anything for the newbie, though, in racing-wise. You know, we have, we, we touched on it earlier, scale. Scale is a great introduction to RC for people. Um, there's now there's no prep drag racing scene. It's kind of combining scale with drag racing, which I like, which I think will attract new people. Scale is huge, dude. I mean, you look at these events like Axial Fest and all this type of stuff. Two thousand people, not entries, 
1,500, 2,000 people attending these events, well, in, in the past, attending these events. That's humongous. Like, And it, it's so much fun. It's simple. It's it's competitive, but it's it's also more friendly. It's more more welcoming. It's easier for everybody to do. But well, how do... I- I've been out to a few of the scale events and quite honestly, if you were to race in the early eighties, they felt like a scale event. Really? Yeah. I just think it's, I think it's a great genre of RC, but how do we, how do we bridge that? How do we get those guys to come race with us? And, and I mean, I'm a fan of RC. Well, I think there's a lot of scale people that used to be racers. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it comes back to the access. We need to make it so that when you come to the track, you know, in three months, you start out in three months, you can be competitive, competitive enough to be having a good time. Mm-hmm. How do we do that? And if it takes three, if it takes three years, the class is way too hard. How do we do that? Do we need a spec class? Well, so this is, this is one of the, the, the challenges we've had, spec classes have always gone sour. Um, they've never worked. It tends to be chaos and, um, you know, the tracks that are open five, six, seven days a week and an unemployed guy can get so good that the guy that has a real job can't compete with them. Mm-hmm. Things like that are a problem. I think that when tracks were only good and prepped a few times a month, that the racing actually was healthier because nobody could go get dialed in and be so dominant that nobody else could show up and have a good time. There's a lot of things that have happened. We ruin it. Like look at short course. We ruined that. You know, we got made it too competitive and it took the fun out of it and it helped bring a lot of new people into RC. We kind of need another short so, course, I think. Well, I would love to see, I, for me, I love the learning and the product side of it. That's what I've always loved, um, more, even, you know, even more than the racing, even though I love the racing. The racing is what makes it exciting. Um, but I, I wish we could, like, blow up a scale. At least, you know, take any, like, you look at 8-scale on-road and 12-scale on-road today, mm-hmm. and nobody's making any money in those categories. Those categories are so played out. You know, they have to have three classes of 12 scale worlds to have, have a worlds. You know, it's time to, to change the recipe, you know, just go eliminate the class, create a new set of rules, a new, a new challenge, um, a new formula, let's call it. And I'll let people like every five to seven years or something, let's blow up up the rules and let's let's make it interesting would you like to see more like onward go more scale looking is that i think everything should be more scale okay i and hpi had a a a deal they did at club racing at least in southern california where you had you'd get points for how you performed and you get points for scale really and they had you would you do a concourse before the race started and they'd you get so many points and then you had to race that car and so it was kind of a combination of how it looked and how it performed kind of like sorry go ahead 
you know, I thought, I thought that was a wonderful idea on how to bring things back and make it look good enough that people that walk off the street and take a look at it want to be part of it. Yeah. Kind of like yeah. how Tamiya had that, um, they had that race class where you can race the mini class, the front wheel drive class, uh, the Tamiya championship series. They went all around America and the cars had to look, you know, they had to be Tamiya cars, obviously. And they looked like real cars. And yep. I think I, I've heard Jason Rona say it. I've heard a lot of people say it. And I even have come to the point that I think we need to make them make these cars look real. No, I love eight scale racing and I love 10 scale racing and all that type of stuff. And I don't want that to go, I, you know, I love it, but I think we need to have some scale. I was thinking maybe scale rally car racing. I don't know, but we couldn't really do it on the tracks that we do now. Um, the to me a Euro truck uh, situation seems to do pretty well. Carpet, it's basic, it's simple, to easy to get into, it's cheap, it has basic rules. So there's potential. We just we just got to figure out that next big thing, man. Because yes, it's one thing getting people over here. But like you said, if they aren't competitive, they're going to lose interest fast. No, exactly. So that that that's that's the question mark. I think we'll see a divergence. I think we'll see customer level racing de-evolve more, and I think you'll find pro level racing turning into something else that makes it makes income and shares income off of you know revenues from streaming and 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 advertising. Do you think? RC should have a professional, a truly professional level, kind of like motocross and other other motorsports, where there is a definitive it, line between amateur and pro. Well, I think it's already there, and unfortunately, the pros are the ones racing cars, and the amateurs are the ones doing scale. <laughs> I, well, I kind of meant it like, like we have these pro drivers like Mayfields and the Cavs and the Tebos. Now we all know. There, these guys on an elite level, and there's very few people that even make it to this level. Maybe maybe 25 guys at the most in off-road, and that's a stretch. Um, my thing was, like, kind of like RCGP had the, the RCGP class, which was the pro guys, and then the RC2 was the amateur guys. Do you think we kind of need to go that way in RC racing as well? I guess that's what I was getting at. We've tried now and then, um, possibly, I, I don't know. I, 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 at a, at a normal level, I say yes, but at an experiential level, I say it won't make any difference. Oh, you've, you've been around. Do you have a scale truck? You like it so much. Have you been out in the trails with, your, with any of your axial trucks? Um, I have, um, I don't do it that much cause I still prefer the racing, mm -hmm. but, um, but I still, I like building them and I like helping other people build them and helping them dial their stuff in. I think one of the things that appeals to me most, I like fifth scale racing, right? I really love the, the TLR five truck. I think it looks real. It looks realistic when it's out there racing. It's expensive. Don't get me wrong. I really like the, the fifth scale on-road racing because the cars look real. They have hydraulic brakes. They act like real cars. Totally expensive, but what appeals to me about those classes is the scale realism. So we just need to figure out how to do that in 10th and 8th scale. I mean, it's easy to do. It's cheaper and everything. It's just we want these high flow bodies because they're faster. And, the, you know, I'd love to see like Subaru Impreza's 
bodies or you know Mitsubishi bodies or just you know car different different manufacturer bodies racing instead of something that doesn't even resemble for me for onward because I always thought onward was had this cap capability but I agree with you man I just don't know what the answer is and I think as an industry we need to come together and figure out what it is but I don't know how we do it well we have tried many times and that's kind of one of the challenges of RC is we're not a very rich industry it's not that expensive it's not that profitable so nobody has the budgets to really get out there and do anything this is true this is true this is where we need the innovation and to take our pro drivers and try and get some some outside money in so it's, it's like it comes back to that yeah. as well it's like wow it does like we're chasing our tail here but um but that's where we need the innovation we need yeah. somebody to figure out how to sell RC car racing on on YouTube as well as people sell their videos of their cats. Yeah, it's crazy. Or vaping. Yeah. Oh my gosh, vaping. Yeah. I remember Joseph goes, vaping isn't that popular. I said, go look on YouTube. And he was like, oh, wow. <laughs> I was like, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, you look at these trail channels on YouTube, man. These guys have thousands, way, I think have way more followers than most RC racing channels, you know? Um, but it's it just it's just that appeal to them. Like you can have a scale-looking vehicle that you probably can't have in real life, and you can go with your buddies, and in nature, and 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 just have fun. So, I don't know. I yep. I have hopes for this no prep drag racing though. It's uh it's a growing genre. Uh, it combines scale and racing. So hopefully, RC dirt off-road guys get into that, and then we can help bring those drag races over to our side as well so um check it out man it's it's some interesting stuff going on with that okay no prep rc drag racing i think it's the next big thing pretty sure of it but <laughs> yeah, it's big it's all short course based trucks too so it's uh it's an easy yeah easy thing to get into well we used to actually have drag races once a year at the pitch shop when we first bought it oh yeah oh wow I've never yeah, been these three scale on road cars. Wow. Um, that is the Formula One class of RC, though. I enjoyed watching the worlds from uh, California. Man, them cars are so fast. And oh, oh. it's incredible. Like in the engines truly they are. go through. Uh, it's the form it truly is the Formula One of RC car racing, but I still think the eight scale nitro buggy world championships is the hardest race to win in RC. Agreed. All right, sir. Well, I appreciate your time. We've been chatting for an hour and 43 minutes. I'm sure we can chat some more, but I know you have a life and you have to get on with things. I hope to see you when I when we get back to racing. I wish you all the best at TLR, a.k.a. I'm looking forward to what both companies have coming out. And um, thank you for all the contributions you have made to RC. If it wasn't for people like you, we wouldn't be where we are in RC nowadays. Well, thank you, and thank you for being one of the guys out there trying to change how the industry looks. I'm trying. I think what we do is cool. We just need to stop being like nerds in the field and and try and stop hiding what we do, you know? So <laughs> Exactly. Thank you, sir. You have a good day, and um, thank you for your time. Uh, you too. Bye-bye. Techno RC. Techno RC. Techno RC is a premium manufacturer specializing in 8th and 10th scale high-performance off-road RC buggies and trucks.
Visit www.technorc.com for a complete catalog of their products. TechnoRC, excellence in engineering. Hashtag Techno Takeover. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the NNRC hotline. We haven't done this for a while. Uh, we were supposed to do it last week, but we had something come up. But we are back, and this week, my special guest is one who one of the best RC drivers of all time. I will blatantly, blatantly say he is the GOAT. Uh, I'm going to give him his new nickname. I'm taking it from Cole Ogden. I'm going to nickname him Killer Cav, and now Cole Ogden is Beast from the <laughs> East. I'd like to welcome Ryan Cavallari of S-Works, multi-time multi world champion. He is our guest on the hotline. What's up, Ryan? What's happening? Yeah, oh, glad to finally make it. Seemed like it was a while. All right, a while to get us on, but it's all bit. working. And and my you know, my stuff comes up. So. Yeah, yeah, of course. I hey, I don't mind you. <laughs> Last week I was I was like, yeah, we'll just postpone it. And joining me is my co-host, who is now a lefty number two because he's going to mess up his left arm in a mountain. What's he mountain biking, right? <laughs> Yeah, a little, little spill on the mountain bike on Friday. Is so. Nick Watlett of Wally Builds. How you feeling, Nick, man? Your arms are, you, you, and you're left-handed, too. That's where you messed yeah, up. Yeah, so left-handed, so it makes it a little bit more difficult. But all in all, not too bad. Just taking it one step at a time and trying to enjoy whatever I can. I want to shout out to all of the listeners. We have some people tuning in. Please, people, share this. Thank you to Techno RC for bringing this part of the segment. Thank you to all of our all of our advertisers and supporters of the podcast, as you can see, we have our BTRC there in the back. What's up? I see Brent and Lucas are on. What's up, dudes? How are you? What's up to everybody? Uh, I, please share this and don't be scared to call in. We want you to call in. We want to talk RC. The numbers there, I'm all fancy now. I got my frame up. I'm supposed to have, if you, you can't see it, but it's a no-name RC podcast one in the corner. I got to fix that. I'll fix that later. And here we go with the lefty for president's things. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Because Joseph's <laughs> done opened up uh, a can of arms. So what's up, Kev? How are you, man? What's going on? Yeah, uh, right now just uh, kind of just relaxing, kind of winding down the day. Yeah, I did the the daddy duties earlier today, and <laughs> just relaxing. Kind of was playing around with some RC stuff here mm -hmm. just before uh, we, we went on. So yeah, it's daily, basically a little RC, a little dad life, a little relaxing. Yeah. We have a daughter Sounds around the legit. same. Yeah, we have a daughter around the same age. So we was just sharing some of our horror stories just now. And um, <laughs> Nick, how are you? But how are you healing up? So no operation for you, dude, or you're gonna let that heal naturally, or what's going on? So far, no surgery. Uh, everything seems to be in line right now. So as long as it stays that way and starts getting better, I don't think surgery is gonna be needed. Um, but it's about six to twelve. They said it's about six to twelve weeks of. Uh, rehabbing this thing back together so okay. you, have, you have a little bit of time to be a lefty yeah i got i got, I got i'm gonna be a lefty throughout summer that's for sure <laughs> hey cav i got your biggest fan on her salty joe say what's up to salty, salty joe. joe what up salty oh he's gonna go crazy we've, over that we've had good times with salty we've sent him a couple good messages over the years yeah. All right. Well, you know what? Um, let's take our first call. Why don't we do that? Um, because he's been waiting for a while. Uh, and let's uh, let's see who this. Oh, I know who it is, but let's talk to. Him. Okay. 
What's up? Bonjour. What's up, guys? What's up, Kevin? How you doing? How are you? You you Good. are you were it's first part of the Canadian. What? You were first. Like you was calling before we even went live. You're on the you're on the money. He's on it. <laughs> Should happen. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh I think part of the Canadian mafia is going to call in uh, tonight, so it should uh, should be a good time. Yeah, he's pop. You're popular up there, aren't you, Cavalieri? Well, I've been around for a while. So. That's right. you have. You <laughs> have. We need, to come, we need we need to have you back for the Quebec Classic. Uh, we'll have uh, some fun at night. Yeah, that, I would I would be down. Yeah, we just have to kind of clear out some of our schedules right now. We have no. Uh, we just have a couple events just pop up, so. I'm sure we'll have a big Yeah, I know. I, I, spoke, I spoke with already a couple of guys. I think it's complicated to have you guys up for this uh, summer, but uh, we'll, we'll try and make it happen. Yeah, okay. And the borders have to open. That'd be, that'd be hey, good. Nick. Uh, hey, Nick. Uh, we, didn't, uh, we didn't talk about it on uh, Instagram, but I got uh, surgery twice on my shoulder for exact same thing that you got. So uh, hang in there. I feel your pain, man. Yeah, it's not super fun, but... I'm kind of thankful it doesn't need surgery at this point. So hopefully that's what it stays like. But oh, I got surgery not- twice. I got, I had two metal plates. So Ooh. I try and milk Ooh. it, and uh, sometimes it's fun with girls. So make it happen. <laughs> oh, right? It's worked for me. Girls like uh, what is that? that? Girls like scars. That's that's what I've always heard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're a tough guy. Oh, I, I didn't want surgery. Surgery's for pussies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm gonna let it grow back as it is. Shit, I, I just left my plate in my arm. It's still there 10 years later, 14 years, no, 14 years later. Shit, yeah. 15 years later. How's it going through security? Nah, no worries. They just yeah. bother me anyway, so I ain't worried about that. <laughs> What's up, Kev? Do you have a question for the um, lads? I actually, I, I had one uh, it's for Ryan. So Shoot. I think off road. The, the new stars in off-road are becoming younger and younger. And why is in off-road, off off-road, I mean, off-road, it's younger guys, but on-road guys are usually a bit older uh, than uh, the new stars in, in off-road. Why is there, like, a, a big age difference uh, between both of them? I think, like, there are. I've seen a few kids. So, like, Jacob Cruz is probably the youngest kind of, coming up right now what do you say he's like under 10 years old so i just think in on road you just don't have as many people racing it like especially in the u.s or let's just say even in europe that are younger i feel like they almost start with dirt you know and then they kind of get into on road or whatnot but you're probably just not seeing a lot of people starting with on road is what i would assume why it'd be such a big difference because i just think off-road racing you just have a a lot bigger of a of an uh, of a group of guys just racing general so that's why i think you just see so many young kids i mean i was super young when i started and uh i raced off-road and then i kind of i feel like it's easier to start with off-road and then go to on-road than vice versa for sure so possibly that's why i mean i would like to see younger kids racing on-road as well but i think it's you know it's fun and enjoyable and it's clean atmosphere is good but i just don't think that it's Maybe just as popular, and that's why. And it's expensive. Right, that was my. Uh, I mean, I think yeah, price wise, they're about the same. I just yeah. even when I raced, I've raced the Honor Nationals here in the U.S. You know, the last four or so years, and 
you know, you do see some younger kids, but it's just not like the same as off-road. You go to the track and you just see a lot of, you know, younger kids, teenagers, you know, involved in uh, in off-road. So I just think off-road is just a little more popular, and that's what you're, you're kind of seeing, why the difference would be. So. And I think having, like, the jumping factor of cars flying through the air kind of attracts people a little bit more. Like, more of the younger crowd, and then – and I kind of – and I see where Cavs coming with that, too, for sure, because – with the honor guys, you don't really see too many people get jump into the RC hobby and the racing side straight into off road. You kind of they kind of see it as an after. I'm like, oh, you know, I might I might give that a go. I mean, that's what I noticed at OCRC a lot. Like a lot of the guys that were running that started in off road, they kind of like saw an honor car for the first time at like the Reedy race because they went to go check it. Hello. And that's that's kind of hello. Yeah, you there? You there? Okay. But, uh, yeah, I think just, <laughs> oh, <laughs> but I think like the on-road stuff, just, you kind of find out, find about, find out more about it as soon as you, when you get into the hobby initially. And I think the off-road is just a little bit more attractive to the eye with people with cars flying and, and that kind yeah. of thing. I'd agree with you. I'd agree. I think, cause even some of the good on-road guys, they all kind of, a lot of them have started off-road first and. Mm-hmm. kind of found their passion in on-road, so. Yeah, but you're pretty good in both. Yeah, and I've ran, I mean, I started with off-road and kind of, you know, had on-road tracks to kind of race at, and mm-hmm. I just did it occasionally. I basically have always raced on-road just like one or two events uh, a year for the last like five or six years now, so it's just something that's fun. It's different. It's definitely a lot more enjoyable nowadays with the motors being so fast and the batteries that are so good and the cars that, you know, once you hit something, they, they don't get tweaked as easy. So you're not maintenancing your car every single time you're on the track. Like mm-hmm. you could just drive it closer to how you would drive your off-road cars. You know, you hit a pipe, you crash, you go out and drive it again. Like on road, you're tearing your whole car apart. You're doing a lot more stuff. So you definitely have to be well, you know, well-mannered in your mechanic skills and just being able to, to understand how a car is. And honor could be zero fun if you don't know what you're doing because you can go out there and one thing could be off and you're spinning out, and that's not enjoyable. So it definitely takes a little bit more detailed attention. But overall, <laughs> it's fun. It just takes a lot of work. Cool. Exactly. <laughs> Look at Jeff Keaton's comment on Facebook. I know, yeah, <laughs> Jeff's going off his head. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Kevin. I appreciate your call, dude. Yeah, man. So, have a good night, guys. Enjoy. Yes, yeah, the glory. And, uh, it, you, we know that. Will do. All right. <laughs> See you later, Kevin. Thank you. Take care, guys. See you later. Bye-bye. Right, bye. Cheers. Bye. Hey, so what about, like, do you find that on-road helps you any in your in your off-road racing at all? I think it has helped a little bit, especially when I transition over to the carpet. Mm-hmm. I think I, it shares a little bit with that more than, let's just say, your, your normal dirt off-road racing. But it definitely, it takes me, like, usually when I transition into on-road, it definitely takes me probably a day or two, mm-hmm. especially if I'm at an event. I just get better and better and better and better every time I go out. I always tell Randy, I'm like, I feel like I'm getting better. I feel like I'm getting better. And uh, sometimes it takes me a little bit of time to kind of get up to speed. 
And that's kind of what I've noticed at the Honor Nationals last few years. It's like, I'll start off like terrible and then I just get better and better. And then we make a couple of changes and you feel comfortable. So it's like, once I get comfortable, there's like no doubt. I'm like, all right, this, this ain't awesome. I can do my job, but it definitely like, it takes you a little bit of time just to get that power band and like that finesse. So it calms your driving down slightly. And so like when I go into like, you know, let's say carpet, it's, it's kind of resembling that a little bit. Like your driving style is a little bit different. You have to kind of slow it up a little bit with like the way you land in your car and just through certain sections because you're a flat track. So cool. it, it definitely helps. It's not like you would really want to do it all, but mm-hmm. I mean, it definitely, you know, it's, I just enjoy driving. So if I could drive another class, that's just what I do. <laughs> Sweet. Well, enough about on road because this is Nitro to Glory and we like off road. And eight uh, scale is the pre is the pinnacle of RC. Let's take another call. I don't know who this is, so I don't know. Let's take it. Hello, who am I talking with? Ah, bonjour. 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 Ah, uh, je voudrais on uh, baguette avec poisson. This must be Chuck. Oh, this isn't Uber Eats? Oh, no. okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, uh, uh. I was like, I heard his voice. I was like, oh, that's Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> Call it out. <laughs> What's up, Chuck? How are you, man? Oh, not too bad. Just chilling. It's nice, uh, 27 degrees in Vancouver. Nice. That's, uh. 81 Fahrenheit. That's good. So not bad. That's pretty nice good. In Canada, that's hot. <laughs> <laughs> it's not snowing. <laughs> doing good. So what's going yeah. on, Chuck? You got a question what's for up? Cav or, or Wally? Yeah, with uh, with all this lockout stuff, uh, I put on the COVID-19, which is like the COVID-19 pound. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, um, you know... <laughs> You put 19 pounds on, right? I've probably done more than that. I've probably done double that. <laughs> right, but, uh, you know, coming from uh, experienced racers who are uh, at your level, Ryan, and um, and also Nick, um, is there, like, a nutrition aspect? Like, uh, what's a typical race day? Like, are you guys going to shovel down hot dogs, or are you going to eat something a bit more vegan tofu-ish? Like, is that part of what you do to get better? Good question. Well, if you asked me when I was like 16 years old, I would say I'd go to McDonald's, get a number two, couple cheeseburgers, large coke, large fry. Now you ask my 33-year-old, now I'm eating sandwiches and salads and, you know, you're eating better. So I think we just take care of our bodies a lot better now uh, than what we used to, especially like all the way down the board at the track because I would eat out like three times a day at the track, you know, I'd, and now it's like, yeah. I'll bring my lunch to the track. I'll, you know, even if we have to eat, eat something out, we're eating like chicken and rice and, you know, eating sandwiches. And so I think our diets are a lot better, especially now at the track. Mm-hmm. So it, you definitely feel better when you eat better. I mean, I would say a lot of the drivers have been exercising, which, which is, uh, you know, riding bikes, running, walking, just, you could just see everyone is a lot more active nowadays. So 
Do you think that's helped right. you though for, right. to focus and all that stuff? Do you? Do, it makes us look better in the dryer sand. It makes for more real. Yeah, I, mean, I think it does make it make you think better. I mean, if you watch any of the top athletes, I mean, exercising is key. You know, eating good is key. So you put everything together. I mean, especially like for me, I'm not young at what we do. So you know, you have to try to you know eat well and you know we try to make ourselves look young as long as we can <laughs> yeah i think like just eating healthier and having like healthy foods to kind of power you throughout the day just makes you think better you make better decisions um you're a little sharper but then rather than just eating some heavy fast food stuff because i feel like even like on a day that i like do eat fast food and i hammer down like a double double and all that stuff you feel sluggish after and i, I mean i i can't imagine that helping you in any way so if yeah you you're eat, like for a nap yeah, exactly. I'm ready to go to sleep after that. But so I think like eating healthier food throughout the day, maybe before main, kind of clears your head a little bit, makes you a little bit sharper. So I think it'd help for sure. Don't ask me, right, Chuck. Right on. Don't ask me. <laughs> so you're saying I can still eat a hot dog, then I might have a chance. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, like some that. some guys still do, but like I, I would honestly think that eating better, just clearing your mind, is it's for sure better. So Absolutely. it can't, it can't totally hurt. Agree. <laughs> you know, maybe a couple, a uh, couple coldies, you know, occasionally, you know, just to relax. Now we're talking. That's me. Yeah, you I'll push the Bud Light. <laughs> 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 well, right on. It was good talking to you, and uh, yeah, I just wanted to call in and uh, say, hey, how's it going, guys? Thank you, Chuck, for calling in. It's Thanks been a while since you called, Man. so thank you. Uh, too, too bad you didn't call Uber. It was the wrong number. So. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. <laughs> All right, guys. Catch you right. later. Bye-bye. All right. See you later. All right. See ya. So, Cav, we have a question from Facebook Live, and uh, Richard Moore wants to know, do you have any pre-race rituals, or even you, Wally? Not really. I mean, I wear my red shorts on Sunday. If I feel <laughs> <good>. shorts? <laughs> really? If I feel it. If I feel it. What's the red, the red shorts, shorts for? <laughs> I don't know. I, it, it's kind of all started back in, I think, like, 2015, yeah, uh, yeah. red shorts pandemic. I had a good race, and then the red shorts just stuck stuck around. So, a couple other people tried it. It it works occasionally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good stuff. But, well, yeah, I'm, I I don't know. I'm I'm about the same. You know, every day is you know when I'm at the track, it's kind of the same. I would say coffee in the morning. You know, have a little bit of a, a bite to eat and kind of start the day. <laughs> make, make sure all the, all the cars are good, no screws are falling out. So, good stuff. No, nothing really crazy. Well, we we got a call, we got a call from our number one fan. We got to talk to we got to talk to uh, Eric real quick. So let's let's okay. have a talk, quick talk with Eric. What's up? What's up, number one top racer? Hey, we How you doing? We're good. How are you? Up, Eric? Hey, I'm in India. Um, can I talk to Chapel Levy? Yeah, that's yeah. yeah, he's here. How are we doing, Eric? Hey, what's up, Chap? How you doing? We're doing good. How are you? That's good, man. Um, are you gonna be are you have you been to Spokane? I have been to Spokane, not lately. Been uh, I think um, like a couple of years since we've been kinda up in that area. Oh uh, yeah. Um, I 
Hey, I get but I'm mid guy. I'm mid guy. The last time we saw you, you came out the Reedy race, I believe it was, right? Um, yeah. Um, hey, they put. I get to um uh, take note. What happened? I got to take note. You got a techno with the short course truck or e buggy? Yep. He's a short course stud. Well, you got one of the best short course trucks out there, or the best short course four wheel drive truck. Now you got to put it on the top top step, man. You got to go there and get some practice. Are you gonna be Are you gonna be racing there soon? Are they gonna have an NSC and NCT? It is an NSC and NCT. NCT. Yeah. NCT. Um, I think they are, but I, I think. Um, I think they, they are, but um, they gonna um be. I think they gonna be doing this in um June. Okay, they're starting yeah. back up in June. Uh, yeah. I thought, mm-hmm. I thought, you yeah. know, um, well, get it ready, dude. But hey, yeah. What? Get it ready. What do you want to ask, Cav? It's ready. It's ready. Hey, Cav, if you come out here, I. I can take you behind, so be <laughs> Hey, hey, hey! Oh, wow. buddy, you come on her and challenge every driver. Hey, I love it. You, you challenge. In, you. He always, he always wants a piece of me, man. <laughs> you were in it. <laughs> but hey, it's all good. All right, I'll um, give it to you. Got it. <laughs> so, so um, how you? Well, we're surviving. We're surviving. We're almost getting through all this, so. Yeah. Yeah. We got like another few days before I think everything opens back up, but been playing around. Been playing around. Yep. I hear you. Um, I got the iPhone. You're an iPhoneer? Well, at least you got a good phone. Yeah, there you go. Got that sorted oh. out. <laughs> hey, Eric. Yeah, I like iPhones. We gotta, we got some more people yeah. on the line, buddy. We gotta get to them, so we're gonna. You, you All know, right. Thank you for calling in. I appreciate it, and um, get your stuff ready. Yeah. So you can kick Cavs' ass when he, and Wally's ass when they come up to the <laughs> PNW. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to Hey, and you know what? So, so hey, yeah. you gotta on your post Look. now. You gotta say vote for Lefty. All right. Which one? I <laughs> vote for Lefty. I um okay. All right. <laughs> for Bye. president. All right. I'll talk. Good. All right. Bye-bye. Bye bye. 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 Everybody knows Eric. He he used to live in California. I didn't know that. Yeah. He yeah. He, uh, he used to go to Thunder he Alley. Drove at Thunder Alley. Okay. He always hit me up. Always hit me up. Come out to Thunder Alley. Come out to Thunder Alley. <laughs> I'd go out to Thunder Alley on a Saturday. He wasn't there. I had to message him. I'm like, where are you? <laughs> you always message me. Let me know. Hey, I'm here. I'm here. And I, I'm like, I sent him a picture. I'm at the track. And he's like, oh, I can't come. So <laughs> he ended up, he came down to the radio race and was stirring up. All right. Trouble. Hello. We got a call from Canada. How are you? Who am I talking to? Hey, how's it going? It's Ryan. What's up, Ryan? How you How doing? going on oh, doing pretty good how are you guys oh i i can oh, hear, we're hanging in i can hear, i can hear the canadian on you too. 
<laughs> it's not terrible. It's kind of sore, but not not uh, anything I can't handle. So. Oh, that's that's good to hear, man. I hope you get back to it as soon as you can. Same here. <laughs> <laughs> right on. You have any questions for? So during the whole, oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, actually, uh, I've got a few. Um, so, Ryan and Nick, uh, how do you guys deal with nerves on the driver's stand? That seems to be something that affects me the most. Like on my own practicing, I'm two seconds quicker a lap. I get up there and I start shaking like a leaf sometimes. <laughs> I think the best thing to do is kind of simulate what you're having a problem with that that's it that's if it's qualifying you know your heads up racing so like when you're out just practicing just try to simulate like maybe run a couple laps like just pretend like hey you know someone's behind me i gotta lead out this lap you know just kind of simulate as best you can and it may calm your nerves because like for us you know you're we're doing it constantly so you're just getting used to like the pressure and it just gets it gets to be normal so I think that's something that you could kind of work on just to simulate, you know, make, make, make it, make pressure situations just in practice. So, yeah, so you yeah. know, that, you know, that makes perfect sense. Cause there's no way to really, you know, to really go around, you know, that, you know, you just got to simulate, you know, the real thing. Basically. I think for us, it's like, it just, we've done it for such a long time. And like, I remember like when, you know, everybody kind of handles their nerves slightly different, but it's like if you just do it more, I feel like you just get better. And plus, I think starting – when I started younger, you just had no, like <clears> – <throat> there was nothing that really worried you. But we've done it so long now, it's like you, we still get a little bit nervous, but, you know, you can see us like we handle it. So it's – it's. I think everybody's kind of affected differently. But slam a few beers before you go to drive we're, we're trying – just yeah, yeah, I mean, you could slam a couple of beers. That might help, but Jake, then, you it, does it. then it blurs you out. <laughs> then it blurs your, your vision. <laughs> you got to find that balance. Slam a few beers and slam a few buggies. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. not not when you're I, I'm not at Cavs level, but JQ definitely he uh his 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 thing is like I'm I'm sucking. I'm like, well, here, have a beer and drink it fast. Yeah. yeah, believe it or not, like JQ really Boom. gets nervous before he goes up to in the driver's stand. I've seen it. Oh, it's I can crazy. tell. It's crazy. We always... Oh, yeah, like I, I said, everybody handles their nerves different, so yeah, that's how you how you can do it. Yeah, like my my best races I've had are are when I've been able to contain them and keep everything under check, which is usually like deep breathing, like I'm giving pregnancy or something, you know. <laughs> <laughs> good stuff yeah i mean i would just take some deep breaths basically before you go you know and i i feel like when i am at the line and they're like you know we're going live it's like you take a deep breath you just relax and then it's like like i like want it to happen instantly like i get on the jar stand and it's like i want the tone to go off as soon as it can possibly go off because i'm like you're always thinking about what can happen but then as soon as that tone goes off it's like you're in a different like world yeah, I see that. Like you're nervous. Anything that you're nervous about is kind of before the tone. And as yeah, soon you're as you get anticipating going, something bad to happen, something right. good to happen. You're like, I just want to get it over. I just want to get it on the clock. I want to be live. <laughs> Let's just get it going. Yeah. The less time I have to think, the better. Yeah, it's it definitely you know certain things for sure helps. Oh, that's good. Thank yeah. you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Hey, Ryan, can yeah, you that's, say? Uh, pretty much all I had to. 
Can you say a few things for me before you go? Can you say, let's go, boys. Let's go get the car and go to the bar. (laughs) Let's go, boys. Let's go to the car and get to the bar. Yeah, I'm not even getting that right. I was watching some trailer park boys today uh, briefly. So just what you saw. Oh, man, I love that show. So crazy. All right. Oh, good yeah. All right, Ryan. Well, thanks for the for the call, dude. And um, you enjoy the rest of your day. And thanks for the support. And I appreciate it. Take, take care, boys. Much love. All right. See ya. Bye bye. See ya. Good. Good questions, man. Yeah, Great man. Questions. This is fun. Different this questions one. for sure that I haven't. I would say I haven't really been asked. So yeah, we keep it slack on this one, man. This keeping is... it keeping us on our toes. Yeah, we keep it slack. See if we're... Let's take. See if we're just making stuff up. Let's take uh, one more phone. Uh, we got two more phone calls here so far. Let's go. This is Jeremy. What's going on, Jeremy? How you doing? Oh, what's going on there, guys? What's uh, everything's good? Hey, what's going on? Tell Jordan I said happy birthday, happy belated birthday. Yeah, he's in his bedroom playing video games, and I'm rebuilding some shocks in the RC room. So, well, yeah, because you guys have been racing. That's good. That's good, good stuff. <clears throat> Oh, yeah, we got another club race coming up this weekend and just freshening up the cars like always. Nice. Where are you at? Sounds good. We're up here in Minnesota. Okay. Okay. Racing yeah, scene's racing going the strong. Last three weeks. Yeah, we've raced the last three weeks and getting ready here. We got the first actual points race this weekend, club racing. Then after that, we head up to full throttle with the Vandalins for their season opener and ready to go. It's Seth, full throttle. Seth freaking Vandalin. Yeah. Yeah. How's, uh, how's everybody doing? How's the uh, family doing? Family's doing great here. We got some riots going on in I town now that. because of the shooting yeah, the deal the other day. And Is that far from you? Walmart and they closed down Walmart. Yeah, it's probably 15 miles away. Oh, that's not oh, too okay. Far. Wow. Uh, yeah, I'm on the opposite side of like Minneapolis, and I happen to the south side. I live in the north side, so. Gotcha. And shut down some businesses. Oh, yeah. The wife went to go get stuff for the camper. We got that all packed up, ready to head out after work tomorrow to go to the track. And she's like, I can't go. They got cops standing at the door. Wow. Yeah. That's a, it's a, Crazy. It's a sad situation what happened. And you know, I don't, oh, yeah. I don't justify rioting, but uh, it's, a, it's a hard, it's a hard thing to say. You know, you know it's, it's a hard thing to say, hard thing that happened. Yeah. And um, I don't know, mm-hmm. just, just uh, we gotta, we gotta get, we gotta heal this up. And I know it's gonna take a lot, but you know, I wanna get. Uh, I don't know what to say about that. Like it's just that was a frustrating exactly. thing for me <laughs> yeah, to see fair. and watch. So yeah, yeah. So. Uh, you got a question for Cav or Wally, Jeremy? Yeah, my question is, you know, we pretty much run two tracks up here and setups are fairly close. I'm just wondering how often you change, like, your shock oils, you know, do you change them every couple weeks if, you you know, conditions don't change or you just wait till you can feel something different in them before you make the adjustments? Um, I would say if I were to go practice like a couple weeks in a row and like my car was, it felt really good. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it. Um, typically the shocks, like as long as your boots like are good, the oil doesn't seem to be that dirty when I open up my shocks. 
So I would say every time I go to a big race, I always freshen up everything. So it just really depends on, I guess, your preparation. But I think once a week isn't a bad thing, especially if you're running at like a dustier, lumier track. Like, I think it's good to just uh, refreshen up the oil occasionally. Like, even if it's different temperatures, like I'll take my shocks off and kind of re-bleed them. You know, if it's a little hotter, I just try to tune my shocks for like that temperature. So. Yeah, yeah that's, that's pretty uh, much what I've been doing much. here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we don't do anything any different than everyone else. It's like we just kind of, I would say we just tune what we feel is kind of like necessary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Actually, I asked that. Yeah, it question. sounds like you have a good setup. I asked that question of Joseph uh, today, so he gave he gave a, he gave a pretty good answer as well. Um, so I'm not okay. going to spoil it. Yeah, because it seems to like it. when I'm dumping out my shock oils, and it's like I feel like I'm just dumping money here in my oil cup <laughs> every time because it looks clean. So it's like, well, yeah. Then I would say then you're probably doing. It. I mean, you could you can leave it in for a little bit longer. Yeah. You know, like. Honestly, yeah. like sometimes, like if my car is good, like I'm at a race, I don't want to touch it, you know. So it's like unless I'm getting beat, then I open up my shocks. That's another <laughs> way you can think about it. So good if you feel like it needs to be changed, then you do it. If it doesn't, you could just leave it in until someone's beating you. <laughs> Pretty much, diffs are more important though. You can feel the diffs going, and that, that it's a lot more heat generated in the diffs too. So you'll probably change diff oil more than you do shock oil. <clears throat> like Joseph kind of said the similar thing on uh, when we when I asked the question. He went, he went in a little bit. You know, Joseph, he went in science mode. Um, <clears throat> oh. But uh, yeah, science if it's clear seat. and if if you if you know like that shock oil is working for you there, and I would just like if you open up and it looks clean, I will leave it. Like you know, personally, like instead of dumping it out because yeah, it ain't cheap filling up. You got a lot of cars for work on too, so you know it isn't cheap uh, filling up all these shocks. Oh yeah, nope. yeah. We got e buggy, nitro buggy. Got the truggy sitting here yeah. working on that. And... Yeah, that's that's a bottle <laughs> of shock oil right there. Yeah, the truggy takes up. A, you oh, need yeah. to get big bottles. <laughs> Amazon oh, big <yeah>. bottles. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. Well, Jeremy, tell Jordan I said what's up. Tell the missus I said what's up. And uh, you guys have fun this weekend at the racing. And uh, send it with responsibility, man. Or don't. Just send awesome. it. Awesome. You guys take care. Thanks, dude. Thanks yeah, for thanks calling you in. Too. Here. Hey, Cav, we got Bobby Tillman tuned in. He says, what's up? We need to get Bobby on. Yeah, Bobby. We need to get Bobby yeah, Tillman on the podcast. That's what we need. I need to do. Bobby, we need to get you on the podcast. Old school. Yeah, I want to talk to you. <clears throat> you was part of that attitude. You was part of that attitude era too. On the last little bit <clears throat> of the attitude era of RC, that's like yeah, he was a, kind of a part of the the bad boy era. Yeah, of like you know the course, <laughs> the Ghani, oh, yeah. like kind of like that start of, of that one eight scale nitro. Yeah, when you used yeah. to just run one compound and a Same. big heavy car. What was it? The bow fighters? Yeah, crime fighters. Well, crime fighters. Crime yeah, fighters. Crime fighters and two crime fighters. What's up, Sean? How you doing? Pretty good, sir. First time caller. Fairly new listener. Thank you for calling nice. in. And um, thank you for having me on your show what, last week. Yeah, we did it last. Was it a week before? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thank you. Absolutely. I appreciate it. How thank you doing? You. 
I'm doing good. Um, if you hear some loud noises in the background, I am at work, and I may have to leave in a hurry. Sure, no worries. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're a firefighter, so yeah, yeah, most definitely. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. It's been a busy day, too. So. Really? Uh, um, first, first question. Um, I've been in the oval side and some of the drag racing side, but I've, I've been looking at getting into the 8-scale off-road. Um, as a new person into the eight scale, what what do you recommend that I look at or or do first to to start off in that in that genre? I mean, it depends. Like, are you an electric guy or you want to be a full nitro guy? You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna probably start in on electric. I'm I'm not really sure about nitro. Uh, yeah, all my stuff is, has been electric to begin with. Okay, so because I, I was I was gonna say the electric is probably a little bit easier to start with. Um, you get that, you get the driving fill, I mean, instant power. So, and, and you know, the two, yeah, I, I guess the biggest thing is pick a car that, you know, is kind of, uh, popular in your area and you, so you can work with some guys and kind of, uh, you know, get some, get some help. That always, uh, is good to have because these cars the nitro cars, you know, takes, takes quite a bit more overall. You know, I say just to build, but I think once they're good, maintenance-wise, you should be pretty solid. You should just have to do a few things, and I mean, the cars nowadays are pretty darn strong. So, well, uh, I, I know that some of the guys, uh, the one of the tracks that I race at has has uh, off-road as well, and in the Midwest, we always struggle, or I, I hear them struggling with the tune-ups because of uh, the change, the drastic change in weather that we that we see. Um, okay, you know, starting off starting off the day pretty darn hot and then the night comes in and it cools down and, and they, they struggle with their tune-up. So that's another reason why I've, I've, I'm thinking more along the lines of electric. Yeah. I mean, it just, like it's, it's just easier. You plug in, you go, you know, I think once you get your electronic settings, right, it you just, you just plug and go, you know, and, it's, and hopefully you just don't have really any problems. Cause I mean, it's go, you just never know, but they have been getting better. Like electronics have been getting stronger. So these cars, they just they fly. Yeah, they're they fast, are. dude. Yeah. These e-buckets are <laughs> off the hook. When you hit something, it's, it's fast. <laughs> yeah. But you know what, Sean? They, they do look awesome. Nitro look is up. the glory on this podcast, but e-buggy pays the bills. Um, I, I I see what you mean. Uh, e-buggy is awesome. I I think it's great. To, to get into the eight scale class for you, it's perfect. But I guarantee you, you'll be running nitro within after a year, because yeah, I, yeah, really? that's, yeah. I think that's usually the yeah. the progression it goes into. I think the electric right. eight scale yeah. might be probably one of the more I don't know how to put it. Like maybe like you feel more accomplished when you when you do well with it. And then, but e-buggy is like the best way to start. You just start out, you get the feel of how the car is going to react because they're going to react fairly similar. The braking is going to be a little bit different, but they'll react fairly similar. Setup changes will be similar. And then when you're ready to go to nitro and work with an engine, it's, it's probably one of the most fun things to actually go out and drive. So I think, okay. I think eventually you're, you'll end up with a nitro car. It'll just kind of happen. You'll be like, you know what? We should get one. And then you'll never look back. Excellent. And then uh, I got one more question, and it's kind of going off of uh, the gentleman earlier about uh, nerves. Um, I know you've been under some pressure at some big races. What, looking back through your career, what would you say 
was the most nervous you have ever been at a race? That's a good question. Uh, gosh, <clears throat> I was kind of rewatching some, like some videos. Uh, honestly, 2011 when, uh, I think it was a three, it was me and Mayfield battling and I don't know. It just, you start thinking about it, and it was only, like, the last, like, maybe, like, 30 or so seconds where you actually just start thinking about it. You're like, oh, man, like, this is happening. This could happen. This could happen. Uh, so it's, those are, like, the positions, like, where it's, like, I feel like if I'm not thinking about it. It's, like, not too big of a deal. Then I'm not – I don't really get too nervous, but it's, like, once once I'm leading for a while, you get more comfortable. It's, like, when you're, like, jumping out and you pass into the lead and then you're, like, oh, they're right back on me, then you're, like, trying to drive harder. But I would say, like, 2011, just I knew me and him were both going for, a, you know, world championship, and the track was kind of a little bit technical through – they had, like, a little chicane in the center, but we were hitting it, like, kind of full power, and you're, like, swapping the car. And I was just watching a couple of videos, like, watching it, I was more nervous than I'm sure of than when I was actually driving it. So it, <laughs> it was kind of funny. <laughs> Well, awesome. Well, thank you for allowing me to call in, and uh, gentlemen, have a wonderful evening. Thank you, too. You, too. Thank you, Sean. Hey, let's plug right. your uh, your channel real quick before you go. Oh, I appreciate that. Uh, RC Fun Time, it's on Facebook. Uh-huh. Uh, it is also on uh, Podbean and Spotify at this time. Sweet. Okay. Uh, Sounds good. Talk, we, talk, we talk to different drivers, mostly right now in the oval side. But I've ventured out into uh, off-road, on-road, and trying to get somebody on that's a drone drone specialist. So. Ah, that's a good one. It's, uh, cool. It's a good one. It's all about and, fun. It's all and, about having fun, no drama. Yep. Well, not like our podcast, but <laughs> 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 but it's great, man. I know it's all about positivity, and thank you for having me on. I, I enjoyed my chat on there. And um, thank you for what you do, man, as a firefighter. It's much appreciated. Not a problem. Uh, Lefty for president. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. Have a good one. one I'll get Mr. Cav on if if that's possible. Sure. Yeah, it's always possible. It's always possible. All right, gentlemen. Have a wonderful evening. All right. Thanks, you too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yeah, Sean. Lefty uh, for president. Have you seen that? Have you seen JQ? I saw it. You're gonna make it happen, though, right? I, dude, it people like people want change, man. People the, want to know what's the going people on. Want it. Yeah, the people want it. Some people don't, but you know, the people do, and they want to know what's going on. We, hey, man, we got to make RC great. We got to make it awesome. Like, take it to the yeah. take it to the masses, man. The more people, uh, <clears throat> the more people doing racing RC, the better it is for everybody. So, um, yeah, yeah, you know. And you know, JQ, yeah, yeah. if he gets to mix politics and RC together, I don't know, <laughs> Wally, we should make you VP. We should make Wally v- VP, oh and then we get somebody from over in Europe to be like, I don't know what comes after VP. Maybe, um, I don't know, whatever. That's a that's a big title. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, we have a call from LA. I, I'm probably one of you guys' friends. Justin? Oh, I know who it is. Cav, you know who it is, too. Oh, yeah. Princess. <laughs> <clears throat> What's going on, Justin? How are you? Not much, buddy. How's it going? We're good. Nice We're good. Go to it. Princess. 
Uh, what's We've going on, What's going on, Nick? Uh, yeah, it's been a minute. Yeah. No, just uh, another day, just working through all this uh, wonderful quarantine stuff, you know? Just staying healthy <laughs> and trying to chase that dollar. I hear you. We're almost you free. We're almost free. Yeah. So. You guys are. We ain't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw the cows running through your neighborhood. Oh yeah, yeah. Man. They um, they love that. Well, uh, you guys still on that like that curfew time where you had to be in by? Like, yeah, it's at seven now. So, <clears throat> but things are kind of back to normal. Like during the day, we got an election coming up. At what's supposed to be, so we'll see how that goes. <clears throat> That's why they released the cows. No, no, man, that happens all the time, dude. I've seen people carrying a pig on the back of a biker. Seriously, like a pig, all tied up, and, and it's alive, and they got it strapped to the back of their bike. I've seen people carry another bike on the back of a bike. You've seen it all. Don't get any ideas, Nick. Well, you've been her cab, you, but you hadn't, you hadn't mentioned yeah, yeah, like yeah. the tourist side of it. You should have come. Yeah, they, we we went straight from the airport to the resort. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's it. Next, you got to come up to my side of the, the DR. I'll show you around. So what's up, Justin? You have a, a question. Who like? I guess you guys know each other. Who who are you, bud? I don't know you. No, I'm uh, good friends with Nick and Cav. Uh, uh, Wally and I tend to race together quite often, and you know we support each other's brands. Um, I own my own motocross business. He supports me on that, and I support him on the RC side. But I just wanted to call in and show some support to you guys. And uh, glad seeing that we're uh, having people do stuff like this. You know, just more of a friendly conversation. And I think there needs to be more of this stuff in in, in racing in general. You know, just yeah. being able to ask questions. And I know sometimes people are you know intimidated to come up to certain you know professionals. Let's say either on the moto side or the RC side to ask questions to people like Cav, Mayfield, or, you know, Nick. It's just, you know, I just wanted to say it's just a great idea, and I like, you know, like where it's going. Thank you. I appreciate uh, you it. There. You, well, you're a motocross guy, so you like Pulp MX, right? Or do you watch Pulp? Uh, I really don't follow too much of the moto side. I mean, once uh-huh. uh, I'm done for the day at work, I'm done. You Sounds know, like I, me and I RC. away from the racing. Yeah. <laughs> I stepped away from the racing side on the professional side a couple of years ago and just yeah. focusing on uh, my own business and having some fun racing toy cars with my buddies. Yeah, well, I kind of, uh, that's the model that I kind of followed for this podcast. I just made it for RC. Um, this is just this mm-hmm. is just a segment of the whole podcast that I put together for the whole week. So I have like another one with uh, this week's interview is with Gil Lucy Jr. and then Joseph. You know, you probably know JQ. Everybody knows him. They probably want to slap him all day or whatever. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we, we, we know JQ. <laughs> <laughs> so you know that's my my that's my host. So my co-host and my buddy. So we we heard that and um yeah it's, I appreciate it man. But I, that, that that was the whole idea of the call-ins was to be relaxed and be like an old radio show where you can call in and just just talk to these dudes and ask them some questions and they can have fun as well doing it. Yeah, no, I, I love it and uh, keep up the good work and uh, hopefully we'll be back to normal racing soon. So sure, man, I appreciate. Yeah, we it. just psycho nitro. Yeah, you get, yeah. You have a mechanic for me this or uh, for a JBRL? What's up? You got a mechanic for me for JBRL? Why not? Let's go. I need out of this. I mean, I'm going to go. Race. <laughs> I got to go. I mean, I, 
I'm kind of over the tenth scale side of things right now. I just want to go, want to go run some. There you go. Nitro season. Just waiting on the, <laughs> waiting on the new car still. So. Nitro's glory. But yeah, but, yeah. Uh, I'm down to go. Ready for some new builds. Sweet. Yep. Exactly. Hand it to Wally and say, build it. There you go. <laughs> build me up. Uh, <laughs> build how's up, the wrenching go. with 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 the with the lefty? Can you do? Can you do a whole lot? I made a setup to sit my two wheel, and it was the most accomplished thing I've done all week. You what? <laughs> yeah, I made a setup change on my two wheel, and that's probably <laughs> the biggest thing I've done all week. Oh man, it's it's a hard thing. Yeah, you're taking it when easy. I, when I heard you, I don't know about, about I don't know about shocks yet. Like, oh boy, I'm not quite sure about shocks. I haven't got to that point yet. Yeah, no setup you're changes. You're probably pretty sore <laughs> right now, huh? No, it's actually not painful at all. Really, like I haven't taken any pain pills or anything since I crashed. Yeah, just keep it loose and you'll be chilling. Yeah. Just lay off the 805s, bud. You <laughs> laid already two down on this thing right now. Yeah. No, I, I, didn't pre-prepare, I didn't prepare for this right, podcast. Right. No beer. You already know where that's going. Oh, I hear you there. I already know that one. <laughs> you you, you uh, ready to start throwing some beer pong. <laughs> oh, boy. The bar opens up tonight. Bree's working, so I'm going to head up down there. Oh boy! <laughs> <laughs> I I know exactly where that. You might going. need to save him. You know you know exactly, exactly where I'm far going. for that. <laughs> I know exactly where you're going, but that's a little far for me. So. Sweet. But, uh, enjoy the rest of your night, guys. But yeah, thanks nice for calling in. And, uh, I will uh, hopefully see you guys soon. Yeah, we'll see you. See you soon. Take it easy. Good to meet you, Justin. Thank you for calling in, man. Thanks. Have a great night. You too. Princess. princess. We, got, we got one more call. <laughs> we got one more call, and then we have a couple of questions, and then we'll, we'll I guess we'll wrap this up. Okay. So What's up, Big Ty? What's going on, sir? How you doing, man? Uh, living life. Just got off of work, working at home. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, got off work working at home. Yeah, I get that one. How you doing? How's things going? Uh, you you been getting some racing done lately? Uh, I've been racing a little bit of electric, um, indoor, but nitro. We haven't started racing here in uh, California yet. We've been practicing revving back open, so mm-hmm. we, we've been up here. Sweet. I, I've missed it a lot, but the one thing that was cool about it was just to be able to hang around with your friends in the pit area and just talk a lot of crap and have fun. <laughs> that's what it's about. I think that's, <laughs> that's what most people are missing right now. <laughs> yep. I, miss it so, I miss it so much. You know, you look at races online, whatever else like that. I've watched even DNC from this year yeah. like three times and I'm like, I'm over it. I, I wanted to actually touch myself. So, right? Yeah, I hear you there. Yeah, look, yeah, I saw Rev was back running, so. <clears throat> Yeah, the only place that's not still open is um, Thunder Alley because it's a park for this year at the park. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they probably have another maybe a week or so. Yeah. A week or two. Sure. I'm sure they'll be back running here soon. Sweet. You got one thing I love about living in California. I love being around some of the best races around. You know what? If I live, I would love to live in California just for that reason. And I think California is an awesome state, period. It's a little expensive. Yeah. But, you know. Yeah, it's, it just depends on the area you want to be in, I guess. Um, you know, mm-hmm. if you're racing Nitro, you kind of want to be, you know, 
a little away from the beach, let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, like, when I have to drive to a track, it's about 45 minutes to, uh, you know, an hour. But then I'm right around the corner from OCRC, so it's kind of whatever you yeah. you want to do more. But that's just California. We have a lot of options. Yep. It's the Definitely Mecca of, of RC, options, man. Sure. It's the Mecca of RC. Um, you know, so many cool things have originated there. And, and formed what we now know as RC. A lot of things, even not just RC, like um, um, motocross and, and BMX and skateboarding and all that stuff, surfing, all that stuff, all yeah. from California. All this cool stuff that we have just seems to all come from California. And, people, you know, people forget about that. Yeah, and I think it's so awesome. I mean, every time I come there, man, I enjoy myself. Like, I should have spent more time there this time and I came for DNC. But it's a, it's beautiful, right. like, you know, yeah. and... Um, like, I think about one thing. One minute you can be up in the mountains at the lake, chilling on the river, or um, riding around in the boat. Later on, you can be at the beach within, you know, forty-five minutes to an hour. Exactly. We can't do that anywhere else. Sweet. Fine. But you know what? Yep. I do love my life here in the DR. I love it. I love yeah. California. I like to come visit, but I love my life in the DR. You know what? Cali's expensive, right? Cali's expensive, but where I come from is even more expensive. Believe that. Bermuda is way more expensive. Well, not way more expensive, but it's much more expensive. Yeah, it's expensive there. I think it's the number one. Uh, it's the it's the number one. Uh, it's uh, it's got the highest cost of living in all the world. It's the number one is most expensive place in the world. A little yeah. t- mm-hmm. twenty mile island in the middle of the Atlantic. It's <laughs> mad there. It's yeah, mad. my boy. Did you meet Shane? Like I, I know DNC? Shane. I knew Shane from back when okay, he was in yeah, Bermuda. So. I'm familiar. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, he always talks about how expensive it is out there. So yeah, yeah. good stuff. Hey, hey, Cam, I gotta ask you a question. <clears throat> Shoot, like when you know, like when you, I know you guys up here, like you know, DNC, you're up here for about forty-five minutes to an hour. How do you yeah. guys keep yourself mentally just focused on driving for that long? Because I know after maybe fifteen, like. 15 to 20 minutes, you know, that, that tension sometimes just goes away. How do you keep yourself focused with that? I think a lot of it, you just kind of in the moment, you know, you're just trying to do the best you can. So you're just always focused on, you know, getting the best result out there. So, um, obviously when you're, you're racing side by side with someone, you're just, you're just in the moment and you're just kind of, it goes by honestly a lot faster than what, it feels like if you were, if I were to go rewatch it, you know, like when we're up there, it feels like it is done. Like really? it doesn't feel that long. And at first, because mm-hmm. we've done it, I've done it so many times, you know, at first, to be honest, when I race a 45 minute man and then like an hour, I feel like that extra 15 minutes though is a lot, like mm. a lot longer. Like when I'm racing the world, it's just like, I just always think when I hit that 45 minute mark, I'm like, Shoot, I'd be done. <laughs> like at a, at a <laughs> typical event in the U.S., I'm like, but yes, that extra 15 minutes is long, and you definitely have to buckle down for. Uh, I feel like more for that 45 minutes for for me, it feels like it just goes by real fast. But adding an extra 15 minutes, I don't know what it is, but it's it's a big difference. And uh, but I think a lot of the time it just it depends on on what kind of race you're kind of having. You know, obviously, mm-hmm. if you're battling for the lead, you're just like you're in the moment. You want, you know, you want to get it done. You're nervous, and you got so much going on. You're not even thinking about like you're standing there for 45 minutes to an hour. So, 
But if you're out there having a bad race and you're like, man, I want to get off the dryer stand, like, and it feels like it's forever and it doesn't want to end. So, uh, it just okay. kind of, that's how I kind of see how, how it really goes. So. Yeah. I was going to say something very similar. It depends on how, how, uh, how your race is going for sure. Cause when you're out in the, when you're, or you could be out in front and that last like 10 minutes just seems like the, another 30 minutes to go. But if you're, battling and you're in the heat it seems like it ends up really quick and then when you're just in the end just in the back just kind of cycling around not really doing anything you're just kind of there uh yeah then again it right, feels right. like it's going on forever so, yeah it just okay. has to do with thank you very much for answering that question yes sir yes, yes sir. sir thank you very much Mm-hmm. Uh, I got another question for all of you guys. I mean, right now with the whole thing with the pandemic, with everything that's been going on, um, definitely, you know, hearing the bad news today, that kind of hurt my heart, you know, hearing about Byron mm. closing the doors. Yeah, what do you I did hear about for that. the future of RC? Like, is that going to affect? I think. Like, RC? I mean, yeah. it just it's depends. Like, I mean, we were just talking with a guy, um, you know, a few calls ago, and he said that. You know, they were kind of going racing. They were in uh, Minnesota, you know, 15 miles away, and he wasn't able to go get some stuff. Um, you know, they kind of closed down. So, it really will probably just affect more of that area, obviously, where it's at. I don't think it's going to. No, he's I mean, talking about. See, he's talking like, about. You know, about RC. He's talking about Byron's. Field. Yeah, Byron's. Oh, Byron's been out of, uh, or not out of business, but they're shutting down that. Oh, I thought you were talking. Yeah, about, thought, my bad. I thought you were talking about whole thought, new thing. Yeah, but oh yes, me and Le- Lefty no, were actually no. talking about that. Uh, sorry, I completely thought you were talking about <laughs> something else. But uh, yeah, Lefty just uh, just kind of announced that for me right before I kind of called uh, called in. But uh, yeah, I think that's a pretty big news. But to be honest, I don't know. A lot of people have actually switched off of Byron's. Like Byron's was like really really popular. You know, five or so years ago and had everybody, a lot of guys. And I think it's kind of slowly, you know, gone down. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Lefty probably knows a lot more than I do about that because I run MX and that's kind of what I focus on. Yeah. So, Fuel's expensive, man. Um, You know, it, like we were saying too, it's, it's expensive to ship it. And, you know, people, it's hard. You got lots of people. It's, it's a lot of fuel companies out there competing now. A lot of smaller companies that are doing it cheap. Um, mm-hmm. so it's, 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 it's just, it is what it is in RC. Um, you, you said how I think this is going to affect RC. I think, yes, I definitely think we might see a few more businesses shut down. If this goes on any longer, I mean, if people aren't racing the, it, it affects us. I mean, the basher side of the basher side and maybe the, the trail side and all that stuff of RC is doing great because people are still doing that because it's projects and they could go out and they, they can have fun. But the racing side, we need to race and we can't race right now. Well, we are getting back to racing somewhat, you know? So it's like this. It's like people aren't racing. They're not breaking parts or they're not, you know, they're not, you know, you know how it is, man. Like when you race, you always got to have, you know, you don't need one set of arms. You, you want three or four sets. Like and when one when you lose when you break two a set and you're done two right. sets you order three more, so that's not going on. So the company, it's hard to say. There's companies out there that I think are doing pretty good. Like I mean, look at AE. They've released the their new trail walker there recently, and they just recent recently released their new no prep drag car, which is both of those both of those genres of RC are booming. 
But we, on our genre of our side, we need to race. So, <clears throat> I mean, we do have PMB coming up here, which is like the first real big race after this COVID. Well, you know, like with the COVID thing going on, that's happening in July. And that hopefully that starts. But, but what I will say and what I do believe truly is that we will see the increase of club racing. And that's already happening now because there's no big races for yeah, people to go yeah. to. So people are starting to go to more club racing. You're starting to see just local tracks having more people come up. And that's what we need as well. <clears throat> so th there might be some more companies that just can't cut it. I mean, you know, it's, it's, a hard, it's, it's hard to say that, but we're such, we're, we're such a small niche within a, a niche of, of an industry. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, this is why I'm always on the thing. We need to grow this. We need to we need to get those bashers that are out there um, that are are, are are just jumping their cars. We need to get those guys to come and, and, and help them get racing. And we have to be like you, like you, like I always say, like you, you always say, I am, I'm an ambassador. Well, we're all ambassadors, right? So we have to treat these guys mm -hmm. and help them out and show them what, and stop, like, don't be dickheads. Like, you know, when you see a new guy at the track, go talk to him, go help him out. It, that might make a difference. Like, um, if he has a not so good stuff, like maybe just let him know, like, okay, maybe, you know, your car is not that good, but we can make it work. You know, you don't, he doesn't need that $500 OS speed. He needs a $150 P5 or, or something like that. You know, he doesn't, we, right. we, that's what we need mm -hmm. to do. And we, um, stop being so intimidating. And that's, that comes from all of us. <clears throat> right. But also it's, it's also a change that has well, to come from the top. Go ahead, right, sorry. Right. Hey, Lefty, one thing I do for myself, I've been on the streak right now for six years. I get a new person into RC racing each year. And I already got somebody this year that's already started. That's but, great. You know, this pandemic started the whole thing where, you know, shut, shut it down. But the one thing is, I'm just an everyday Joe. You know, I'm, I'm a racer. I have fun out there. But one thing is, I try to get somebody into it because, you know, it's enjoyable. I think mm -hmm. I, I always tell someone that this is my stress reliever because, hanging out with my friends, racing RC cars, and not worry about work or anything else like that, that's my enjoyment right there. Yeah. And, he, you know, I talked to him for a while, and he got into it, so that's what I do. But also what I try to do, if I have extra parts or mm -hmm. I'm not running a motor anymore, I try to hook them up, you know, give them this motor, I got this servo, whatever else, just to get them started and get them into it. And it's been, you know, working out for me pretty well in the instance of that, so. That's what, that's what I love about it. Yeah, man. I do too, man. That's really cool. I, I'm so, but we also, like, we also have to ask you, well, how do we grow this? Like, why do we, how do we take this to the masses and how do we, we promote what we do? Um, so that's, listen to this week's podcast because Joseph and I talk about this with this whole, his uh, nominated me for IFMAR president and all this type of stuff. But well, we all have to fill in that role, but also it has to start from the top. And the people that are in charge of, of what we call, what we know as RC and the governing bodies, they have to step up and, and do things too. And I'm not saying, well, I, I, I'm going to be straight up, like Raw doesn't do anything. You know, Raw doesn't do anything. Let's be realistic. EFRA is a good example of a governing body that um, does a lot for their, for their RC communities in Europe. You know what I mean? The, the, the president of EFRA is really forward thinking. EFRA does a lot of great things. Like, you know, they... And Europe's a whole different scene, but we need to come together as a collective. It's not just America. It's not just Europe. It's the whole world. We need to come come together 
and try to like promote what we do, make it cool, make people see what we're doing. Like people don't know what we're doing, man. That's the problem yeah, too. I think the biggest thing is just having the races like in the right locations. Yes. I think mean, that's yeah. like the be- that would be honestly the first step. It's just where does everybody want to go race? Where are the main destinations? Where are there the racers? Mm-hmm. You know, don't have these events at races that maybe won't be that high of attendance. Right. Uh, you know, just make well, it more enjoyable to attend. Mm-hmm. I think as well because a lot of times we go to these, some of these events and that's you're like, where are we? <laughs> like, where where are we going? <laughs> Like, Better to have two hours away from the airport. <laughs> and, and there's and there's certain times where we should be there, different times of the year, you know. Yeah. So I think a little bit could just be scheduling a little bit better, figure out where the companies, you know, where you know everyone sells well. Like have everybody that sells well. Like let's go to these places, and that's how you make you know I think the hobby a little bit better, like bigger, just simply. I feel like that would be a good start. We need. Yeah. I think we need to get. That too. Well, it's coming back, but we need to get these people interested. So we need to take RC to them. And my thing, my thing is like, we need to try and get alongside of big, of full scale events, like maybe a motocross race um, or something like that. That's thousands of people. That's thousands, thousands of people, tens of thousands of people walking across, watching what you're doing that are into this stuff. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's so, that's, yeah, that's why, like, uh, I think for Joey, having, like, the Silver State at the South Point Casino, mm-hmm. I mean, it's probably the best that you can get for us at the moment where you're having so many people see us walking through the lobby, like, they're going and checking us out. So but that's a big, big help. You sure. know what? It, it can be even better. But you know what is? My biggest dream, my biggest dream that I ever thought of would, would be totally incredible if we can go to a motocross event and have like an exhibition outside, outside of the pit area, they set up a nice dirt track and we go out there and race. This is yeah, a, you, be you think that would be pretty simple too. In general. <laughs> and you know what else yeah, we need, Todd? Actually, the... Hello? Yeah. Hello? Hello? Oh, are you there? Wally? Yeah, I got him. I'm sure you 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 know what else we need, Ty? Um, we need to really get an entry class for new people. Um, because not all of them can race nitro buggies or even race ten scale stock. We need to get we need to get a spec, some sort of spec class for new people that could come in and they can kind of learn. They can do yeah. well as well. You know what I mean? Because that's kind of a short course, you know. That's I know, but we ruined that. We ruined did. short course. You know, we made it. We we ruined. It doesn't look. We don't even get people racing short course much anymore. It was great. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. It's kind of like you know, it's. I still think it's just a class that people see, especially if they go to like hobby shops. Like they'll see like a Traxxas truck, uh, and it, it'll they'll buy that and drive it. And it just depends if they you know find a, a track. Let's say. Yeah, um, but I, I'm with you. It's just I don't know what else you could really come up with. I think that was like the best thing that you we we could have done, but we maybe just didn't execute it perfectly. It did bring a lot yeah. of people into we, the hobby. We spoiled but short I mean, course. I it one could have you know, you stayed around. It could have mm-hmm. stayed around a lot longer, but yeah. I think it it was a good run. It was a good run. It brought mm-hmm. a lot of people in, and it's just the next progression. You know what what's the next thing? Mm-hmm. You need to figure out the next car. 
But I think that's kind of what drag racing. The one thing I thought was going to be. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Ty. I think that's one thing I thought was going to be a boom for for rookies was going to be twenty one five because it's a slower motor, it's more controllable. But then you know people start scooping those motors up, and then you know seventeen five is pretty much almost like a it's not even a stock class anymore. Most of the time, if you look at some of the motors these days, yeah, R one. Everybody kind of wants to go a little bit faster. <laughs> Hand out motors, man. Everyone wants to go a little bit faster, but they don't want to jump into mod. That's yeah. what I really. That's what I see. So yeah. that's kind of why it just yeah. stays around. But I agree. Like there should be almost like a spec class for that. Yeah, man. For, like just. Right? For I mean, it started off a while, but then people just they ran away from it. Yeah, people. So I enjoy electric. I think it's a perfect. I think ten scale is great to get people into. We need to attract people with. Look, listen, I said this on the podcast today, so I'm going to say it again. We need to, eight-scale nitro is what gets people excited. People like to see it. They like to hear it. Pit stops, all that stuff. It's big jumps. That's what we use to attract people, right? Then we need that class that they can get into that's fairly cheap, and they can be competitive right away. And that class needs to be just for those people. And I, they once they get mastered that class, <clears throat> they, need, they can move on to whatever they want. I mean, people can get whatever they want. You know what I mean? But we just, it's its a lot mm-hmm. of things that have to be done. But um, it, it just comes down to it, man. The more people that race, the better it is for everybody. So I don't yeah. know. Or those I, professional sportsmen? I think we need, <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Professional sportsmen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just, <laughs> that's a good one. I never even thought of that one. Uh, we just <laughs> that's so funny a professional sportsman oh man a lot of those. you you put if i could get on my soapbox for like hours with this so i'm not gonna do that i'm not gonna do that this time you did it already but ty i got one more person here calling in big bro thank you for calling in thank you for the love man love you like life stay safe tell the boys hey, i said what's up hey, always always yeah uh, one, yes, one thing i want to say before we uh say bye but uh we, I am working on something. It's gonna as long as the polar round of the motocross race happens, I am working on some kind of exhibition race for that. Sweet. So we might be able to have an eight scale nitro nice. race alongside the outdoor motocross championship round at Polo. That's awesome. That's great. Oh, that'll be yeah. fun. And don't so even make I, a... once I get more details on that, I'll share them. But just gotta make sure we have a date, but to go off of first. Sweet. Hey, if you need me help with it, let me know. Will do. All right, Ty. Talk to you later, man. Later. Yeah. One more call, and then I have a couple of questions, and then we got to go because we don't want to bump into T-Buzz. Oh, we already are. But um, (laughs) we're taking his views or? I don't know. I don't know if it started yet. (laughs) I know what's going on. Hello. Hey, hey, what's up, Lefty? What's up, guys? What's up, Chris? How you doing? I'm doing great, man. How are you? We're good, man. Um, I don't have any beer, so it's not that great. But I mean, I'm having fun here talking RC with people. We got we got the goat on. We got we got Lefty number two, Wally, and yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm enjoying it, man. I've been listening to the whole segment. So Thank you. Questions have been good. I enjoyed listening to the conversation. So. I'm just seeing if uh, Cav is thinking about coming back to the uh, 
Florida Carpet Championships in November. Yes, sir. I know he was down last year at Beachline. I was actually awesome. just looking up some tickets today to go to, to go to Orlando. <laughs> when is that race? Yeah, I, I, that's I, awesome. No. Uh, awesome. What, what, what's the dates for the race this year? They stick in with October. Forget what I thought they just. No, no, November. November. That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's so. Yeah, November fifteenth. I, I was actually like looking. I was looking to actually go up there, but I don't know if it will happen. I'm like, I'm just bored sitting at home. I'm like, Florida's back in action, running. <laughs> but yeah, I for sure have yeah, that I one think... marked on my calendar. I, I'm, I would say ninety five percent gonna go as long as I'm clear. So. I think the only other race that I have in November is probably AMS that they, I think they posted up. Yeah. But I know, I know November, it's a busy, uh, I know the associated, they have a race at track side. So kind of just see how it goes, but I, for sure that is high on the list. <laughs> I had a lot of fun. That track's awesome. It is. Yeah. And they're going to do it up really good this time too. So <laughs> it'll be something to look forward to. For sure. For sure. Hey, uh, yeah, I don't know if these guys are going to crunch how many races they're going to try to crush in here at the end of the year, putting PNB in July, and then Wicked is usually in August. So, obviously, something's going to be cut off the end here. So Yeah, someone's going to get left out. (laughs) Yeah, because I think it's good to to post your your events, like especially now, and kind of get them in because I think it's just going to start filling up. I'm, I'm thinking PNB is going to be just massive. I mean, yeah, I, I just booked, I I just booked my tickets yesterday and yeah, I just was trying to get on there before hotels are starting to sell out. Like airfares are reasonable. Everything is a little bit more reasonable, honestly, right now. Mm-hmm. Like, especially I, I had my trip booked for uh psycho nitro and basically, you know, that was like canceled and me too. Yeah. But it's, I, it was like when I went back and looked, I'm like, it's, it's a little cheaper now. Because, yeah. so. Sweet. Are you going to, are you going to PNB, Chris? Yeah, I'm going. Yeah, good. I'm going, I'm going to be hitting the eight hour drive. Sweet. That's a great, that's a nice drive up there, man. So I'm looking forward. It's a nice drive. Are you going to go through, you go through the mountains? Beautiful drive. Like through yeah, North Carolina? Yeah, a little bit. Also, yeah. Not too much, but yeah, right there at the end. Yeah. It's a beautiful yeah. drive up so there. It's a nice drive. Well, I'm not gonna make it this so, year. So on the way home, but is a uh, beach line? Is that your home track? Yeah, that was there. Uh, when how how is Orlando right now. now? How is that area? Is it um, things I mean, open? You really wouldn't notice. Yeah, everything's not open, much. Man. People are out. Nothing like, changed. Oh. Okay. Hmm. Oh, caps coming yeah, to Florida. I'll keep it on I mean, my list. Maybe, maybe I'll be up there next the week. You never know. <laughs> Never yeah. know. I keep telling everyone, come on down, man. It's like we're in full, full gear here. So I know. It sounds awesome. We're tired of well, being Well, thanks for taking the call, you guys. Thank, thank you, Chris, it. for the support, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah, thanks. Have thank a good you. one, man. Talk to you later, all right? Hey, my pleasure. I'm looking. Yes, sir. You all have a great night. You too. Thank you, you too. too. Bye-bye. Sweet, that was a good good night of calls. We haven't had we haven't had a good one like that since uh, Tebow. Yeah, good stuff. Um, a uh, couple of questions, Cav. Uh, Jay Zoner, he was asking about the fast race caps and the bladders. Yes. Do you still run those? Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Uh, I kind of go back and forth. Like last year, and even at DNC this year, we basically switched over to those caps. Uh, their bladders are much stiffer with, mm-hmm. uh, with their design. 
I felt like at, uh, I think it started really around AMS last year is when I started running them. And I kind of went back and forth with emulsion and uh, the fast race caps. And so I always had two sets of shock built up. And it seemed like at the moment, things were working better with the fast race. It just the car was a little more settled, especially on tracks that don't have uh, very many, many bumps, it seemed like. Uh, just recently, I kind of went back to emulsion. And I just think that emulsion is a little bit easier to set up for the tracks that are a little bit more bumpier, uh, your more traditional eight scale tracks. Uh, once you get into like the indoor scenery, like the tracks are smoother. So but those caps, it seemed like the car just was a little quicker. So I think with the motion, it's a little lazier, but it goes to the bump. So it's kind of like a, a mixture. I like having two sets of shocks, same, same piston, same oil. And I just tune off the, off the cap because the cap, it's a pretty big change. Sweet. Steve Harris asks, uh, wants to know, are you, ask Ryan if you're coming to JBRL on June the 3rd, 13th, 13th, it looks like. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. It's coming to wrench for me. Yeah. I might be in the, well, he's a <laughs> guy. Where is it? Where is JBRL? Sure. It's, it's like central it's, Northern it's a California. couple hour drive oh, for us. Okay. It's yeah. Up there, yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's like, it's like cover. It's a covered track. I actually, it that looks really, really whose nice. Track it is looks it? really nice. Mm, I just know it's called Empire RC. Oh, really that's actually... Rick's track, Empire man. That's a badass track, man. It's it's really nice. I actually, you know what? It just depends, really. Like I, I most likely are, are, am going to be going to the shootout, which is at the Raymans track. Like a what is it? Like a week or so, week week and a half or two <laughs> after that. So I might be free and able to possibly go. I just got to see how my dad's work schedule is to go there. So. Right. Well, right. it's kind of up in the air. I, I'm not going to say no. I'm not going to say yes. It's kind of just, if I'm in there, I'm going to go. Just, hey, Empire's badass, man. Um, Rick Rodriguez <laughs> owns that track. Are you going to take the tra trailer up there, Wally? Yeah, I'm going to take the trailer out there. That way I have somewhere to chill. There All you right. go. There you go. And uh, them guys put on a good show up there at Empire. Um, let's before we'll we before we close up here, uh, Cav, just a little let's talk about S Works. Um, you guys got a new car that just recently yes, came out. Uh, Want to talk about that a little bit? Uh, what what's the differences from the old car? Uh, are you liking it more? Uh, what's it looking like for? Um, uh, uh, you're running. You're still running yeah. the four wheel drive too, right? On ten scale. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm all all S Works. So. Let's just talk about the eight skills. Like they just came out with the S three five fours, so it basically updated the whole car. Um, it's very similar based on what we have been racing. So they upgraded a lot of the parts. Like there are so many little upgrades they've done. So the arms are all updated. The pills are all square now, so you can interchange from front to rear. There's adjustable hub now in the rear so you can go up and down because before we only had the option to run it down. Mm -hmm. um, they have a one-piece wing mount. Basically, they just updated our car and, you know, made all the stuff they've, you know, we've had different steering racks throughout the year. So now it's like everything is in the kit. You don't have to buy anything extra for it. Uh, they updated, like, their springs. So the car just comes race-ready. Mm -hmm. uh, you don't need to buy any hop-ups. Like, I was running, they have uh, plastic hubs, uh, ran those all day, had no problems. Uh, they do have an option for aluminum hubs. 
but the car just comes clean, you know, the heart, they have a hard anodized chassis from where they had a black one. They lowered their shock towers, a little bit lower CG with the, with a little bit smaller shocks. So they've just every little thing that they could have improved from what we were racing last year. They basically did. Um, so that was basically what they did that same thing with the e buggy. Uh, they made a lot of a lot of the same changes, but they configured the servo. Now it's mounted upright. The chassis stiffener runs through the middle of the car. Um, and then ten scale stuff. They have a new two wheel drive, which is more suitable right now for carpet. Okay. Since it comes with a gear diff and whatnot, um, they are working on a dirt version as well, so that will have a ball diff, uh, different, a little bit different geometry. And the four-wheel drive is, uh, it's been around for a while. Um, just getting some parts right now, kind of doing some more testing with that, improving that car. Uh, basically, after the first race at CRC, I was a little bit off pace. They made some new parts, got you know on the podium at the Reedy race, went to Desert Classic and got fourth. So just making small improvements uh, to the 10-scale car since they're kind of, you know, I would say new to the rural racing, you know, they've had cars, but right now we're just trying to, uh, you know, improve and make them as good as they can. Cause on carpet, they've already been kind of proven and I haven't really been able to race. Uh, I built my carpet car, but haven't really gotten to race it. Just got to drive it once. So that's kind of where they're at, where, where, uh, where the S works, they haven't updated the truggy. And I guess that would be, I would say the foil, ten scale, and the truggy are probably would be the next ones to do some up, updates to. So sweet. And the other big move, and I think was a brilliant move by you, was going to raw speed. How's that working with Jason? Um, uh, basically, yeah, Jason has been really good. Um, he kind of, you know, from the start, he had a lot of uh, possibilities where he's able to make a lot of his tires, you know, basically in the U S you know, Mm -hmm. right down the street from him. So he, he gave me a lot of, uh, you know, just an incentive like, Hey, I can do this. I can do that. So it was just like no brainer for me. I'm like, this guy, he already has proven stuff. His compounds are really good. And, uh, so far has been really good. We've made some different changes to some of the tires so far in eight scale with the compounds just kind of just tuned them a little bit. Uh, he has some new treads coming out that, uh, I ran, I ran the, the truggy tires at the DNC and then we, he just came out with a new buggy tire. So he has a lot of new stuff coming, Sweet. honestly. So great dude, man. I need uh, to get him on this segment of the podcast. I've been trying. I know it's busy. I know he's busy. He's been he's been busy the last few weeks. He's trying to pump out a bunch of new stuff. Um, so he's definitely got his hands full. He's definitely busy. He got Cody Numdal uh, designing our tires, so he's able. Basically, Jason, he's just in the shop doing doing work with machines and uh, making sure everything's uh, running. So sweet. How about you, man? Confidence. Um, I know, like when we had you on the podcast. Uh, earlier this year was it last year was it earlier this year i can't remember um yeah late last, last year. year yeah late last year you, you had a major you had just finished up with yokomo you wasn't sure where you was gonna go yet um yeah, we haven't raced much this year so yeah uh how you feeling you're 33 now i'm actually you know you actually yeah 33 i mean i was 
feeling really good. Uh, you know, very motivated, obviously, going into uh, CRC. Didn't have, like, an amazing overall mm-hmm. race. Just kind of struggled with the two-wheel. We were having some little issues and uh, just made it hard uh, overall in an event. Um, podium, uh, stadium trek got second. Kind of battled for the, for the win with uh, Dakota. And then four-wheel just kind of, you know, it was just the car was good, but with the conditions, it just was hard. Uh, then obviously going into Reedy race, my home track, uh, I ran a low C 22 buggy because we were having some problems with some of the parts that were, you know, that were kind of where we're delayed on mm-hmm. and I wasn't going to get stuff really ready to race. So that was kind of like, a, it was a debacle. I literally like got back and I'm like, I called up Theo from Pacific coast hobbies. I'm like, Hey dude, I might need to get a kit. Mm. And, uh, Mm-hmm. Got a kit from him. Frank Root helped me throughout the race. Got some parts from my foil that I kind of thought about on the way home from CRC. Shot those over as soon as I landed to uh, George. They made them. I got them literally like the day before Reedy Race. Throughout my foil, you know, for the practice, I was like, oh my gosh, thank you. Like, my car was 100 <laughs> times better to drive. And, uh, you know, the two wheel was just kind of like, I was getting used to it. I'm like, probably wasn't the smartest thing to do, you know, to drive a completely different car, but mm-hmm. you know, it opened my eyes and honestly I had a really fun week and I ended up, you know, getting in third. And so I had, you know, my confidence was like, all right, had an okay, mediocre first race and then had a good second race. And then desert classic went, you know, I would say pretty decent, you know, had some other small little issues with my two wheel and kind of gotten some stuff figured out the last few weeks, luckily. And so the whole, you know, racing, you know, taking the time off, it's been good where we've mm-hmm. been able to develop some stuff for my two wheel and kind of get that. Uh, so once we get back racing, I feel like I should be a lot further ahead. And DNC was just, you know, it was I had hard. Some brilliance. It was hard though. I had some brilliance track. and, uh, just, you know, had just not that great of mains. I just, yeah, I just, there's really nothing else to say. Just not that great of mains, you know, my qualifying pace, I had really good pace in qualifying and just, I don't know. I just, the track changed a lot and, you know, having that truggy main basically it was just postponed, postponed with the rain. And then mm-hmm. the following day you're up, you're up so late and then back at the track. So just, yeah, just not the last two years, honestly, at DNC, it just not been fun. where I want to be. Not been fun. <laughs> it just, I know what you no, mean. It just, it, it just, you know, I'm like, gosh, it just hasn't been that enjoyable. And like yeah. usually DNC for me is like, I always have had great success. And I'm like the last two years, it just, something is just not gelling. And then like, I usually go to like, you know, Silver State and I have a good event, go to PNB, AMS. You're like, oh, all right, you know, your summer's going good. But so yeah, I'm like, we're, I'm kind of bummed. Like we didn't get the race Silver State and Psycho Nitro, but you know, we'll, we'll be jumping right back into racing. Like I've gotten back out to the track the last few weeks. So got to break in my new eight scale cars, kind of get some, uh, some driving on them and I've been doing a lot of like 10 scale stuff. So OCRC is back up and running. So, mm-hmm. um, so the drive driving's right there. I'm ready to go race. Like yeah. I'm excited. So maybe the break was good you know, for everybody having, you know, having a little bit of break, you know, I got to learn some stuff with, uh, with shooting some videos and just, you know, spending time with the family. Like literally this is the longest I've ever been home. So, yeah. uh, I feel like we'll have a busy summer. We already know that. And, 
yeah, we'll hopefully finish off uh, the summer good and, you know, have just a good year. You know, we'll just kind of forget about those last, you know, two months, whatnot, and uh, we'll go, go from there. Sweet, man. I love to hear it. I think the break has been good. Like you got, you, when you think about it, you've been doing this, what, since you were 15? So you've been... Not really than that, but... Yeah. Well, you know what I mean. You've just been... You just probably the longest break you've had f- forever. For sure. You know? For and, sure. I mean, I mean, from, from racing. Like mm-hmm. I, I, luckily, I've been able to do some driving right. and, you know, just keeping, keeping me, like, still, you know, fresh right. and whatnot. But I, I try to get out, like, once a week and just get out and just drive, but... Yeah, for sure. This is the longest period, like staying home, no traveling mm-hmm. that I've done, like period, since I've started. It definitely sounds like the fire's there again. And I think, um, I can't, PMB, it's coming up. I think that's your first yeah. big nitro race. Uh, it's going to be massive. It's going to be hot there, but it's going to be massive. And yeah, it will feel like AMS, I feel like. Yeah. It'll just ooh, have yeah. that same atmosphere. Yeah. It'll be a little bit, you know, humid. The track, I think, will have good grip. I, I, that's kind of what I'm anticipating. Yeah. And uh, I was talking to Bobby Moore today, and they said they're going to go all out. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Yep. It, and it's going to be a little better because it's a standard. big building, too. It's a big building. It's not small like AMS. So it's going to be warm, yeah, but, yeah, it's going to be a little different. It's the I would say overall, like, that's the biggest track that you can go to, you know, with visible lanes, perfect size jumps. Mm-hmm. It's like that race is like one of the races it's one of the best. Yeah, sweet. So, I was I was stoked that I already got my stuff booked. I'm like, I'm ready to go. Oh yeah, and then it's like everybody's <laughs> racing. Everybody's fresh. Like it's gonna be good. Like everybody's gonna be. It's it's oh man. It's, well, you're gonna see some guys that haven't really maybe driven. That's you know, true. There too. are guys that probably haven't been able to drive. Like yeah. luckily in our area, we've had some tracks that are open and we've been able to run. So I could tell you for the fact, like the first time I I took like it was like three weeks off, and I'm like. Just going back and running after three weeks, I was like, oh, wow, this feels a little weird. Really? <laughs> like, wow. It's going to be good, but, man. Yeah. It's, you'll, you'll see some first race jitters almost. You know, it'd be like going into DNC all over again. I love it. I love the fire. I hear it in your voice. It's good to hear. Um, Wally, you got to come. You got to get out east too, man. You got to get to a to a, a east, east Coast race, man. Have a lot of fun. Yeah. I want to. It might be a, might be a few weeks before I can do that, though. Sweet. Well... <laughs> but, Go ahead, it's sorry. Always, it's always, yeah, idea. I want to do it. That's for sure. Well, you got to heal up first, man. You got to heal up. Stay off this. <laughs> I know you like those mountain bikes and you want to get in shape, but, you know, <laughs> you, you need to have both hands. That's where you work. Like, um, you know, so and I don't end up like me completely. Like, have a, yeah, that's why I was worried when you got in your accent. I was like, hey, how's your nerves and all that stuff? Because, you know, <clears throat> but. No, they uh, actually said for how, for what it is, for the. For the collarbone being broken, it's actually not as bad as it could have been. It, mm-hmm. There could it could have shattered. It could have been broken in two spots, and all that. But the fact that it, I mean, it didn't break all the way through, but um, it's still all aligned, and there was no uh, signs of any type of tears or yeah um, dislocation or anything. So Sweet. for as bad as it is, it's it went as good as it could. Yeah. Well, you'll be back. You'll be back. You're already talking about going to JBRL. Um, yeah, I think it'll be a race, no problem. Sweet. Two weeks. Killer Cav, I want to thank you for coming on, man. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of yours, and, uh, and I enjoy this chat. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it as well. The people seem to enjoy it. Uh, you want to shout out and yeah, say well, thank, thank you, you to anybody before we, uh, before we uh, sh- uh, close off here? 
yeah i mean i'll i mean thank you for having me and then uh yeah just shout out to all my sponsors right now uh s-works much more mx raw speed savox ticket one dark side designs ocrc uh yeah everybody that kind of supports me and uh can't wait to get back racing sweet wally i want to thank you my brother for coming on her and uh being a good, uh, just you know, joining me on this, I appreciate it. Remember, guys, check out Wally at Wally Builds. He do, he's building some of the freshest, best. Uh, I don't even know, man. His stuff's awesome. Like that's all I have to say. Like if you ain't checked him out, follow him on IG, follow him on Facebook, send him some work. Even though his lefty, he's, he's a lefty and he's a righty now, he's still gonna get it done. <laughs> um, Wally's good people. We'll still make it happen. Yeah, and um, <laughs> thank you everybody that tuned in. Thank you to Techno for the. Uh, supporting this part of the podcast please go show them some love and thank you to all of our sponsors on the podcast show them some love because it shows the podcast some love and good luck at pmb cav wally thank you sir i'm gonna talk to you later on and cav i'll be talking to you man and um you know hey good luck with the with the young daughter i need it myself with mine and um <laughs> good stuff hey tell hey, you want to say something to your good buddy afro q because he's not a big afro now yeah, I think he misses Little you. J- I think he misses Little you. JQ. Yeah, oh, I'm sure he does. Um, he's ready. He's ready. He's ready to get back to the states. He let. He ran away like like he wasn't. He was gonna get left here or something. I know. Well, he's he's been in Finland too long now. So he, yeah, you know. oh, I can I can tell you got the Finland look. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like a little gypsy. Oh my around. gosh! <laughs> All right. Well, thank right, you guys. He'll be back. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Remember, episode number 76, it drops tomorrow. Gil Losi Jr., thank you for all the support. Remember, Nitro's the glory, but E-Buggy pays the bills. And Lefty, out. <laughs> oh. oh, thank you, guys. See you, guys. We are now at that point of the show where you should fasten those seatbelts and put your big boy pants on. Whoa. Things are about to get serious. It's time for the JQ Racing Rant. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's that time, people. It's that time for the JQ Racing Rant. This is the uncensored part of the podcast. If you have young children that you don't want listening to this part of the podcast, please put them to bed. If you get easily offended, don't listen to this part of the podcast. This is a no-snowflake zone. But we are two snowflakes at the same time. So... Joseph, before we get on the whole if Mar thing, I just want to I want to make a quick, quick, quick rant. And and we need I, I I'm desperately working with Keaton to get him in her to um you know to get him on this right. But <clears throat> I want to rant. A couple of weeks ago, I saw a racer complaining about paying twenty dollars to his home track. I don't know if it was to race or to practice, or whatever. But he went on Facebook, and he complained about this shit. And the track that he complained about was Mills Pond. And we've been to Mills Pond. We've seen the amount of work that Alfredo has put into that track. I He doesn't make any money off that shit. Like, you know, and I just saw this guy, like 20 bucks. Her, we haven't had racing for two and a half months, and you're complaining about 20 fucking dollars to go race. I would gladly pay $20 to have a track like Mills Pond to just practice. People don't understand how fortunate they are to have fucking tracks to go practice on. 
these tracks need to make money too. Tracks don't really make money. They lose money. There are only a few examples of tracks that around the world that make money. 20 bucks. You haven't raced on that track in months. You're fucking bitching about $20 to go race on a track, but I'm pretty sure you don't bitch about having matching fucking pit tables, pit, uh, a pit mat, and a pit, um, pit board, and having all the decals matching on your charger and your toolbox, and a sponsor shirt with all your sponsor shirts on, and that has to match, and your socks fucking match, and your underpants match. I'm sure all that matches, but $20 to, to go race on a fucking badass track that this guy... Or not even just him, just track owners. Stop using your mouse, Joseph. It's pissing me off that you know just that that people put time and effort into these tracks. I'm gonna kill you. I'm gonna take that drummel and I'm gonna shove it up your ass. Okay, I'll, I'll mute myself. I'll no, mute no, because I want you to tune. I want you to tune in. I want you to tune into this too. because I saw this <clears throat> and I wanted to rant about it last week. And I just, I you know, look if you want to rant about a track not being prepared or being shitty. Go ahead, go. You can do that. You know what I mean. I get that sometimes tracks aren't in order, but I know that this dude puts time and effort into his tracks. Like I watched him when we went on to that race. He, him, and Baladi were there till like three o'clock in the morning fixing that track after fixing it all day from the rain. People don't realize how fortunate they are to have tracks, man. Come on, man. We have been racing for all this time, and you want to complain about that? Support your local tracks, man. Without them, you wouldn't have a place to fucking race, man. Especially if they put in, especially a track like Mills, been around since the 80s. This is why track owners get burnt out and they stop. And this is why tracks close, man. Fuck. Anyway, support your local tracks, man. Go lend them a helping hand if you can. I'm sure a lot of people do, man. I know Fred puts in a lot of work down there at Mills Pond. Shout out to Fred and Mills Pond. And, hey, if you don't want to pay 20 bucks to fucking go race, then don't fucking go. Rant over. Now, do you have anything to say about that before we move on? We move on? No, but it's kind of part of... Did I uh, use up my limit in a, in of... In a way. Did I use my limit? Did I use my limit of forks in that rant? I think so. Yeah, I think so. All right, no more forks. Okay. No more forks. Now you can only do cucumbers. That gonna be our new word, cucumber. <laughs> oh my god, I cucumber! Cucumber. That's gonna be our secret. That's gonna be our safe word, cucumber. <laughs> okay. So anyway, so well, first let's off, that if my presidency campaign. First off, can I say something about that too? Before we go any further, okay. you, you, Why don't you, you absolutely cucumbered me into that last week. And, um, honestly, people may think I knew all about it. I didn't know anything about it till you told me last week. And when you did it, I honestly, if you could have seen my, my jaw kind of dropped, I was like, what the cucumber has Joseph done now? And, oh man, I mean, yes, some guys got, I saw that like the UK 10 scale guys were pissed off because like what about 10 scale and that's not eight scale isn't the pinnacle rc and that's a question i want to address on this rant as well um and then i saw others that were supportive of it and i wish really i mean i really wish it was that easy to become if my president but it shows me that people won't change and um it has to come from somewhere i guess i don't know 
But anyway, go ahead, Joseph. I know this is your thing, and this is politics and RC, and it's right up your alley. But I have, if I run, can I run on another slogan as well? You said I live in a, I live in a, where I vacation, so I don't need to, I don't need to vacation. Okay, what's the slogan? Vote for me, and I'll ban JQ. There we go. I won. <laughs> I won. Okay. Vote for me, and I'll gag. Ban, I'll put a gag order on JQ. Yeah, like I'll put a gag order on you, and if you defy that, then I'll just have you waterboarded. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay, that's actually a good one. Uh, all right, so let's 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 address this shitstorm that you have started. Okay, so yeah, that if more presidency campaign. So as your campaign manager, I'm pretty excited about our first week in on this campaign trail. So you have actually garnered some amazing support on social media. Now, slightly unexpected. Even the Ifma, Efra, even the Efra president liked the page. I mean, at at this point, you have over three hundred likes. Let's see, where are we at? Three hundred and sixty-five followers. Uh, over over eleven thousand post reach. People have really, you know, studied the policy platform. And, yeah, I'm pretty happy about that. So people care. People clearly care. In fact, we have I think it questions. even shocked you. It did shock me, yeah. But we have some good questions, and they are actually exactly the questions that I expected. So let's – how about we, we cover them? Let's – Let's reply to them because you need to be on board too. Like you need to know what's going on. You need to know how to respond to these sorts of questions. Right? I, th I thought you would just write all this for me and I respond and I just put my twist on it. Yeah, yeah. I'm doing, I'm going to, I'm going to respond now. What here. type of campaign manager I'm are you? You're supposed it. to have me pre, you're supposed to send this to me in a file so I can read up on it and, and have my responses and my and make my opinions. Come on, like, don't make me fire you. So this is what we're doing right, right now on the podcast. Okay. That's the whole point. You know, because I'm going to be start cracking the whip on you around her, just like you cracked the whip on me. Well, I get now it's my turn. Okay, sure. So anyway, the, I think the most important question that we got was this. Why should I have to contribute double fees for my national association license so that the top 1% can race at the world championship. So basically, a number of people ask this same question in different ways. And it just, it's a question of, I don't attend the worlds, so why do I have to pay? That's basically it. Why do I have to pay so that other people go race the worlds? That's the question. And there are three answers to this question. The first two are sort of more general. I'll just go over them quick. Mm -hmm. Number one, this way of thinking is pretty selfish. It's this 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 kind of selfish worldview. It's not going to get us anywhere. It's not going to. We are never going to be able to build anything great and live in a happy world if people think this way. Like if there's no short-term immediate benefit for me, then why do I have to do it? Kind of thinking. Basically, that's what this is. And then the second point is, we are talking about $25 going to IFMAR. $25. Yeah, it's not a lot of money. That's $2 per month. 
every single person who races RC cars can afford $25. It's not about the money. That's not the question. It's not about uh, having to spend $25. Oh, we have a family. We have uh, three licenses. Okay. $75. Really? You, you race RC cars and you can't afford $75. I don't believe it. I really don't. People have $75. Even, even $75 is one Starbucks coffee or something a month. <laughs> well, Seriously. $75 is a hat and a shirt if your sponsor name's on it. Uh, yeah. Pretty much. So, so those are the first two short points. Like, if you look at everything in, in your life and you break it down to like, how do I benefit? I don't benefit now, so I don't want to do it. If everyone did that, then we'd live in a really shitty world. And secondly, it's not about the money because it's not a lot of money. So those, those two points, just, you know, we need, to, we need to get that off our chests first. But then we move on to the, the most important uh, reply to this question which is that there's a point to this. There's a reason that IFMAR should have a budget to put on a great event and to put on events in front of a lot of people. Join, uh, join events, ex expose full-scale racing, any sort of thing that has the right-minded people, the right kind of people who could potentially have RC, RC cars, RC racing as a hobby. We need to get in front of those people. We need to get in front of those people in live events where we actually race in front of them so they see the action and also on social media and on YouTube and videos, TV, like any kind of media. Yeah, so they I... need to stumble upon it online and they need to stumble upon it in the flesh, in reality, mm -hmm. in the real world. We, I, I, don't, I think we all agree on this. I think we all of us want this yes. to happen. But there's a reason for that. So this is the reason. And I can give you a couple of examples, too, of other sports where this, this has worked. But first, I'll explain the concept. So let's say that this guy who's asking the question, why should I have to contribute? You know, I'm not going to the Worlds. So it's, you know, why do I have to pay? So let's say that there's a local track that he goes to. Him and his friends go to that track. Well, um Let's say that the neighboring town an hour away, there's no track there. So those people have to come to his local track. If, are, if they are lucky enough to you know, figure out this is something they could do. Um, wouldn't it be better if there would be more people who are doing it so that the neighboring town could also build a track? You know, then, then he would have his local track and he could also go to another track at his neighboring town. You know, I think that's a positive direction, like more tracks, so more places to go. Mm. That's actually not really what's happening right now in the world. So the trend in RC is more the opposite. Now, the trend is that many tracks are closing, hobby shops are closing. There are less and less tracks in many areas. And I think that's a problem because this guy who's asking this question, what if his local track closed? What if they want enough people to support it and they closed? What would he do? Because there's no track in the neighboring town. The track is in his hometown. And now it's closed. 
At that point, $25 isn't going to do anything anymore. So what's like, what's the point? What's the idea? The idea is to do the same as happened in downhill mountain biking, for example, or skateboarding. So skateboarding was huge in the, I think, 80s, 70s, it, 80s. It, when, when was it? It, 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 it 80s, blew, blew up in the... It's funny you say this because we were talking about this. with um, <clears throat> I talked about this with Gil on this week's podcast. It blew up in the 70s, <clears throat> but... It, and an early eighties, and then it kind of went late eighties and nineties. It completely died, and it became banned yeah. everywhere and all so, that type of so, stuff. So yeah. So, but here's the thing: skateboarding boomed seventies, eighties. Then it kind of died, but it came back. And you know why it came back? Uh, X Games. Yes, of course. ESPN did the X Games. Mm-hmm. And free- X, X Games brought all these different various sports together, and it was kind of weird in the beginning because they had all kinds of random stuff then but then they kind of zoned in on on what they really wanted to focus on so skateboarding bmx and motocross like freestyle motocross so skateboarding after the 70s and 80s huge boom then it died it came back thanks to x games people started seeing mm-hmm. it on tv they saw professional skateboarders it became more more serious people more mainstream started doing bigger and better uh, tricks. They started building better skate parks. They started putting on more and better events. Everything about skateboarding became um, more more uh, user friendly, professional, more and professional. Uh, user, yeah, yeah. Ease ease of access, user friendly. More skate parks, more exposure. Suddenly, it was a thing again. Mm-hmm. And the reason it happened was X Games. Right. Another another example is downhill mountain biking. So. Uh, mountain biking has been around for a long time, but the downhill races that you can see now, it's, it's like a different category from just normal mountain biking. Well, early on, there weren't many places like you could really do that, like legit downhill courses. It wasn't really a big thing. But these days, there are tons of those trails. Uh, these days, uh, the ski, many ski resorts, they convert into like downhill mountain biking uh, trails and tracks and they use the ski lifts to go up and all that stuff right that wasn't a thing before a big reason for that happening was that they started organizing world championships mm-hmm. uh, world cups was it even in the olympics i think so was it anyway it no, like the fact that they started putting money into big events showing it on tv uh, professional riders, professional courses, sponsors in it, exposure. That's what got people interested in it and wanting to do it. And not only that, that's what made these ski resorts then have the trails and the downhill tracks and that. And people actually had somewhere to go. And it also... And so it, it, it goes hand in hand. But you need to first like create interest in people to do something. Mm-hmm. But you also need to offer the facilities for them to do it. Might I add? If if nothing happens in RC, Might I add something real quick? A lot of new people who are interested, and we also don't have a lot of tracks. Right. So even if someone got interested, then they check and there's no track in their town and no track in their neighboring town. That's not a good situation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We need both those things. And IFMAR needs to help with both of those things. IFMAR needs to bring 
our sport in front of as many new people as possible. And IFMAR needs to support the tracks that exist and also support the opening and building of new tracks in new, new spaces, new areas, new locations. Those are the, the most important things that IFMAR should be doing. And the only way that that can be done is for all of us who are enjoying RC and in RC and we go to our local track, for us to recognize that if we just can put $25 each towards this to support our favorite class, then we can achieve it. So if, if all of us think about the collective good that we can together make a change for the better in RC. We can together ensure that our local track doesn't close because there aren't enough people uh, going to it. Then that can change RC in the future. But if we are all selfish and we only think about ourselves, mm -hmm. then nothing's going to change because no individual is going to be able to change RC. But no, everyone but chipping in. We and, can make a difference. An individual can garner people to get together and help change RC. Like, exactly. like Bernie Ecclestein. He, he transformed form, Formula One into what it is now. You know what I mean? And he was the guy for the job that done it. And he's still a hard And I ass. think Keenan K. White is the man for the job in RC. <laughs> well, if this no, gets... It's serious. I, if this gets people to question what's going on and why aren't we advancing, then great. I'm all for it. Um, what else? Yeah, but I hope, I hope that that answer really is sufficient for the people who ask, like, why should I have to pay? I don't go to the Worlds. It's not just about that race. It's not about the people that go to the Worlds. It's bigger than that. It's about the local tracks. It's, it's about, about everything, it's but FMAR has to put that... Interested in doing this. FMAR has to put that... <laughs> It's kind of like RCGP. Um, RCGP, like, come on, like, it had that part where you can register your local track and all that stuff. I know kind of like the website kind of messed up it's a little bit. kind of, but it's different. Yeah. RCGP is like Formula One. Mm -hmm. It's a closed series. It's, it's, it's in a way, it's like the, that, that's, that's like the showcase for the manufacturers and, and the best drivers in the world. Mm -hmm. the, the IFMAR World Championships is for everyone. It's for the, the best drivers in Brazil to go. Yes, yes, I get the best that. Best drivers I get that. from Argentina, from New Zealand. And that shouldn't change. It's, it's, it's a different thing. It's like RCGP is, yes, there's the RC2 class, but it's, let's face it, it's, it's a support class for RCGP, which is the best of the best, the elite, best teams, best drivers, best cars, equipment, all that stuff, right? Mm -hmm. it's, a different, it's not the same conversation. It's a different thing. All right, let's. Uh, what else? What else will be, do we have to address? I want to address the whole eight scale isn't the pinnacle of of ours of what we do. Yeah. So that second question we got, um, a number of people were asking, like, well, why eight scale nitro buggy? Like, what's so special about that? Like, what, well, yeah. can I can I say so something? Can I can I put my analogy down before we get before we get go any further? <clears throat> yeah. So, like, I don't know if you've ever been shark fishing, right? I don't, really, uh, I don't really condone it because I believe sharks are a valuable part of our, eco our ecosystem. But 
you know, to go shark fishing, you need to attract sharks, right? So how do you attract sharks? You you may know this area has sharks, but you may just be out in the ocean. You don't know or whatever. You know, possibly there's sharks here. What do you attract sharks with? You have this thing called chum. Oh, chum is all the entrails and crappy stuff, leftover blood and all that stuff. And you throw that overboard. That attracts sharks. Many sharks. Right? How do you catch sharks? You have bait on a hook. But if you just have bait and a hook and no chum, you don't get sharks. If you have chum and no bait on a hook, you don't catch a shark. Right? So when you put the two together, you catch a shark. You may catch a big shark. You may catch multiple sharks. Well, why am I talking about shark fishing and this is RC? Chum. I hate to, I know this sounds stupid, but chum is eight-scale nitro buggy racing. That attracts people. Noise. Pitting. Big jumps. Exhaust. Noise. Right? That attracts people. Oh, wow. Wow, that stuff, so cool. I didn't even know this existed. It's expensive, though. It's expensive and it's difficult. What's the bait and the hook? Ten scale. Cheaper, easier to do. There Fresh are scale. many baits and hooks. Exactly, but you just get what I'm trying to say. Different right, but you have to attract people somehow. And that's the best analogy. People are probably going to think I'm, a, I'm an idiot, a cucumber idiot, but... That's how I look at it. Maybe I'm an idiot. Maybe I'm dumb for thinking like that. But we have to attract people somehow. And to Not attract- maybe. You are an idiot. <laughs> that's fine. Your point is still valid. Right. You know? So, but I already gave you a compliment, so I'll leave it at that one. <laughs> but still, you know, I get it. Hey, hey, hey. D- remember, gag and waterboarding. Okay, okay. Um, but yeah, so... Why is 8-scale the pinnacle of... It's kind of similar. 8-scale is... I think 8-scale off-road is probably the most spectacular thing for someone who's never seen RC before. Mm -hmm. But yet it's still something that you can follow. Mm -hmm. It's not too fast. It doesn't get boring after two minutes because things are happening. Crashing, jumping, you know. Pits. Stuff happens typically. Yeah. And also, you can build an eight-scale off-road track anywhere on any kind of surface in any kind of situation or location, really. Like on-road, there's it's harder. On-road is harder. You need traction. It needs to be smooth. You need to lay something down maybe. Or it's it's just it on-road is going to be harder. Ten-scale off-road, like eight-scale, and actually – it's even easier to build a 10-scale track you know, because you need, don't need a big, as big of an area and uh, you can do it indoors easily Dude. and you don't need a pit lane and all that stuff. But it's just not as spectacular. And I'm not taking anything away from 10-scale racing because I love it. I think it's great. But if, yeah, because the first thing you sort of need to overcome in a sense is this, the thought that people always immediately have of toys. Yes. Like it's just toy cards. And 10 scale, that's that the feeling is there. Mm-hmm. Eight scale nitro off-road, the feeling is less like that. Mm-hmm. Wow. That, yeah, sense. I agree with you. And 
And also, I mean, let's look at world champ. I know this probably doesn't matter, but let's look at world championships. There's multiple multi world championships in ten scale champions in in ten scale. There's only one, and that was back in the eighties or in the early nineties when he did that. There has not been a two time champion in our era of eight scale nitro buggy championships. Many are trying. Like you asked Ronafalk, you asked Tessman. Um, yeah, Dagani, like all these guys who won it, they wanted another one, and nobody's been able to do it yet. And we're talking about some of the best drivers, Tasman, Ronafout, Cody King in his prime. Some of the best drivers, Atushihara probably came very close to. Um, and there's plenty, there's lots of top drivers in the world, Yannick Iguans, Miguel Matias, Cavalari, Mayfield, Tebow, to, to name a few. Those, those three still have time left that have not won an IFMAR Nitro World Championships, but Cavallari, Tebow, and Mayfield all have a 10 scale. So this is not to to poop on 10 scale. It's not that, yeah, we we 10 scale is awesome and we need it because that's the gateway. That's one of the gateways for people to get in, you know, especially how they do it in the UK because I love it how they do it in the UK. No stock, bring what you run, mostly run on Astro and Carpet. It's fun for everybody. You know what I mean? No mod of, like, you want to run a 13.5 mod um, stock motor against mod motors? That's what you want to run. Um, it, like, I get it. Like, people people are protective of their class. Everybody thinks their class is the best. Oh, I run 10 scale. I run 12 scale. Only 60 people showed up for the world. It's the best class in the world. You know, I love fifth scale on road, and it doesn't have that much of a following, you know, but I think it's great. Um, everybody thinks their individual class is is the best, all the classes are important, but we need something that attracts people to what we do, legitima legitimizes what we do, not just nerds in a field running around. Like, I can't even do your hairdryer noise. Like, I wish I had that. Man, I need that on a voice drop right now. Um, well, nobody's saying that we don't, nothing wants to be done about 10 scale. We just need to think that. I, I, I don't know how any of that. You know that everyone is now dumber thing. No, we don't, we don't insult like, people. I wish I could say that to you right now. Because I don't know how any of that's relevant. Like double champions of this. It's not relevant. To well, to me, it makes... About. And to me, I'm just trying to... Talking about like why, hey. why Nitro off-road. And the reasons were that it's... I agree with that. But I added people, my stuff. It attracts their attention. It attracts new people's attention. It's for it, 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 the image of it is further away from, oh, it's just kids playing with toys, and that's what we need. It's also easy to build the track anywhere. The requirements are not as high as it is for any on-road. And uh, that's kind of why. And why? what about the other classes? That's another question we had. So let's just cover that here also. Yes, of course... IFMAR needs to work on all the classes and promote them all. But it's not possible to make a sweeping change like this and try and grow the sport and do it like attacking every single class, do all at the same time. No, that's going to water down the effect. We need to focus. You start with one class and figure that out and do it properly. And then you adapt that to the other classes and you roll out the changes for all of them. If you try and do everything in one go, more than likely it's going to fail. But if you take a controlled step-by-step -step approach, 
by, uh, by starting with one class, the one that gives you the biggest bang for the buck that you think that will have the biggest effect. Start with that. Do that properly. Learn. Apply what you've learned to the other classes. That's the way to do it. And uh, to address the money thing, people, the, the whole funding of IFMAR and how it goes through licenses, it could be done very simply. And, and uh, I think that the bigger classes have a bigger budget. More people support that. People, when they buy their license, they can put, the, they can uh, select their their uh, primary class and secondary class. If they only have one, they only have a primary class. If they have one class, they select tenth scale off road, for example. All that, all the money from their license that goes to IFMA. Let's say that license fee is fifty dollars. Okay, so they pay fifty dollars to their govern national governing body. The national governing body sends 25 to IFMAR. IFMAR sees, okay, this $25 is for 10 scale off-road. That money goes towards 10 scale off-road. You know, if they have 8 scale is my primary, 10 scale is my secondary. So 1250 goes to 8 scale, 1250 goes to 10 scale. It's a simple way of doing it. So the popular classes, the classes that people care about and run the most, they have the biggest budgets. They'll have the most spectacular, biggest events with the most promotion and all that stuff. That's how it could work. No class will will be left behind, you know? You see what I mean? No if class will be left it, behind. I like that. I like that. Yeah. If <clears throat> there's people racing it, there's going to be a budget towards that class and that form of racing. So, again, people are missing the forest for the trees. They're focusing on, oh, it's why is it this way? No, look at the big picture. It's going to be everything, but it has to start somewhere, and it needs to start somewhere sensible. I mean, let, let's just put it this way. Let's just imagine that, okay, we're going to do this change, and we're going to start with 12-scale on-road. It's not going to go very far. The cars are so fast, you don't know what the hell's going on. That's like... If you are interested in RC and you get into it and then that interests you, then you do that. For the majority of people, 12-scale on-road is not going to be interesting. It just isn't. It doesn't mean that it's no not one as valuable. is interested in it. It's just not, yeah, right. it's not as good as a promotional tool as 8-scale nitro. Or yeah, I, I can see that. And I think people, it just comes down to everybody. Like the 10-scale guys will think 10-scale is the ultimate and... Us nitro guys. Are yeah, going to that's think. that's an argument that I accept and can be made. Mm. That oh, should it be ten scale off road or should it be something else? So it's, yes, you can argue about that. But yeah, we've decided nitro off road for the reasons that we explained. That's the best bet to start something like this. You know, um, it's like, do you want to go watch electric supercross or real supercross? <laughs> oh, Which so, one? Yeah. I mean, look at it's a no brain. Look at look at Formula One E. Like it's nowhere near as popular as Formula One and the regular version. Yeah. And here's a, another example. Um, a few years ago, when we was racing heavy in Bermuda, the local hobby shop we had like a, a sports exhibition down on uh, local Front Street, like right next to the water. All the different sports in Bermuda had like booths, you know, set up gazebos and all that stuff. So we got to make a 
a little small makeshift track uh, on, on part of that street, right? So we had like the 10 scale guys. We had a few 10 scale guys, little touring car guys. And of course, we had about five nitro buggies there. So I remember like the 10 scale, the electric guys would be in there. And I'm like, and you know, to us, it's exciting. I even took my electric car there. But when we fired up those nitro buggies, dude, man, the crowd would come. It would be like, just like we would draw crowds from everywhere to watch. And next thing you know, it's like a couple of hundred people just watching us draw. And just some little track, like a little track with PVC on a road. And we was just putting on a, a great example. We had like a little jump, just racing each other around this track. And people would just, as soon as they heard those nitro cars fire up, they'd be there. It attracts people, man. The noise attracts people, it excites them, and it gets their blood flowing, not to mention putting in pit stops and, and, and all that type of stuff. Um, so I just feel that's why, personally as well. It's a great example. And as for my point about, my point what I was talking about, champions and all that stuff, is that I just feel that me personally, that the Nitro World Championship has been one of the hardest races to win. That's why... There's never been a double champion, okay? So before you go off on your, your other spiel. But you did ask me to contact, well, we did ask who is the, the president of IFMAR. Uh, we found out it's Jeff Parker. He's an American, and he is the president. And, um, you know, I bet you, I've even, we want to get him on this podcast to talk to him. I don't know if he's going to come. But I, I went on the IFMAR site to try and find some email addresses for him. And you can't. So you have to go through the website and send them a message, which I have. A few other people have as well. So I don't know how we're going to get in contact with him, you know? Uh, but I, mean, I would like to get him on this podcast to have his thoughts and see what's going to go on and what's going to happen. But I don't know. I don't know. I think the most promising dude on that whole panel was the was the Spanish dude for Ephra. He has great ideas. He's the younger of them all, too. But I don't know. Anything else you want to add before we, we, we close up on this week's presidential campaign yeah. for IFMAR? Yeah, I think we covered it all. But just remember, so the whole point is IFMAR needs to do for RC what X Games did for skateboarding and BMX. IFMAR needs to improve that image of what we're doing, present it to as many people as possible. And thanks to that, the effect we want to see is we want to see more people getting into our hobby and them having more tracks to be able to race at. That's what we want to see. If we do nothing, I think it's just going to keep on going the way it's going, where we have less tracks and less hobby shops. And that's not good, is it? So the people who are now thinking that why should I pay or why should part of my license go towards this? I'm not going to the worlds. Just look at a map and see how many tracks you have within an hour, let's say, or two hours. And then let's say you have one track. So imagine what would happen to your hobby if that track closed. Just imagine that. Yeah, we all want the same thing, That's man. What we want we all want new people in this hobby. We all want more people in this sport. It makes it better for everybody. Uh, there's, there's no, I don't think there's any wrong way to do it. We need to all approach it at, at every angle. But also, something needs to come from the top. These are the governing bodies, and 
we need to they need to be involved as well in things like this it really is a top top down sort of effect because you can look at any other activity in the world it's not like well everyone just have has to do it locally and regionally work and yes you also have to do that but that's mm-hmm. not that's not what's going to grow something it's always like there was a superstar athlete something that crossed over into mainstream and thanks to that whatever mm-hmm. he was doing gained more exposure and then people got interested in that like or there was it they got onto ESPN or they organized like these X Games or they started having world championships or something to where it's a bigger, more prestigious thing that people see. That is what makes a change. And you know what? For the people that think we're here bashing IFMAR, if we don't ask questions, then if we can't ask questions, then something's wrong. We should ask questions and we should get answers. I remember when RCGP started, everybody was like, we have questions, you don't give answers. And I think RCGP was more clear than any other thing I've seen ever. Yeah, where are those people asking questions from IFMAR? I don't know. But remember, this isn't bashing IFMAR. We, we, no, we want want things to change, and we're trying to help things change. So, you know, this is a voice, this is a platform, and we want the best to come out of RC. None of us... I don't want I don't want RC to die. I want RC to continue and grow and be great. So, we have to look at doing things differently. We can't continue to do the same things over and over and over expecting different results. It is the definition yeah. of insanity. This is it's not it's not it's not about sort of it's not about ruining Ifmar or fuck Ifmar and let's destroy Ifmar. No, it's about improving Ifmar. Because if we improve IFMAR, we improve every aspect of the hobby we have. I have a, a car company. I sell cars. If RC Racing grows, I, I'll sell more cars. Well, that's you know, debatable with you. I'm not. <laughs> um, I yeah, agree. But it's true. No, it's but true. I agree. But see, but it's not just me. Anyone that sells anything in RC wins because there's more people to sell exactly. it to. Exactly. Exactly. And then that anyone who is a consumer, a customer in RC that races RC wins because their local track doesn't close down or they, a local track gets built. Also, the more people buying stuff, the, the you know what happens then? Prices go down a bit. It's better for everybody. And you know what? Well, the more people, the more people in RC, we we hear people complaining about everybody's sponsored and all that type of stuff too. The more people in RC, the more it goes back to being where sponsorship means something. Not saying it yeah. doesn't mean nothing now, but you know what I mean. It goes back to being sponsored. Sponsored has to, um, yeah, like you know, it has to just mean has more more credibility nowadays. Not for all of being yeah. sponsored or being a part of a team, but. You know, I, I heard this all the time. We need to go back to what, what the whole sponsorship thing was before. And you know what? I, I agree with some of that stuff. But unfortunately, it isn't like that right now because we don't have enough people in this to support that. The people have to understand what we do in RC is so niche. It's so small. It's so small within the RC community. It's so small compared to airplanes. It's small compared to, it's. you know what's overtaking this? It's the trail scale stuff and all that there. That's overtaking what we do. It's more people doing that than racing RC cars. 
How do we get those people? And you know what else? People's going to say, well, people can't afford nitro cars. Yes. So how do we get these people into RC and keep Actually, them? That's a good point. And keep them into RC. We need, I am a true believer, we need a spec class where newbies, where new people can come in, be successful, and then they graduate to maybe in America it's stock or mod or whatever. You know what I mean? But we need to get, I think IFMAR needs to be in charge of that, creating a proper spec class, in probably an offer, most likely an offer because it seems to be the biggest one, for new people to get in on a budget and also be competitive. So we ain't got fucking sandbaggers down there um, just trying to get a trophy. You know what I mean? And then we don't yeah. have, then yeah. they wouldn't have the, the companies coming in and ruin it and you have to buy a special charger and have to buy this battery or a high flow body. No, keep it stock, keep it spec. That's why I always thought the associated club racer uh, kits that they released, four-wheel drive and two-wheel drive were one of the best things, but too bad the rest of the, the companies didn't do that. Yeah. Uh, that reminded me of something. So I just take it as a given, like it's obvious, but I think it needs to be said. So the whole the whole thing, like if my putting on these events and getting in front of more people, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, all well and good. What we need to realize is the first people who would get into racing are the people who are already into RC on some level. The majority of people who are into RC never go to the track. They just have an RC car. And they drive it wherever, in the street, in their backyard, in the woods, I don't know, like bashing. So they know about RC. They they have some sort of experience and knowledge of it. And they run cars. They just don't race. And they they are the people who need to who we need to inspire to race. So skateboarding again. Let's just use skateboarding again. A lot of people who just skate for fun, kids skating, skateboarding, uh, that's fine. At some point, when they started having these events, they, they sponsored skateboarders, professional skateboarders, uh, huge events, nice facilities. That image of actually doing that, of, of competing, became attractive to more people. So more people who were just skateboarding for fun were like, hey, what if I actually got better at this and I would I could join those events? You know? That we need to we need to do that. Right now people are having fun with their cars in the park. They are not inspired by a JBRL. Okay. I shouldn't probably shouldn't have said JBRO, but everyone knows what that is, right? Because it's just like, why? There's nothing inspiring about that. So we have to create something which is, would inspire those people who are already, they already have a car. We need to create something that would inspire someone like that. Like, you know what? That route looks really cool. I'd like to do that. Those are the first people who would would kind of join racing. And the you know what? Already know about us. We have to stop being dickheads at tracks too. We have to be more inviting to people, and stop. We 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 do as as individual racers. That's on our part. Like you know, if you see some, and I, you know what? I know a lot of people do this too. So I'm not saying all of us, but hey, 
we can start doing this now. Stop being a dick. Help that guy. Who need, I know it might be frustrating. I know you might be focused on your race, but helping that dude is going to do a lot of good in the long run. I say, and most people do that, but we have to stop being dicks. You see somebody new come to your track, go say, hey, what's up? How you doing? You know, what are you doing? What are you racing? You know, if he has some, some shitbox car, you don't say, man, that's a piece of shit. You need this. You know, just say, hey, uh, you know, all right, well, we can get this working. And then you don't tell him that he needs a $600 OSB to get started because he doesn't. He needs a $150 P5 to get started, to learn, or whatever, Nitro. Or, you know, he doesn't, you know, that's what we need to do. Stop. We need to stop dick measuring in RC and telling people how much money we spend in our, in our equipment because it makes us feel great. I got $5,000 sitting right here and all this stuff, my matching shit and all that. That's all great. Like that all looks great, man. I think it looks awesome when people have all that matching stuff. But to the new person, you say to somebody $5,000, they're like, nope, see you later. You know, we got to stop it. We're our own worst enemies as RC racers. Stop being dicks, be more inviting and, and stop bragging about like, like if somebody doesn't have the best thing, like just sell them. Like obviously, don't be. Let's be realistic. If someone shows up with a piece of piece of shit that can't even go around the track, yes, they're gonna have to get something different. But maybe they don't have a brand new car. Maybe they don't have a brand new engine. Maybe they they're on a budget. Like help them out. Work with them. Like don't discourage them. All right, that's my rant over. Sorry. Yeah, there. I mean, there's a lot of change. Obviously, there's a lot that needs to change along the way mm-hmm. you know it, it needs to be easier to get in the hobby and there needs to be like just local and regional racing it, it, there needs to be i think in in many countries more value for money you know more fun there less sitting and waiting around and more racing and fun you know so there's all kinds of you know formats things to do with the format and the way we, we race organize our racing uh we'll tackle that as we continue to end to new people and all of that stuff like there's a lot of things on the way but the the number one thing is we first what the, that first needs to be solved is we need to present something to the world we need the charm that's the number one thing we need the charm after that after we have that then work on all those other things when there are actually people lining up and people who want to get into racing you know Mm-hmm. And work work with that because currently they're on. Let's just face it. All right. Well, you RC know what is the downward trend, not upward. We we've been so wrapped. Let's fix that first, and then figure out all those other steps. All right. We we I agree. Let's be the chum people. I know we don't like that saying, but just think of it differently. We've been going on for 45, 48 minutes with this. Um, uh, if you guys have any suggestions, any questions about what we're talking about, if you, I want I want people's opinion. We might as well, we should, maybe we should do a, a poll. What do you think, Joseph? Should we do a poll on the, on the pe- Facebook page? What is the pinnacle, 10 scale or 8 scale? What do you think? Well, that's not really a relevant I question. know, but that's it's it's a big thing that came up. It's like, yeah, but it's not going to get us anywhere. Right. We need to think of a question that's actually valuable, like that could move us forward. That's not going to move us forward. Right. It's just like how many 10 scale races voted versus how many eight scale races voted that's not relevant i think we should have a poll do we want to see rc advance and become mainstream or no do you want to keep it the way it is and see what people say i yeah, don't know we will think Something of like a good that. poll and we'll put it on facebook but yeah. anyway you... go and like and share if my election <laughs> 2020 
elect Mr. White. That's the official campaign page on Facebook. And we want to blow this up. Yeah. And we want to answer questions on there and get questions from people. And Let's get it to 500. Yeah, basically run a successful week. campaign. What? Let's get it to 500 likes by the end of the week. And the next week. Yeah, it's 358 right now. Yeah, well, let's let's get past 500. Let's do that. So like and share people. Remember, for change to happen, change actually has to happen. And <clears throat> anyway, you know what, Joseph? We've been going on. Uh, I can hear the passion in you. And I like the fact that now I can crack the whip on you a little bit. So, hey, just keep me informed, all right, sir? Because, you know, I don't want to have to. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um. We're actively trying to get some people from IFMAR on here on the podcast to talk to them and find out what, what IFMAR has planned. Like, we're not trying to bash them. We want to we know what's going on. And, uh, hey, if we don't ask questions, we won't know answers. So if you have questions, ask us. If you have anything you want to talk about concerning this or concerning RC, period, just hit me up. Hit me up privately or hit me up on the No Name RC podcast privately. And uh, we'll go from there. I'm, I'm open to talk to anybody Joseph, you have anything to say before we sign off here? Nope. All right. I want to shout out to all of the NNRC squad from the war around the world. Thank you guys for all of your support. I greatly appreciate it. Thank you to Gil Losey for coming on this week. Thank you to everybody else that participated in the Donathan RC Facebook Live giveaway. Thank you to everybody that's participating in the uh, yet to happen. Well, it's going to happen. The the Techno RC, No Name RC heart hotline with Cav and Wally. And thank you to our patrons on Patreon. You guys help keep these bills paid. And big shout out to our supporters, uh, the companies that support this podcast, which are RCMX Online, Techno RC, Beach RC, Papa Willie's Traction Tonic, JQ Racing, and BK Servers. Remember people showing these companies uh, some love shows this podcast some love and shows that you you know that you like these guys. If you go to Donathan Donathan Leeds, Donathan RC products, racing products, sorry, and you heard about it from this podcast, just let him know. Um, he even has some cool no name RC podcast leads. And uh, remember, Nitro is the glory. E buggy pays the bills. If you ain't grinding, you're sliding. And don't get mad at the messenger. Get mad at the message. Lefty out. Thank you for listening to the No Name RC Podcast. We greatly appreciate all the support and love from you, the listeners. Without all of you, none of this is possible. Special thanks to our patrons on Patreon. If you wish to support the podcast further, you can at patreon.com forward slash NNRC Podcast. As a patron, you will receive early releases, special content, and patron-only giveaways. Also, please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and our website, www.nnrcpodcast.com. Remember, Nitro is the glory, but eBuggy pays the bills. If you aren't having fun, it doesn't make sense. And if you ain't grinding, you're sliding lefty out. Nitro is the glory, Nitro is the glory, Nitro is the glory.